Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. This is, first of all, uh day the Lord has made, and we should be happy and rejoice upon it. Additionally, for those who watch the sports reporters show on ESPN, and I imagine a lot of you do, uh, this is a day to remember a great man and an exemplary journalist, great father, an amazing friend, a dedicated husband in John Sanders, who, of course, uh, we lost on Wednesday. And when I say we, I mean anyone who cared a fig about sports. And, of course, those who ever had the pleasure of meeting him, and it was indeed a pleasure. I'm not just saying this because the man is gone. I'm saying this because it was truly a pleasure. I literally met him twice, and it was momentary. Once, the first time, I was very young. Well, not very young. I was in my, I was a young aspiring journalist, um, you know, 21 probably years of age. And he was one of, sadly, a very few number of heroes I had in sports broadcasting. And, you know, this was Stuart Scott was still just out of school. Stuart and I are contemporaries, but John was a hero, someone to whom I looked up. And I, I will miss him forever. <laughs> I will miss him forever. Um, there's no other way to put it. You know, so that's it. And someone else will do the things, the jobs he had will be filled by someone. Someone else will do the things he did at, at ESPN, but no one will replace him. He is irreplaceable. In many ways, as much as I love Stu, perhaps even more irreplaceable than Stuart Scott, because uh, Stuart Scott was an amazing and singular presence. But was he the smooth, unsinkable battleship of a majestic broadcasting presence that John Saunders was? It's tough. Stuart, what, as great as he was, his style mattered as much as his substance. And with John, substance was nine tenths of everything he did in his life and in his career. So it's difficult to compare the two. Uh, unfortunately, both of them left us far too soon. And not only ESPN is poorer for it, but the world is poorer for their loss. So I just want to spend a moment talking about one of my heroes, John Saunders, who, you know, my loss clearly dwarfed by the loss of his friends and colleagues, whose, you know, whose loss must be felt many times larger. So uh, that, that is that. And I do hope that the National Association of Black Journalists or other organizations of that type will soon honor John in naming scholarships or, yes, I think that would be a very fitting thing. I do hope that, that in some way soon we do see a permanent way 
for people to commemorate the life and career of John Saunders. Uh, he meant a lot to anyone who cared about uh, sports, obviously, and he meant a tremendous amount to to people that care about decency. So, there we are. And I'm going to check on my guest, Donovan James. Let's, let's see where he might be. While we try to make sure that he is uh, he's with us, I will talk about some of the things that I take away from uh, last year's Impact Freshman class, which was a pretty impactful Impact Freshman class. Uh, we saw some young corners and some young uh, running backs particularly announce themselves immediately. Uh, obviously, in the cases of guys like Josh Rosen, that's probably the most Ballyhooed freshman in all of college football, we clearly got a good sense of uh, who and what he is. And uh, some people think he has a chance to be, you know, the best college quarterback in a generation. Will there be a Josh Rosen in this class? I think the answer is probably no. But all people are excited in Georgia about Jacob Eason. There's a lot of of excitement around several freshman quarterbacks. So there'll be a lot uh, to to discuss in terms of that. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's also some great young defenders. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of excitement about Josh Swept. He was coming off of a knee. Uh, the expectation is that he will be fully ready to go. And, you know, not that Florida State needs more impact players, but we'll finally get to see what the excitement was regarding him. I think people are excited about uh, a lot of the young wide receivers, as per always. I mean, <laughs> I think there's never any uh, any expectation that there won't be at least a couple of young receivers who show up immediately and do big things. I'm going to throw out a name that people are maybe a little less aware of because he's an offensive tackle. If Virginia Tech has a much better season than people are expecting, it'll be in large part, I think, because of their offensive line. And I would urge people to keep an eye out on um, a young tackle they have in the Austin Clark. A few other uh, youngsters, obviously, uh, Tavares McFadden, along with Sweat, and, of course, Derwin James, who was one of the most impactful impact freshmen last year <laughs> made uh, made his presence felt quite literally. 
you know, so he's someone I think most people will be eager to see do what he did and then continue to get better at what he did. So, yes, there's a lot a lot of reasons to be excited, as there always are, about the incoming young players that uh, are finding their way onto college campuses. And people need to remind themselves, these are college students. They are making the, the jumps, not only in terms of playing against better players, older players, faster players, stronger players. They're going to college classes for the first time in most of their lives. Some of them may have done, you know, some uh, classes that were, uh, you know, collegiate level while they were still in, in high school. Pitt has Jordan Whitehead and uh, Avante um, Maddox. Maddox is junior, and Whitehead's just a sophomore, so that gives them perhaps, if not the best, only one of the best tandems of young corners, and one of whom who is potentially draft eligible should he play early, one who's not. And we'll see if they can continue to bring in talent like that, but if so, they, they'll take a big jump up. A few other guys that I expect, you know, maybe last year they didn't do a whole lot, but I think they will this year. Uh, Jaquan Johnson going into his second year at Miami as a guy I expect to show up. He was a four-star safety in Miami. is looking for defensive playmakers, and then, you know, who isn't? Duke is not exactly a recruiting powerhouse, uh, far from it, but this will be a year where I believe that T.J. Romings lucked out. Uh, he's a guy who's in the Army All-American Bowl, which you don't hear said about Duke recruits very often. Duke is sort of a stealth program. Uh, they have one of the best coaches in America, at least in my opinion. They do a great job of developing guys who generally is a, what I call two-and-a-half-star program, mostly two- and three-stars, but when they start getting four-stars, and maybe they'll start getting five-stars should things continue along the way, way they have in the past, this should be a really impressive run because I think they'll stay near the top of the ACC. I think they'll be one of the top three or four teams in the conference, and I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect them to stay near the top of the conference going forward. There are a lot of truly gifted young players, obviously, at Florida State, and Carolina is not far behind in terms of bringing in four- and five-star talent into the ACC. Uh, we're going to obviously have Don James, who is our Pac-12 expert, talking about the influx of talent that's showing up at places like UCLA and USC and places like that. And we should expect pretty soon uh, to have him sort of airing uh, his views on if UCLA has another player who might, maybe not quite have the impact of Josh Rosen, obviously, but someone else who can maybe help take that program to the next level. There are some people expecting UCLA to win, and some people even expect usually to run away with the Pac-12. Washington, due to the fact that they're recruiting extremely well, it's another team that some people have taken sort of a dark horse with an opportunity to win the Pac-12. USC is just sort of generically mentioned because it's still USC, despite the fact that they haven't, they frankly haven't challenged them in the conference in a few years, but people always have high expectations about the men of Troy. This is an incredibly important year for Oregon. Uh, the bloom is to some extent off the rose. That was a program that year in and year out uh, contended for darn near a decade to win that conference championship. 
with Chip Kelly moving on, there were some people who predicted it would just sort of perk right along the way it always had. Others felt like that was an unrealistic expectation. And though certainly Coach Helfrich is a really, 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 really good coach, uh, there's no two ways around that. Things have not perked right along quite at the same level that they did previous. Uh, there has been a sense that maybe he isn't quite the dynamic genius that, that Coach Kelly was. That remains to be seen, quite frankly. I think it's a little too early to start judging, but this is an incredibly important year. The, the seat is just getting the slightest bit of warmth now under Coach Helfridge. I do hope, even though I'm you know, sort of far from a member of Duck Nation, I do think he deserves time to fully implement what he's doing. And I truly believe that they will probably have something of a bounce back here. I think this will be a solid program and that they will continue to contend, continue to be a tough out. I think nine and three isn't beyond the realm of possibility for Oregon. Uh, for Oregon State, it's a super important year. They've wandered around in the wilderness the last few years. It'll be interesting to see if they can find their way and if not contend, at least get back towards bowl eligibility where they traditionally were for many years under Coach Riley. Washington State is one of those dark horse programs. Some people are picking them not to win the whole thing, to be in the top three. I think that's not at all unreasonable. I think they certainly could find their way into the, the top three in the conference. And one thing that, of course, is on the mind of everyone at Cal is, you know, obviously there will be life without Jared Goff, whether you like it or not, but what, what, how will that life look? Uh, how will that life present itself when you have, you know, the most ballyhooed player in the history of the program probably since, what, Steve Barkowski or somebody? I mean, it's been a long time since there's been a player who's garnered that kind of attention for the sturdy Golden Bears, and now they must find someone who not only will play that position, but is there someone who can also invigorate that program the same way? Uh, that's a usually important question. So we'll, we'll have to get an answer to it, right? If that program is to can you grow forward, you know, to get bigger, to be better, or to stay at the same level, things will have to happen that have not yet happened, quite frankly. Uh, but if indeed they continue to be a good program, if they continue to be a team that wins eight games, maybe even nine games, they'll need to get great play from a lot of players, some of whom you know, previously weren't playing at a super high level, but they'll need to, to step it up at some point in this season. So that's something else that, that everyone will be, you know, turning their eyes to to see how Cal looks in their, you know, post-golf life, post-golf era. Uh, USC, of course, has to replace their starter as well. But the general opinion, uh, and no offense to Cody Kessler, but that Max Brown is he's the more physically gifted of the two, and there's an expectation that they may, once Max Brown gets a little more experience under belt, may actually have an improvement in some of their playmaking, even though they might not be as consistent. Uh, it's a conference, the Pac-12 always, is a conference that is often seen as sort of a glamour conference where people look at 
the skill position talent, receivers, running backs, C.D. Smith, Schuster at USC, uh, Royce Freeman at Oregon. What I think people sometimes underestimate is the trenches, um, defensive and offensive line talent, which is usually excellent, and, of course, defensive backs. Uh, The linebacker talent, frankly, has dropped off to me across the board. I mean, I remember when, you know, Kid Norton Jr., Carnell Lake, though he was a very small linebacker, was an outstanding linebacker. Jerry Robinson, also at UCLA, was a great linebacker. You had, you know, the Junior Seau, and later, more recently, guys like, you know, the ridiculous receive, uh, linebacking court that you saw at USC a few years back where you had Ray Maluga, and you saw, you know, Kaluka Maivia wasn't even a starter getting drafted, you know, and Clay Matthews Jr. and Keith Rivers. And you can't expect that kind of thing on a regular basis for obvious reasons, but maybe it's the way the game has changed. I don't see quite the same level of outstanding linebacker play from anyone, to be perfectly honest, in the conference that I, I once saw previously. So that's that's to me a big question mark is what they're I think the team that gets the biggest improvement in linebacker play will be the team that has the greatest improvement in their record from last year to the first, to this year. Uh, getting back to Washington State for just a second, a couple of guys that they had who who were you know signees coming in last year who I think might have a chance to to actually get some work done. Uh, Shalom Luani, the safety of the guy, I think might see the field. And they bring back, obviously, Luke Falk, who will be you know, spreading the ball around the way he always does. Uh, Thomas Toki is another big-time recruit, an actual four-star. They don't get a lot of those up there on the Palouse. So, yes. Um, let me see. I'm going to check once again on Donovan, who may be the face. Let's see. Or maybe not. But uh, the Pac-12 is obviously an interesting conference. There's a lot of young players who entered that conference recently. And like I said, obviously, you had a couple of obvious examples, the most obvious of which being uh, Josh Rosen, who now comes back for his second year as a starter at UCLA, and, of course, his health is perhaps the most important thing of any of the things that they have to make sure that happens in, for their program. And then not probably not far behind that in terms of importance to their program is to continue to improve, to develop a pass rush, being able to protect the passer and being able to affect the passer have now become the two most important things for teams to do as the running game has been, uh, frankly, de-emphasized. Much is expected, of course, at USC from Amon Marshall 
who we saw flashes from this year. He needs to become you know, truly a a consistent performer. If he can do that, teaming with Adore Jackson, that will give them a you know a sophomore junior one-two punch. That'll be pretty impressive. Uh, Leon McQuay is back for his senior year, so they have some real talent back there. Uh, Plattenberg and Hawkins have some playing experience also in the back half of the secondary. Much is expected from Jabari Ruffin this year, who's expected to be more of a, a pass rusher, more of an impact player. Uh, Quentin Powell is a guy who's expected to step into the Sua Cravens role as sort of a hybrid spur-type linebacker. And Scott Felix expected to, to also raise his level of play. Michael Hutchings another guy that they're expecting much of. Jonathan Lockett may find his way into the, the nickel discussion. There's a couple other guys who might also find their way onto the field in that role. Uh, Rasheem Green, a young D-tackle, is expected to make an impact this year as a uh, second-year player. And Shuma Edoga uh, is a guy who may find his way, particularly if there's any health concerns amongst the tackles, uh, to find his way into that discussion. Uh, this is also the year that a lot of people are expecting Soso Jamabo to take over. Uh, it's not completely, uh, but, you know, the carries that once went to Paul Perkins to get a good chunk of those carries, now a, a second-year player. Kanu Solomon returns. Uh, Justin Jr., it seems like he's been in Arizona for quite some time. Kanu Solomon is really, you know, a fairly young player. It's Interesting how you know time moves a little bit differently. People think of Andrew Solomon as a as a vet, and to some extent he is, but we do certainly expect him to continue to uh, to continue to grow. So that's certainly something that we're uh, we're looking forward. If Amy Solomon continues to improve as a passer, stays healthy, and does enough with his feet to extend plays and even make some plays with his feet, Arizona is still a somewhat scary team in the Pac-12. Arizona State is another school that finds itself at a bit of a crossroads. Uh, They have been a team that sort of flirted around that six, seven win mark for quite some time. They have some big losses, Christian Westerman being one of the biggest ones, Berkovici, also their starter from last year has moved on. Uh, they will also be listing, missing uh, safety Jordan Simone and cornerback Floyd Carrington, who were amongst the leaders of that defense. Demetrius Cherry and uh, Quasey Brown are also gone, though not quite as devastating in terms of the losses. In terms of young guys coming in, uh, Brady White is expected to, whether or not he wins the starting job, he's expected to be a guy that they feel good about stepping in should he be asked to play. They expect him to play well. Uh, Joseph Wicker is expected to start to make an impact as a as a defensive end edge rusher type player. And then uh, Stanley Norman, as well as players, they're trying, trying to figure out a role for. He's a little bit in that Christian Kirk mold. And he might indeed 
see his place on the field at multiple different positions. Utah uh, also loses a lot of senior leadership, losing Travis Wilson, Devontae Booker. Uh, they also lose Jason Vanica, Gianni Paul, so they're, and Kevin Carter. So they're looking to replace a good number of players. They did have a pretty good class, um, particularly at the receiver position. They brought in Corey Butler and George Wilson. Um, they had a junior college kid, Danico Carter, come in last year. Also another Juco kid in Kyle Fox. They brought in Alfred Smith and another junior college guy in Joseph Williams. So each of those guys will need to step up this year and contribute. This is a team that's hovered around, once again, the they had two bad seasons, 2012-2013, but mostly have been around the 8-5, 9-4 mark. They will need a lot of their youngsters to step up and improve for them to continue to be at that level. A few of the other teams in the conference that people have circled. Obviously, Colorado doesn't need to contend or doesn't need to win the conference, but they need to show growth. They also have one of the quarterbacks that I've long enjoyed watching, and to be perfectly honest, there's no way around it. Kifo LaFowle had a sort of a, a step back here. He moved uh, not in the greatest of, of directions last year, you saw him get a little bit of what my friend Benjamin Albright calls shaking QB syndrome. You saw him, frankly, um, you know, concerned about his health, and I understand why he was. His offensive line did him no favors, but nonetheless, uh, you'd like to see a quarterback, despite the fact he got knocked around like you and Pinata, you would like to see him try to remain poised, make the right read. 
not compromise his decision making. So I understand he's built up his body to try to take, you know, which is, you know, I mean, you, you know, you like to see a guy get stronger anyway, but, you know, you worry about him doing it primarily just so he can try not to break physically. Uh, he's previously been sort of a slender guy. I'm understanding he's probably getting close to 230 pounds, which would be uh, probably better for him to hold up physically. But the, the main thing is just for him to focus on beating the defense, finding his open, getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible because, uh, as we just sort of alluded to, he didn't have a lot of time, and that's unlikely to change. He's like he's still have an offensive line that tends to be overmatched. If you're looking for good news, and I imagine everyone in Buffalo land is looking for good news, Coach McIntyre is a really good developer of, of players. His offensive coordinator, Brian Lindgren, is very solid. And, of course, Jim Levitt, who we all remember from the days at USF, is a tremendous coach and a coach that I think we all expect to do great, great things given time. And, of course, they can continue to, to bring in better players. They do lose Nelson Spruce, who is a big loss. Uh, you don't really replace a guy like him in terms of what he did, production, things like that. But it's a fairly young program for the most part. Uh, they lost Nimbot there. Talented, but frankly, unpolished right tackle who, despite his talent, got beat pretty badly at times last year. Uh, they don't lose a lot of players, though. Uh, they bring back the vast majority of their defensive players. They do lose Justin Solis. But this is a team that brings back a lot of guys with playing experience. And amongst the young guys, Numatofalo, Patrick Carr, and Tim Lennett are all second-year players who are expected to, to step up and have a bigger role this year. This is a program where 6-6 six and six is considered, you know, big doings. And they have a shot. So I'll run through a couple more teams in the conference, and then we will shortly be joined by Donna James, who I've been informed may be playing hurt. They have a little bit of a throat-slash-voice situation, but he's going to be fighting through it. So much appreciated, Don, that you're going to be here fighting through that situation. So we saw Victor Bolden go from being, you know, the kid brother to the older brother. And it's now one of the top, in my mind, wide receivers, maybe one of the top five or six senior wide receivers in the country, and once again, at least in my my mind, my opinion, my opinion. They have a super sophomore in Seth Collins who, you know, played a little bit out of control at times, but super talented, really exciting. This could be one of those teams that does make one of the more interesting moves in the conference. Could this be a year that they overcome their neighbors to the south? Let me research it correctly. I think Corvallis is slightly, yeah, slightly north of Eugene's. Let me research it correctly. Yes. So could they overcome them? Could they bypass them? They do lose Kyle Pecco. They do lose Storm Woods. They lose Richard Mullaney, the very uh, dependable former 
possession type receiver who transferred out anyway. So uh, lose Josh Mitchell, Gavin Andrews off their offensive line. And uh, Jalen Grimble as well. But for the most part, they bring back a lot of their best players. And perhaps most importantly is the development of young Mr. Uh, Seth Collins. They're going to be playing in a 3-4, which is interesting as well. Uh, it's so hard to find the right players to play in a 3-4 because you need a lot of big people who are also good athletes. So we'll see how that goes. I think they'll be better on offense. The big question will be defense. I think they have a chance to win all but probably really three or four of the games that they, they have scheduled and potentially could do better than that. Let's see. I mentioned a little bit about Cal. They, once again, have a lot of big names to replace. I always talk about golf, but they also have to replace Lasco. They have to replace Steven Anderson, Bryce Triggs, Trevor Davis. Basically, enti- Kenny Lawler, basically their entire receiver core. Yes, not basically. Really, their entire receiver core must be replaced. They bring back some talent on defense. They do lose Cragen and Mustafa Jalil, Puka Lupo. And Stefan McClure, who I'll exhaust eligibility as is Darius White. But they bring back Darius Allensworth, who I think is one of the top corners in the conference, will be returning. Uh, they're going to be trying to, you know, like I said, you don't need to replace Jared Goff, but uh, they'll, somebody else will be playing that position. Uh, we all know that this will probably be a little more run heavy, a little more you know, slightly different kind of offense than the offense they played in the past. So clearly it's still a team that's going to play air raid and they're throw the ball, but I think they may run the ball a little bit more than they have in the past. As I mentioned, Washington is sort of a sexy pick for a lot of people. They have Chris Peterson, who I think is one of the, you know, pound for pound, one of the best coaches in all of college football anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Uh, he's a top five to ten coach to me. And, you know, I obviously – Bang the drum from the end of USC when USC had an opening, but be that as it may, uh, he is where he is. He's doing what he's doing, and he's perfect coach. No two ways around it. He will win. Uh, the question is how many games? I think nine is what I'm projecting. Now, is that enough to put them in a championship game? Because this may not be one of the most impressive years for the for the conference as a whole. It may be possible to win a portion of the conference championship with nine victories. As surprising as that may sound, and I'm sure it, it is a surprise to most, because normally that wouldn't even put you in the discussion. I think this year it does. I think this is a year where you can be right there in contention with, you know, nine going nine is great. I don't think this is a year where there'll be a team that uh, is undefeated or even 11-1 and in the entire conference. I think everybody in the conference will have two losses. That's my belief about the Pac-12. And 
I believe we may have been joined by If I'm into another one of my guests, maybe. Maybe not, but soon I should be. So, plowing forward. Uh, Washington obviously had a tremendous impact freshman in Mr. Gaskins last year, who, to some extent, bypassed the rather talented Dwayne Washington now finds himself in the NFL. He was uh, stronger than expected from a guy his size. He's from a guy who's probably about 187 pounds or something. Uh, Jake Browning overcame Jeff Lindquist to win the starting job. Austin Joyner found a way to uh, make an impact as well. Now, they do lose Jaden Mickens and Joshua Perkins, a couple of their more well-established targets. They bring back Dante Pettis, Braden Linnaeus, they bring back all but Theosifa uh, uh, Tafunga and Dexter Charles are both gone off their line, but the rest of their line returns in terms of the offensive line. On defense, they lose Travis Feeney, probably the most important uh, <laughs> of, of the names on defense, as well as uh, Scott Law- Lawyer, Corey Littlejohn, but bring back the rest of the unit. And, of course, the two biggest names being Sidney Jones at corner and Buder Baker at free safety, both of whom are tremendous playmakers in the secondary. They have one of the better secondary units out there. I could see them managing to overcome Oregon, and I do think Stanford is now the class of the uh, Pac-12 North. So. Let's talk about Oregon. Traditionally, you know, a team that everyone sort of penciled in to the top or near the top of the Pac-12, top five team, year in and year out for a while. They're now a team that I think is somewhere between 10 and 15. Obviously, they have some things to figure out. Uh, they bring in yet another grad transfer quarterback, in this case, Dakota Prokop. They do retain uh, the services of Thomas Tyner and uh, Royce Freeman. They lost Tyler Johnstone, probably one of the biggest losses, but also lost a bunch of depth off of their offensive line, including Matt Pearson, Inatelli Luasi, and they lost Pharaoh Brown from their tight end spot. They do bring back Darren Carrington. They do bring back Jalen Brown. Uh, Devin Allen may not be available for a while. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Braylon Addison declared early for reasons that I'm not exactly sure why, but he didn't show enough to me, at least in his junior season, to demand an early entry into the NFL draft, but nonetheless he did it. Uh, Off defense, they lost a tremendous amount of talent. Alex Balducci, of course, DeForest Buckner being the biggest name. They lost Christian French, Rodney Hardick, Joe Walker, uh, an underrated but productive linebacker. They lost Tyson Coleman. Uh, they do bring back some super speedy people in the back half of their defense, like Charles Nelson, who uh, 
full of speedsters, is one of the fastest players on the team. Uh, they bring back Tyree Robinson and Juwan Williams, who will be playing somewhere in the deep secondary. Uh, one of them might be playing nickel, one might be playing C-safety or strong. They also bring back Reggie Daniels and Khalil Oliver. Other guys will be play, competing for the secondary spots uh, in the safety positions. And Ugo Amadi and Chris Cisse are also guys in that corner nickel discussion. Uh, but this is definitely a less elite group than we're expecting. The guys we brought in last year, Canton, uh, Kamotele, Taj Griffin, Travis Johnson. Now, Johnson, of course, you know, is a, a tall, rangy, athletic quarterback. Should something happen with Pro Cup, he'll be in the discussion. Um, I, I guess Lockie is just Richard Senior. He might still be around. But the two of them, I guess, will be in the discussion should uh, Pro Cup not pan out or get hurt. But they they have more question marks surrounding their program than ever, ever before. Now, Coach Helfrick still has had a tremendous amount of success. You know, he's you know guy in his fourth season with over 30 victories. I mean, you can't take too many shots at that. But this is not quite the, you know, this is not your older brothers, uh, Oregon Ducks, who are a unstoppable killing machine in the conference, particularly in their half of the conference. They, to me, are have taken a step back to probably, like I said, probably the third, you know, spot in their half of the conference. Let's see, who else is worthy of mention? Yeah, well, like I said, we'll see what happens uh, if Devin Allen returns to football ever again. Uh, that might make a difference after the Olympics or if he decides to come back, uh, but that, that remains to be seen. And here we have the one, the only, Mr. Donovan James. Donovan, I appreciate you uh, fighting through, coming off the physically unable to perform list and uh, rehabbing quickly. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. Uh, had to make sure the voice down a little bit crispier. <laughs> no, but thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I like this Sunday brunch thing. New thing we got going on. It's pretty, pretty fun. I like it. Well, it's, 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 it's to accommodate uh, people who I know have difficult uh, Saturday and uh, Friday nights and Saturday mornings. So, Taking a look at two things, uh, one, you know, sort of across college football, who are some of the, you know, the incoming first-year players you expect to, I mean, obviously you can't have a Josh Rosen every year, but there's somebody every year who shows up, uh, makes, you know, freshman All-American, makes everyone's watch list for, you know, Heisman for next year and things like that. I mean, who are some of the, the, 18, 19-year-old, you know, first-year players who we should expect to hear their names all throughout this 2016-17 season? Um, the first name you're probably going to hear, I would say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, out of you're talking about true freshmen, or are you talking about, are we talking red shirts I'm, too, I'm, or are we going to ask? I'm, I'm count, I'll go ahead and count red shirts. I mean, obviously, you know, some guys, simply because of injury or depth chart things, weren't able to show up last year, but, you know, obviously, uh, we're talking about both 
But start off with the guys who are true, quote unquote, true freshmen, and then hit on some red shirts, guys who maybe didn't get a chance to show up last year, but you expect will this year. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because I, I was going to start with a quarterback for a certain team. But no, we'll start off with the number one guy, <clears throat> excuse me, in the country. Um, consensus last year on every you know, major recruiting website, um, from start to finish, you know, he was number one player in the country, number one lineman, uh, even one under Armour All American MVP, uh, best player in practice down there in Orlando, Rashawn Gary. Um, Rashawn Gary is a starter right now. Um, he's one of the only <laughs> true freshmen uh, for a Power Five school that's like been on the depth chart, you know, as a starter from day one. Obviously, he's going to replace uh, the guy they just lost in the NFL a little early last year. I liked him. I can't think of his name right now. They just lost him early last year. Defensive tackle, kind of undersized guy. Um, he's going to be replacing him. Um, you can put him at end. You can put him at defensive tackle. He can play everywhere. Um, he'd probably stand up if he needed him to, even though he's a 291. <laughs> 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 so, he's really athletic. Um, Paramus Catholic High School with Sean Gary. Yeah, he's going to be the guy that everybody's watching. He's going to make Michigan go. Um, he's going to get better and better each game. I feel like he got better and better um, each season from uh, his early recruitment, probably his like, early sophomore year. He's gotten better and better, I feel like, every year. Um, last year, it's just that was one of the most dominant high school years I think somebody's had, just that defensive line, just really being consistent. Um, he had a sack every game. Uh, there was no game he didn't have a second. I like that. You know, there wasn't there wasn't flashes or anything. I mean, he was just consistent the whole time in practice. Uh, workhorse, um, really knows what he's doing um, technique wise. So Harbaugh's gonna have fun with him. So I'll start off with him. Um, yeah. So regular. So, Go ahead. Yeah. So I was just saying that Willie Henry was a a good player, but the belief is that you've gotten a great player to replace a good player. Yeah, basically, like. yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. I know that that's his name, Willie Henry. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, Willie Henry. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's a solid player, but yeah, you got a special type of guy right here with Sean Gary. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, there's no Rosens or whatever every year, but this is a guy that's been like I said, so dominant. He's so consistent that he is one of the top. If I had to make a top ten prospects um, of the decade, he'd probably be on there. Be on. Wow. Okay, so he's in the same breath, it sounds like, with, you know, guys like, uh, well, I guess, who else would be on that list if you're talking about the top of the deck? I mean, I, I think uh, Rosen, obviously, would be on the list. I'd have to go back and look. I mean, top ten, pro, like, just ready guys. Um, gosh, man. Yeah, Rosen, um, obviously, would be on there for sure for me. Would, um, would um. With, I would with say, Todd, I was going to ask you if Todd uh, Gurley would be on that list. When he came out, no. But, I mean, he was a guy that you, he, was a kind of, he wasn't like a can't-miss guy, but he was a really, really elite guy. I mean, he was a five-star, a true five-star all on the board, but not, not like that. Um, Derrick Henry, <clears throat> when he came out, just because of his testing numbers and everything, um, killed it at Sparks. Is like the third highest rating of all time. So somebody like Derrick Henry, um, who obviously you know won the Heisman Trophy, All American. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. There's a couple quarterbacks. Oh, uh, Mitch Hyatt for me um, from Clemson. I, I always thought he was a guy like that. I know he wasn't rated as high. Some people had him as a four, 
a few ones are five. His consensus is mostly five star, but I, Mitch Hyatt, a guy that I, I thought that would be a can't miss pro, uh, prospect, and he's lived up to it right now. Um, he has not missed. He's on my All American team. Yeah, you know he's one of those guys. Um, I, I think since we're going to talk about redshirt freshman Blake Barnett will be. Um, Jalen Smith is that type of guy. Obviously, he got injured. Um, but there, I, I, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> I have to go through um, the list and just see. There's so many guys. And Zeke was really good. Obviously, with, um, with Clowney, out. With Clowney be on that Watson. Clowney, yeah, definitely Clowney. Um, I mean, he's so dominant. I mean, and most people say he's one of the best high school players they've ever seen. Um, I, I mean, I think Rashawn Gary's better um, than Clowney wow. in high school. Yeah, I, I know he's not as athletic. Um, he's also weighs a lot more than him, though, too. But um, he doesn't have the flash plays and stuff like that. But, I mean, Rashawn Gary, for what's worth, I mean, he got doubled all the time. Like, he wasn't just on the edge, too. Like I said, he was on the inside and out. Um, I mean, Clowney was amazing. They're right there next to each other as far as linemen in the past decade. Um, I would say Clowney's probably second. <clears throat> He'll probably put Rashawn Gary first, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's how good. <laughs> that's how, how good he is, man. I, I really do truly think it's almost like you know you don't want to say safe you kind of hate that word but you you just can't really go wrong with him like he's not gonna be a a bad player it it might be injuries or something but it's not gonna be his work ethic it's not gonna be him not putting in the work you know what i mean it's not gonna be right we're not not gonna see him on tmz is what you're saying anything like that no, Sean just likes to work, man, and hustle and stat the quarterback and get the tackler and then do it the right way he watches a more stat favorite player um, growing up, and, and uh, there's some similarities there. Um, obviously, gets Jer- um, McCoy is who he gets compared to a lot. Uh, I definitely see those comparisons. You know, at Oklahoma, watching McCoy, uh, Joe McCoy, I-, I see that in him. I see him being the next Joe McCoy, and I'm not afraid to say that, even though Joe McCoy is definitely one of the best players. <laughs> so, on the way to, you know, maybe the Hall of Fame one day. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good comparison for Rashawn as Joe McCoy. Um so if you guys haven't seen Joe McCoy throwing his tape, his OU tape, I mean, obviously not going to compare Rashawn Gary to NFL version of McCoy, but you can put on McCoy's OU tape and then probably a little bit of his Bucks tape too. And then put on Rashawn Gary's tape, you kind of see a lot of similarities uh, between those two guys. Got it. I thought you remind me a great deal of, though he could continue to get bigger and stronger, is Kerry Hyder from uh, Texas Tech in that the motor – and moving that well at that size. Yeah, I was so impressed with the way he moved um, in practice. <clears throat> you know, going up against – I mean, Paramus Catholic is a top school in the country, and they go up against um, top schools in Jersey and out, outside of the state. But seeing him in practice against the top, top-notch guys every single week uh, – or every, every single day, excuse me, um, was really impressed. I mean, he dominated practice. Um, he really was, you know – the lights are going off, and he still wanted to be there learning techniques and everything like that. And I like that. I mean, that's what you want from your young stud guy. And they got the number one player, like I said, consensus in the country. Every website had him number one. Um, and you don't see that often. Um, some websites play favorites, or maybe they just think differently or whatever. Everyone likes Rashawn. I never heard anything bad about him. You see, he's so quiet that you can't really hear anything bad about him. Anyway, um, well, you know, soft-spoken guy. <laughs> Big guy, soft-spoken guy. Um, you know, reader, you know, likes to read. I know a lot. So, studies the game. Um, don't know his major, but 
Um, Jim Hall will be happy, man. Um, he's going to be one of those guys that you know, he doesn't have to worry about um, being a knucklehead or listening to him or whatever. So he'll be there right there starting this year and make an impact right away, I think, for Wolverine. Got it. Okay. Any other freshmen uh, you think will step in right away yeah. and we'll be seeing them make an impact from day one? Yeah. Yeah, you'll definitely see Gregory Little um, out of Allen, Texas. I'm sure you've heard of that high school before, guys. <laughs> uh, used to be in left tackle for Colin Murray. It's double state titles, national titles. Uh, he's going to Ole Miss. Uh, they lost Laramie Tunsil. Obviously, they're going to have Greg Little at right tackle, probably start off with not left early on. Um, they lost a lot up front. Um, they got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Chad Kelly, and they have the number one quarterback from this last year's class, Shea Patterson. I wish he could play because I think he could be an impact player too, Shea Patterson, but he's going to be the backup quarterback. Uh, so, but Chad Kelly is a liability still, um, so you never know. Shea might play. Um, but no, Gregory Little definitely have a huge impact. Um, he had some struggles with guys that are super quick that I worried about a little. Excuse me, super powerful. He, he, he kills the quick guys. Little quick guys coming off the edge or outside linebackers coming off the edge. Kills them does a good job, so dominant. He earned, you know, a top 10, top 15 spot. But I feel like he dropped a little because when he went up against guys like Rashawn Gary, he struggled. Rashawn Gary made him look silly in practice all week. That was the most impressive one-on-one to me, I remember, is watching Rashawn Gary and Greg Little because Greg Little is number one lineman. Rashawn Gary is number one defensive lineman. Not even close. Uh, I was like, well, if that's the number one lineman in the country, then Rashawn Gary is really, really good or the lineman from this class aren't that good. But I looked at it, and I was just like, you know what, maybe it's just Rashawn Gary, because I like the line of this class. Uh, more inside than out. I think um, Gregory Little, I don't see him as a star left tackle stud one day. I see him as a solid left tackle, more right tackle type of guy. Um, he kind of reminds me of Luke Jokel, who I like a lot. But I feel like Luke, you know, he got drafted really high because he has good athleticism, good size, good technique. For the most part, but he still has, you know, he's missing something. You know, Luke Joko's kind of struggled against stronger guys, and that's kind of how it is with Gregory Little. He's 6'5", 318, and he's got the size. He's probably going to be up to 330 one day, but he still struggles with guys' strength to me. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, he's in the Ole Miss program right now. Um, you know, put on some weight, put on some more size. Uh, needs to kind of get stronger, uh, lower body-wise. And that's where he needs to work on. But I like him. He's really good. He'll definitely be an impact guy. He's going to be starting. I'm um, kind of just naming off guys I know are starting right away from peaking at the depth chart. Um, so Gregory Little will be an impact guy. Um, Rashawn Smith, I, I think, you know, Clemson, we talked about how much they lost on defense, especially the secondary. Um, obviously, he's playing linebacker, 6'2", 225 pounds. I think, they, you know, they brought everybody back from the, the linebacking core. Um but he is going to be special because of his athleticism and size. They're, they're small. Uh, Clemson's linebackers are small. Um, ben Bowler, I like him a lot. Still kind of an undersized guy. Um, Rashawn Smith is kind of a – he's a, you know, a good 6'2", like I said, 225, 230. Uh, probably about 230, actually, right now. Um, he's a perfect size. He moves really quick. He runs really, really low, 4'5", um, you know. That, that's really good for that size. He moves really well. Good hips and everything. Um, IMG Academy training, which helps out. I think when you go to IMG, it helps you out a, a, a lot right away uh, because you've already had a bunch of NFL coaching um, and just coaching in general, more coaching than everybody else because of the time. 
So I think Rashawn Smith uh be a really good player for Clemson. Probably get a lot of reps. Uh, won't start, but he'll be a definitely impact guy. They might even mess around with him, put him at edge a little bit, just to mess around and see on third down. Because he's, he's an exceptional pass rusher. And that's the one thing he's really good at is getting to the quarterback. So I'd see him play on third downs a lot for Clemson. Um, Jacob Eason is starting for Georgia. So honestly, impact guy right there. He's not, you know, he's got a lot of support on his team. He's not, you know, people are expecting him to do what Rosen did last year or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he, he's, he's really good, strong arm. One of the strongest arms I've seen in a long time. Uh, out of Lake Stevens, Washington High School. Obviously, dad played Illinois, Tony. Um, he's got a good foundation. I don't know. People keep saying he has a Ferrari. He can't mess it up. I don't know if Georgia team that good around him where he has a Ferrari, but <laughs> it's a good sports car. We'll see how Nick Chesney looks versus, or, you know, not even really North Carolina. It's going to be like the games after that. Um, they're not going to play him that much from what I'm hearing. They're going to play Sonny Michelle. Nick Chubb's going to probably get a couple carries start off with. He's on a carry count for that game. Then he'll probably go um, softer the next game because they play a, a FCS opponent. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, Jacob Easton's got the keys to a really good car, though, man, a team that can go to the national championship. Kind of a sleeper team this year, new coaching staff, new energy. Um, first-year coach, though, still Kirby Smart. He's won a bunch of games and titles, but still first-year coach. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that works with the new staff he got. Pulled Pulled a few guys from Alabama, kept some guys on staff, recruiting coordinators he kept. Um, they did a really good job this offseason recruiting. Him and Jacob, uh, excuse me, Jacob Easton and Isaac Nuata, the number one tight end in the country. Um, both of those guys will be impact. Um, Isaac Nuata um, will be paired up with Jeb Blazevich, so they'll be doing a two tight end system a lot this year. They're going to run the football, though, people. I mean, Isaac Nuata and Jeb Blazevich are kind of receiving tight ends, but they're still going to just run down their throat. They, I mean, they got – Big boys up front, got a good couple guards up front I like a lot. Um, like I said, Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Brendan Douglas, running back. Kind of running, a little mini running back you, I guess you could say. I mean, they put out, showed out top running backs, um, you know, the past few years. So I'm excited to see what Georgia can do. And Easton's going to be a big part of that, though. Um, doesn't really have much backing them up. You got the kid from Virginia that played last year. Uh, he didn't impress much. He struggled. Um, I just, you know, Bryce Ramsey's third string. Quarterback and also the punter this year, but I, I just think Jacob Easton will hold it down for them and, and play good enough uh, to get them by. It really helps with his early enrollment, uh, him being there um, since, gosh, I mean, he's been there since April. And he graduated early. Um, no, excuse me, before that, like January, sorry. <laughs> he started practicing in April. Um, he, started, he got the playbook, you know what I mean, early on, and he stayed, stuck his commitment, graduated early. Um, so he's got a, you know, good step ahead of everybody else graduating early. So I like that. Jacob Easton, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll be a pretty impactful guy to me. Um, hmm. The guy's a lot of guys, Bill. Uh, <laughs> Demetrius Robertson, yeah. the saga okay. that was. Demetrius Robertson, of course, we all know oh, about his right. recruitment. Right, um, yes, it was complicated. Very, very, very. Um, I think on our show on Tuesday nights, we talked about him a lot every week almost, just because we didn't know where he was going to go and he was going to decide to go, this and that. Um, he ended up going to the University of California. He's a Cal Golden Bear. A surprise. It was kind of a little bit of a surprise. Some people came from Savannah, Georgia, you know, getting recruited by Alabama, Notre Dame, 
Um, Georgia, those were his top three. Cal snuck Stanford was even ahead of Cal. Um, the rival school, they he couldn't get into Stanford because of ACTs. That was part of the problem with his recruitment. Um, SAT, ACT stuff, testing, classes, enrollment, all that type of stuff. Parents, guardian, being underage, can't sign his own letter of intent, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> but now he's settled at a school um, God, at Cal, <laughs> and he, he's going to play. He's with his athlete. He's the number one athlete in the country, um, one of the fastest players in the country, actually. Um, we'll definitely be running track at Cal. And, you know, speaking, you know, we've got a little bit going on right now. He could be a guy, maybe not like Devin Allen. Devin Allen's a one of, one of a kind type of guy, but he could be in the guy in the Olympics one day. I would not be surprised if Dimitri's up. I mean, he was, you know, number one in the state of Georgia, um, 200, 400 hurdles. So he's really good, really, really athletic kid. Um, he's going to play wide receiver for Cal. Uh, a lot of people wanted him to play defensive back, but they want they lost a lot at wide receiver. Kenny Lawler. They lost everything. Guys, they, they lost yeah, everything. Right strength, Kenny Lawler. Uh, yeah, Trevor Davis and the Dick, other Darius kid. Powell, right? Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah, all. Four. Everybody except you who caught a pass, practically, is gone. <laughs> yeah, they lost a lot. I mean, their offense is, is shredded. Um, besides, you know, a couple guys up front and then the running back all came back. Um, but Davis Webb's a nice guy to get the ball to Demetrius, too. Demetrius and Davis Webb, it's funny. I, I wonder, you know, they play Hawaii and Australia, which is not – uh, give me a game. It's not easy, but they should win that one. It's going to be a weird one. It's in Australia. You never know what can happen. New coaching staff for Hawaii, but since they'll win, I, I worry a little bit about the continuity between the two stars that are coming on the team. Rob R- R- Roberton is, you know, a top ten player in the country. Cal hasn't had that um, in a long time. Um, Deshaun Jackson was the last guy they had in the top. Right, I was going to say. So, yeah, yeah, and he's been literally ten or. More than 10. He was class of, what, 2003? What year did he come in? Probably. I mean, 2004, 2000, I think I thought he was 2004, but it might have been 2003. Um, yeah, he was, you know, number, number, you know, he was number six player in the country. Um, Demetrius is number eight. That's really high. Um, and, and they both kind of didn't – they weren't like, – either of them. Deshaun was committed to SD for two years. Um, but sanctions yep. and Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, the whole thing that, that happened was going on. Um, and Demetrius Robertson, you know, obviously we know what happened with that. I just explained that story. Crazy little story there. Um, I, you know, I, him, Davis Webb, both kind of late getting there. Demetrius uh, hasn't really, you know, he was he had a bum ankle when he got there anyway from from uh, running track. You know, he, t- he sprained his ankle. He hasn't been able to practice that much. Um, Davis Webb, same thing, got there really late. Hasn't been able to practice too much. Um, but I'm interested to see what happens, man. I mean, uh, those two guys definitely got to connect. Demetrius is going to be, you know, leaned upon. to do a lot of stuff um, athletically, whether it's all reverses. You know, they, they Spav and those guys, and you know, they get cute with plays. He's going to be the guy running those little cute plays, basically. Um, new offensive coordinator, obviously Spav it all. Um, Tony Franklin's gone. Tony Dice is still calling plays, too. They'll both – I want to see how that meshes as well, you know, both of them being – strong play callers, and they're a little different, but they're similar at the same time. Um, Spav, they brought him more in for recruiting. Um, it obviously, it worked. He did a really good job. He wasn't really there for long. Um, got some guys over. Him and Davis Webb, been close. You know, he recruited him at Tech. Tech. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm excited to see how that goes. I think Demetrius Robinson would definitely be an impact guy, though. Um, not right away early on, like I said. It's going to be towards, like, the middle of the season. Um, they need him early. That Texas game is right after the Hawaii game. Um, and that Texas game's at home this year. It was a tough one last year. It was one of the most fun games to watch. We really saw Jared Goff kind of, like, come of age during that time. That was a game he kind of broke out of the national scene was that game to me. Um, and then Gerard Hurd. Um, broke out too. I don't even know if he's starting though. That he kind of just got thrown in that game. They didn't plan for him. They only had two days to prepare. Um, if that, I think like really a day. Tyrone Suits was starting. Um, then Hurd kind of just jumped in and ran all over the place. But that'll be a fun game. And I think Demetrius will start kind of showing his name and worth that game. Um, uh, some more guy. I mean, I think Levante Taylor from Ocean Lakes will have a pretty big impact for Florida State. This year, um, pretty deep secondary, though. So, yeah, I don't know if he's going to play too many snaps. He'll play a lot of snaps, though. Um, uh, Isaac Nato, like I said, he'll definitely be an impact player right away. Marlon Davis, Davidson, excuse me, from Alabama, um, who's going to Auburn, is going to start. I don't know if he's inside or outside. I think he's going to end up moving to defensive tackle for them. Um, he'll, have a definite, he'll definitely have a big impact on that team. Landon Young. Um, is starting at left tackle right now for Kentucky. Um, welcome to the SEC, rookie. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Kentucky gets really good recruits, but not as good as some of these other teams I've been naming off. So their guys start early. Um, they have a lot of three, four-year starters. And Lyndon Young, solid, man. I mean, he could have chose. You know, he's from Kentucky, but Alabama was hot on him. He was committed to them verbally for a little bit, but he, he ended up going back home. And, you know, his dad went there, so he's going to play – Left tackle for them, 6'7", 303 pounds. He's solid. Um, really good pass protector uh, for Drew Barker this year. Um, Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame. From, he's actually from Ann Arbor. Um, was committed to Michigan for a while. Decommitted Notre Dame. He's going to be a big impact guy. He's a big linebacker, man. I think he's going to actually end up playing defensive end. Um, I think he's just outgrown the position almost. I mean, he's almost, he's pushing 260 right now. Um, and I know linebackers are getting smaller, too. Um, you know, so <laughs> I think he might end up playing defensive end for them. But he can do both, stand up, pass, protect, and, excuse me, um, rush the pass or either one. Um, uh, Nate Craig Myers will have a pretty big impact for Auburn if they can get him the ball, man. Um, <laughs> Tampa Catholic. Uh, they have quarterback issues. Um, they got John Franklin the third, kind of the – Hot name right now. He's a running quarterback, more of Gus Malzahn type of guy. Seems like they're going to be running the ball a little bit more. Still got Sean White. Still got uh, Johnson, Jeremy Johnson there too. Don't know which one's going to play. They might play all three of them, to be honest, and just see where it goes. Uh, but Nate Craig Myers, is, uh, this wasn't a great receiving class, to be honest. Um, it really wasn't. But um, he is the best possession. So a lot of small guys this year. Jackie Jones and Tyler Vaughn. But this guy is a 6'4", 220-pound, you know, possession receiver. Kind of reminds, you know, it gets a lot of Mike Williams comparisons. Um, the Mike Williams from USC, that Mike Williams. I, I don't know if he's that good right. yet. Right. Um, Tampa, you know. Tampa Florida Plants, Kansas, yes, you know. the Plant City, yep. right, Tampa area. Yep. Yeah. yep, so I understandable, same measurables pretty much, uh, really good jumping ability. He, does, he can make a one-handed catch. Uh, he did a little bit too much in practice down there in um, Orlando, but uh, yeah, he can make he can make the, the special catches, and I like him. The only thing I worry about him with is getting separation, and that was kind of I guess what you saw with Mike Williams in the next level NFL. Um, separation is going to be a little bit of a problem to me. 
Um, he struggles with smaller guys, actually. Um, if there's a big right. corner, real quick game, enough to get him yeah. to turn inside of him, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. That's what he struggles with the most. Um, so uh, I'm waiting to see what he does, man. Nate Craig Myers is really good. Uh, has a little bit of focus issues too. I feel like he kind of. I don't know what it is. I feel like with bigger wide receivers, maybe they have a you know bigger target on their back or something, but they kind of chirp. I feel like more than smaller guys sometimes. Um, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just noticed with Trayvon Grimes in this class and then Nate Craig Myers, but yeah, Nate Craig Myers. He chirps a lot. He gets unfocused sometimes. He's really good wide receiver, and he likes Auburn um, a lot. He's been going to their camp since he was in eighth grade. Um, he's familiar with, with that program a lot, and he'll do a good job. I think. If they can get him the ball, got to get him the football. Um, I, I don't like Penn State's team that much this year, but I do like Miles Sanders that's coming in. I know they got Saquon Barkley, who's one of the best running backs in the country that nobody talks about. Um, they're going to run the ball a lot because they have Barkley and they have Miles Sanders, who was the number two running back in the country last year. Um, from Pittsburgh, Woolen Hills High School. Um, Pitt missed out. I thought he was going to go there, end up going to Penn State. Loves Coach Franklin. Um, there, I, I would just run. You know, I want that was a similar deal. 20 carries. <laughs> Lavar Arrington was sort of a similar story, though. That's I know it's before your time, but um, that was the Lavar Arrington story. You know, Woodland Hills stand out. People are sort of assuming that Pitt was going to be maybe the destination into Penn State. Yeah, a lot of people, especially with Connor, obviously battling cancer, and right. and they 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 already have Barkley, and you know Pitt has you know Coach Chris now, so they're they're solid at coach, but uh or no, he's actually not there anymore. My bad, <laughs> not solid coach. He's at Wisconsin. They have Coach uh, Gosh, Michigan State, hey, defensive coordinator, um, from a couple years ago, I, from I can't think of his name right now. Michigan State all defense coordinator. Diaco? Diaco? No, Diaco's at UConn. Um, they oh, yeah, got uh, uh, Michigan State's old uh, Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi. Narduzzi, uh, yeah. He, I saw the darn Italian last name. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah, all those East Coast Italian guys. Man. But yeah, Pat Narduzzi, um, who kind of looks like Boston College's head coach a little bit, who was another Italian guy. But <laughs> yeah, right. they, Pat Narduzzi. Really good coach, um, especially on defense. And he's doing a good job. They'll be fine at Pitt, at least on defense. Though. They'll, they'll be solid. But Penn State, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they're going to drop off this year a little bit. But uh, I like their running back combo. And I think Miles Sanders, I think, you know, I'd be surprised they had 2,000-yard running backs. Well, when's the last time Penn State had that? Or have they ever had that? I'm not sure. But Larry, um, I would not be Larry surprised. Johnson would be the last time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Sanders ran for 1,000. And I, Barkley, if healthy, is definitely running for 1,500. You know, he, I mean, he can do everything for you. I mean, I like him a lot. I don't think he's as good as LaShawn McCoy, who people keep comparing him to, just because he's not as athletic. But he can do everything, though. Um, pass protect, not sure yet, because they all didn't protect Christian Hackenberg last year. You know, he didn't help himself out either, but, uh, I mean, they had some struggles. But he, I saw him chip a little bit. Sometimes, you know, he did a solid job. He tried, you know, at least. Um, he didn't give up on plays. A true freshman last year. Um, Devin Asiasa from De La Salle, historic De La Salle program, is going to Michigan. He listed as a tight end. I think they're going to move him to defensive end. And he's not going to, like I said, be impactful. 
Um, they just they they have they moved Zach Gentry to tight end, and they already have a lot of tight ends on that roster for them. Zach Gentry was a quarterback; they moved tight end, and they're they're fine. They don't, he's a blocking tight end anyway. They need him at tight end. That's what they do. They run the football. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do with him. I, he honestly might redshirt. Um, he's just kind of a mystery man. He can play right away, but they're just like I said, deep at tight end. They're pretty fine at line too. But I think if he does move to defensive end, um, or defensive tackle, maybe even. He's about 270, um, 6'5". Um, they can do a lot with him. Tight end, defensive end, inside. I mean, he can. I, I've seen him stand up before. I've seen him play off of the guard. Um, so he long snaps. He's going to find his way on the football field, basically. What I'm saying. I don't think they'll burn a red shirt on him. They might. But I think Harbaugh loves guys like this. Um, he went to Michigan for Jim Harbaugh. That's what he said. Um, he's been recruited by Stanford uh, for a while. His brother played at Stanford. Um, his cousin played at Stanford. Uh, Levine Tolo, to- to- is that how you say his last name? Levine Tolo. Um, from yeah, Levine Falcons. Tolo, Tolo who yeah. is now a right Falcon, trying to replace yeah. Tony Gonzalez, which is an impossible yeah. task. But yeah, yeah, that's his cousin. Yeah, you know, um, you know, they they go way back. They're, they're friends. They still talk. He said, "Go play for Harbaugh, man. That's the best thing I could, ever could have did, you know, for my career and you know my education. You know, what I mean, he, he really." Preachers go to class. And I know Michigan education at Stanford is different, but he's still preaching the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I like him. I think he can find a way on the football field for sure. Um, so that's somewhere. <laughs> um, Sam Bruce, Mr. What is it? Sam Bergini, <laughs> they call him. He's from Fort, he's Ma- bad. Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, Miami, he's man. He's Miami. He picked the right place. He reminds me of a lot of guys they've had before, man. Um, a bunch of guys they've had before. The Moss brothers, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's now a corner um, with the Packers? Sam Shields. Oh, was it? Sam Shields. Yes, right. All those guys. He reminds me of all those guys. Yeah, man. And Philip Dorsett is the latest. I know that just came out. And Sam Bruce, you know, um, you know, a lot of comparisons to him. He's a little smaller than him. But right now, he's also really young. He's only 19. But I like him a lot, um, was dominant at St. Thomas Aquinas last year, and they didn't really get him the ball as much as they could have. He really could have been a five-star guy. When I saw him in practice, I definitely saw five-star. Um, Production-wise, numbers, no, but testing, yes, definitely. Um, straight line speed, and he's got some agility and juke to him, but he's not, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to kill it. He's a nice – he's going to be probably the fourth receiver, third receiver on the team, but they're going to spread out this year. I mean – they really are. Kaya, you know, is the best player on the football team. Um, Mark Walton's going to be the running back. Um, their line is really good this year to me. Um, the receivers are solid. I like Miami. I think they're a 10 win team with Mark Rick. Mark Rick always finds a way um, to produce good receivers. He's done the, uh, whether it's recruiting, do you usually want to say recruiting good receivers or just, you know, developing those guys. I mean, obviously, he played quarterback. He knows offense really well. I think Sam Bruce will be an impact guy later in the season, maybe not early on, but a little bit later. I'm um, an ACC play. Uh, going down the list, man, I, and Javon McKinley might have some impact on Notre Dame later in the season. Ben Bredesen for Michigan. Michigan's got a lot of, like, play right away guys. I think Harbaugh does that on purpose, obviously. You know what I mean? He doesn't like guys that are just projection guys. He'll just rather take the guy that's just, you know, he might not be a superstar later on, but I know he's going to be a solid player. Um, I know what I've got. And that's, right. okay. and that's pretty much, yeah, every guy I've named from Michigan, which seems like I'm naming more Michigan guys than anybody, those, everybody's like that. The whole class is, is like that. And I know 
you definitely early on want to get a class with solid guys. You know, who cares about, you know, boomer bust guys? You, you might you might be busting your way to another job uh, <laughs> if you get a bunch of those guys early on. Once you're, you know, Nick Saban and, and Gus Miles and you've had some tenure there, then you could start kind of pulling for those guys. Um, DK Metcalf, for, he's going to Ole Miss too. Another big wide receiver, 6'5", 222 pounds, monster. Um, I actually think he's better than Nate Craig Myers as far as big possession receivers go. I just think wow. that um, he's from Oxford. He's going to Ole Miss. He actually has only ever been – he's never been out of the southeast region before. Um, that's what he said in one of his interviews. Um, so he's a local, local kid. Um, he's definitely going to be traveling a lot this year, though. I think he's going to have an impact on that team. Um, Chad Kelly's got some guys, man. But I really, you know, it comes down to Chad. He's going to be the leader. Um, this is the first time he's ever gonna been asked to be a leader on a football team. Um, so I'm interested to see how he can lead these young guys. He's a young offense. Um, I just named Greg Little, DK Metcalf. Um, you got Stringfellow, who's not a young, but still a kind of young player. Hasn't played too many snaps. So I think, uh, you know, Core Metcalf and those guys would be interesting to see how they, how they gel together. But DK Metcalf or DeKalen Metcalf is his real name. Um, impact. Right away, definitely. Um, Tyree Cleveland, I think, will have some impact on Florida, but there, you know, he'll probably much just be replacing Demarcus Robinson. Uh, he'll probably be the second or third receiver on that team. Tyree Cleveland, look out for him. Uh, let's see who else we got, man. Now, Tyler Bird. a name, a name I noticed Tyler you Bird. didn't toss. A name I noticed you didn't toss out there was Ed Oliver, who I guess is the first. Five star recruit in oh, Houston yeah, history. Yeah. Now, is that correct, or, or was the system so different back in the old days? Because obviously they signed a couple of big time quarterbacks back in the day, but I don't know if those, I don't know if Klingler or Ware were. I think those guys probably weren't five stars. Is that, is that the first five star in the history of the program? Yes, if you consider him a five star, I didn't have him as a five star. Ah, but okay. he's still <laughs> one of the highest recruits. I mean, well, and technically Kyle Allen is a five-star, but he's a transfer, so that doesn't really count, I guess. Um, <laughs> but Ed Oliver, yeah, I, you know what? I, I like Ed Oliver. I don't think he's a five-star. I think he is really athletic. I think he's really athletic for his size. Um, mm-hmm. He's just as athletic as Rashawn Gary. That's the only person I can say that weighs as much and is, is that, has athleticism. Um, but he's like a Poor man's Rashawn Gary a little bit. Um, he's shorter. And that he doesn't do as many things as well, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's going to – he's almost like a tweener version of Rashawn Gary. I mean, because, like, same athleticism, technique's not the same, footwork's not the same, production's not the same, <laughs> you know what I mean? But he has high potential, and he kind of – Remind you know people are gonna say Aaron Donald a little bit, but I'm not ready to say that. Ed Oliver is solid. He's gonna play right away um, for Houston, so I definitely should have named him, I guess. But um, I don't. Well, the, I the, the person the person I hear mentioned is Will Sutton. Is the person I keep hearing mentions the people I. That's a lot about. better. That's a lot better. Yeah. Uh, some people are too high on him to me. But, yeah, Wilson's actually really Well, I'll just say someone who's very close to the Houston program, who I will not name, compared to Wilson. <laughs> <Yeah. Hunt. laughs> That's uh, really good. Yeah, well, I know who you're talking about. It's a really good comparison. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good comparison. I like that. Yeah, I'll shout out to you know, Houston. 
from me. But Ed Oliver, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Ed Oliver is, is one of the major recruits in the, uh, you know, he's in, you know, that, that's their guy. You know, he's going to help them out, too, because he has a lot of connections. Going to Westfield, you know, um, in Houston. He's a Houston kid, staying at home. Could have went to Alabama, could have went to wherever, Houston. Or, excuse me, um, Texas. Uh, could have gone to Ole Miss, could have gone to, like, Ole Texas, could have gone to. Yeah, Ole, Ole Miss was, yeah, uh, he's he's actually, it's funny how, you know, I know we've talked a lot about this before, but it's funny how all these guys are friends. Him and Shea Patterson are really close. Um, and you just, like, you kind of forget that, you know, because Shea went to IMG, and it's like, you'd be from Texas, and Oliver, they're not even from the same city, but, they you know, they're just friends, camp circuit, you know what I mean, um, end up being friends. And, you know, he, you know, Shea Patterson has been committed to Ole Miss for a while, you know what I mean? So he's he recruited Ed Oliver hard, man. He's like, you know, um, come on, play at Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss, Houston, Ole Miss. But hey, he's like, I want to play for Houston. They win a lot of football games too, um, right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a good pick, you know. And you don't have to sit as much, you know, at, at Houston as well as by Ole Miss. Uh, and Ole Miss is going through some things right now off the field, so that we all know about. So um, probably be safer, honestly, right now to go to Houston. So I like that he did stay home. Um, Carter Coughlin, who is Tom Coughlin's son, grandson, <laughs> son. I think it's grandson. Son, yeah. grandson. Yeah, it's I think it's a grandson actually. <laughs> yeah, it's his grandson. Yeah, it's his grandson. Sorry about that. It's, I probably <laughs> I forgot how old Tom Coughlin was. Probably wouldn't be his son. Um, <laughs> He's like seventy three. Yeah, he was like yeah. <laughs> Carter's eighteen, so it's probably yeah. But uh. Yeah, Eden Prairie, you know, one of the best high schools in the country. Uh, he was, you know, I, I know he's a white linebacker, and, you know, <laughs> who you comes to mind? There's still white no, linebackers no, who can play no, Luke no, no, Keekley, no. right? No, no, but that's what I was saying. Dave Martin, I did that. You know, every, everyone, calls him Luke, everyone calls him Luke Keekley. Um, <laughs> they are, if you, actually, Carter Coughlin was uh, one of the, Top, I think he had almost 200 tackles last year in high school. Which is, I mean, Jeez. high school tackles, you know, that's impressive, man. I don't care what you do. I mean, Luke Keekley, it's just production is what I'm trying to say. Um, they, Him and Luke Keekley are different. But as far as just pure production, tackles, sacks, interceptions, yeah, definitely. And he's going to Minnesota where he's going to play right now, inside linebacker, 6'3", <laughs> yeah. 230 pounds. Um, today, <laughs> yeah, today he's. I mean, he, he's talking about recruits for teams. I mean, he's one of the best recruits Minnesota's had in a while. Um, he's a solid yeah. four star. Um, he was a three on one side, but he's most, mostly a, a, a low four type of guy. But that's you know, Minnesota usually gets all threes, so for them to get a four is good. And a guy that is uh, the grandson of a Hall of Fame coach, Tom Coughlin. So, uh, good pickup, smart, been around football forever, obviously. Um, Right, Eden Prairie, yeah, really good coaches at Eden Prairie too. So he'll he'll be perfectly fit in that Minnesota program. I mean, he is a Gopher. He's been committed to Golden Gophers. To uh, he never really had a list um, of schools. Um, <laughs> That's very Coughlin-esque. <laughs> very undefeated. <Yeah. laughs> I think he flirted with Syracuse and Rutgers before, and that makes sense because you know it's family. right. Grandpa um, went to Syracuse. Between, yeah, exactly. But he Michigan. I mean, excuse me, Minnesota. Minnesota. I mean, it was always Minnesota. Never put out a list on Twitter. Uh, never had a recruitment there no, video. There was no the the announcement. <laughs> the, no, the, the commitment hashtag with Don James Sports <laughs> or whatever, or with anybody. 
he just committed to Minnesota. He didn't even graduate early. Just graduated high school, cap and gown, like a normal person, and then went to Minnesota. He got there, and he's gonna start and be impactful. Guy, he's gonna be a guy that is uh, Tyler Mikhaevich like type career where he's just look at his number, or, you know, Scooby Wright, just <laughs> tackling everybody all the time. <laughs> four year starter, yeah, four year starter, maybe three if he wants to go early, but a four year starter type of guy that's gonna have probably maybe break the record. And put it for tackle. Um, so I'll keep an eye on Connor Coughlin, man. That's the guy that you I will. When you're in it, when I you're like that. I like or, that you mentioned him. Yeah, he's not super athletic. He didn't test well the Sparks. I don't care because I know what he is, and he knows what he is too. And Minnesota knows what he is. He's perfect for that program. Now, if he was going to Alabama or Ole Miss or something, I, I worry a little then bit. Then two years later, he'd be so, transferring yeah. someplace else. Is what would happen? Exactly. But he knows himself, and that's the best part of some kids that are a little bit more mature, that you pick a school that you fit well at. Um, I want, you know. Right. He didn't just make his decision based on sex there. So that's a good, a good fit. I like Carter Cox a lot. Um, definitely impactful guy. Um. Well, here's a guy that I see a lot of people mentioning. I noticed you did not mention is Drake Davis. Now, is that because you think he will not crack the depth chart right away? Or yeah, I like no, I love Drake Davis. Uh, another IMG, I'm this IMG Academy roster last year was the best. I mean, honestly, I could. It's one of the best rosters I've ever seen in high school football put together. And it really was put together. I mean, more so, but you know what I mean. But it, it's. I mean, Drake Davis is uh, – I don't even know if he was one of the top three players on the team, but he's so good still. Um, 6'4", 226 pounds, um, possession guy. Um, him and Savion Smith are both going to LSU, both IMG kids. Um, Drake Davis, you know, a lot of people were saying, where is he going to go, where is he going to go? He's from Louisiana. I'm not surprised he went to LSU. Um, he's from New Orleans, obviously. A lot of guys on the IMG team aren't from Florida or not from, from uh, even the region at all. To go elsewhere, but he uh, chose LSU, chose to go back home. Florida was big on him, Florida State. Uh, even Clemson, a lot of people thought he might go to Clemson. But no, he chose to uh, go back home to New Orleans, so it was a good pick for him. I think um, I like, I think Brandon Davis is going through a maturation process, and I like what he's doing, but I don't think that they're going to utilize Drake. You know, that's too far down the depth chart for him to get a lot of numbers, basically, unless somebody gets hurt. Is what I'm trying to say. They did lose Trey Quinn, who was a four-star three years ago. He transferred, so that helps out. But I think Drake Davis next year, when Duval, Duval and all those guys leave, then you'll see Davis popping the scene. Not, <laughs> I, I would hold off on that. Um, Damian Alloway, though, um, I do want to talk about him. He's from he's from Fontana, California, Summit, smaller high school, good high school, smaller, um, small receiver, five ten, a buck seventy five. UCLA does not have many wide receivers. Um, that is one of their bugaboos. I mean, they lost, you know, two guys earlier that they didn't – really two guys that shouldn't have came out, uh, especially Duarte. Yeah. Duarte and, yeah, Duarte and Josh Rosen are really close, um, really – I mean, they, you know, Duarte's from, you know, modern day, and all those Orange County guys are kind of close together. We, You know, um, Johnny Stanton's best friend growing up was Thomas Duarte. So, I mean, all, all Orange County guys kind of sit together. Um, he came out early, though. Um, 
it's weird that he came out early because uh, Duarte wasn't a guy that you would thought came out early just because he was third on the depth chart for UCLA last year. Um, until they moved him to tight end, um, officially kind of had a tight end uh, actually on the roster. So then he started starting, and then, you know, he definitely put up numbers after that. I think that's the biggest loss they had on offense. Obviously, Paul Perkins is the biggest loss they had. But outside of Paul Perkins, I, I, but you know what? Losing Paul Perkins, they have Soso Jamboa. And I yeah, think that he's Jambo is going to be – Yeah, this is supposed to be the year that he breaks all the way out. Yeah. he, he Last year, you know, he was a spot back for Paul Perkins. But Paul just had so many carries and never gets hurt. So he didn't really have much. But when he played, though, he was flashy, man. I think he averaged like 11 yards per carry, something like that. So he was fun to watch. He's more athletic than Paul Perkins. Um, really similar, actually. So he's a little bit more athletic and a little bit taller. Um, I'm I'm scared. If I'm so, so uh, you know, a defensive back, you know, having to cover him. He can catch. Like He could legitimately play wide receiver if he wanted to. And he's going to be used as a wide receiver a lot because they don't have much. That <laughs> was where I was getting to. Damian Alloway. Right. Is gonna have to play a lot. They just lost Brodus again, uh, Snoop's son. Uh, he's off the team again, so it's another receiver off the depth chart. Obviously, Chris <laughs> Clark transferred from UCLA to Virginia, or excuse me, Penn State. He was homesick. That was his reasoning. So he's gone. Um, it's pretty. I mean, I don't know if Brodus would have even really played that much, but he probably would have been the fourth wide receiver, and for a weak wide receiver team already, that that hurts. Um, I don't even know, you know, that that's just a weird situation, you know, I mean, um, everything going on. Uh, Chris Clark, like I said, transferring back to Penn State from homesickness, and then they're just eating and losing two guys early. Alloway's going to be asked to do a lot um, as a kind of smaller wide receiver. Could he, but could, he, could he be their Christian Kirk? Their Christian Kirk, yeah. He's not, don't don't expect him to do that, what Christian Kirk did, but yeah, their Christian Kirk, yeah, okay. good, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. See, I like how you said that, though. Like, most people would have said, do you expect him to be like Christian Kerr? No, that would be to be there, Christian Kerr. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I'm glad you said there. Yeah, that's his a little word. But no, yeah, he could be there, Christian Kerr. Um, definitely, he can do that. Um, their line's really good. I like McDermott. I think he's a top 10 pick when it's all said and done, Colin McDermott. Um, I like what they have up front. I like their defense a lot. Even though they lose Miles Jack, then their defense might be even better. Uh, it was Kenny Clark and Moss Chat, but I still think the defense is better um, just because they, they're deep. Um, that that was like, you know, when, when, when Mora took over, the defense was still kind of a mess. Uh, now they have it together. Yes. Um, <laughs> I feel like he can – him. I feel like him, normal zone, me – excuse me, normal zone is gone. I feel like him. Um, he's called the plays now, actually, um, Mora, which I like. Um, I think Mora, can, Mora and Rosen can figure it out on offense, manufacture enough points. Um, their defense can hold them down. But, yeah, Damian Alloway is going to be impactful on that team. Uh, he can be their Christian Kurt. So, I like that comparison. Uh, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, going down the list again. You know, there's going to be some guys. You know, I, I like – I want to say Khalil Tate because of New Solomon's injury history. Um, I don't know if Khalil Tate will be the pure backup quarterback. Um, he's battling for number two right now. He's from, you know, Sarah High School, same high school as Marquise Lee and Robert Woods with all those guys in Gardenia. Um, right. It fits their offense perfectly. 6'1", 210 pounds, runs a four five seven. Um, Really reminds me a lot of New Solomon, except he could probably swing it a little bit better um, deep down the field. Um, he might, if he's number two quarterback, 
he's got to be ready, man. I mean, Solomon's missed a lot of football games. He's had two concussions, one really bad one. Um, he had a uh, knee injury as well. Um, a, t- a little tweak, a little sprained knee this offseason, but he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's had but kind he of a missed- Travis Wilson-esque career in terms of always being one injury away, it seems, from his career possibly ending. Exactly. So I would look out for people Tate possibly to get some reps. Um, even man, I mean, I it's weird with Rich Rodriguez. You never know. Like a new Solomon, I just he's such a question mark. Um, if he plays bad early on in the season, don't be surprised if they pull him. I'm not saying that they're. I mean, they play like Northern Arizona and UTSA. But they, they they struggled out of the gate last year. And that team last year was better than this team. So I wouldn't be surprised they lost to UTSA. And I mean, they're going to beat Northern Arizona. But, I mean, they just they, they play a tough, tougher schedule is what I'm trying to say, Arizona. Um, it's not easy early on. Um, they play, like, Oregon early and uh, UCLA early. So, I mean, I'm not saying someone's going to get benched. Calm down, people, if you're listening to this. But I'm just saying if he struggles, they could use Khalil Tate a little bit more. Because um, Richard Rodriguez is not a conventional offensive guy. You know, he'll use two quarterbacks right. the whole season <laughs> if he wants to. You know what I mean? Um, Khalil can run it. Uh, New can run it, too. But he'll use both. He doesn't mind. So watch out for Khalil Tate. Um, Shane Simmons. Uh, Maryland guy, Bill, you probably heard of him before. Demasa Catholic, of course, you know, mm-hmm. dominant Demasa Catholic. I like Shane Simmons going to Penn State. He's going to be a guy that starts early on. Um, I think that Shavar Manuel, he is a weird guy, man. He's a five-star on some sites. I mean, I've seen him high as 33. I've seen him low as 110 on rivals, 33, um, five-star, four-star. He just off the field issues with him already, kind of. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's going to a spot that he's comfortable with. Um, and Jim, Jimbo Fisher in Florida State, he can play inside and out. He's going to definitely play inside. Now he's gained a lot of weight. Uh, weight issues are a part of the problem, though, with him. Um, he's um, dominant when he wants to be. He's well, in shape when he wants to be. That scares me, man. That scares yeah. me when I hear that. Shape, yeah. I think about Mario shape. Edwards when people say things like that. That's who he kind of – he's bigger than Mario Edwards, but he – off the field, kind of who he reminds me of, and they're going to both go to Florida State. Um, Mario was better than Manuel just because I, I, you know, obviously his dad played in NFL. He's a little bit smarter. Well, he's, Manuel he's was supposed to be better. better. He's supposed to be better. But. He's supposed to be. Mario ended up having a. Started off. Yeah. He ended well. He ended well. Started off bad. I'll say he ended pretty well. He, but, <laughs> I mean, Shavar Manuel. Well, I mean, he ended up having a, a a decent career, but this is a guy who's supposed to be a dom. He would be better than guys like Shaq Loss. You know what I mean? That wasn't right. the guy I saw. A guy who would be better than Shaq. Well, he, he wasn't lost in a four, and he was a he was a five. Yeah, number three, number three, number three overall. Actually, recruits in our country. So um, crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, he de- he definitely didn't live up to it. And 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 Shavar Manuel. He doesn't have that ranking like that, so he doesn't have as much pressure. But he's, his rankings are all over the place. Now, like I've seen, I've seen him. I've seen him outside of the top 100. I've seen him 33. I've seen somebody say if he puts all together, he's a top five player. I mean, he has top five in him. He's one of the only guys I can say that has a superstar potential. Um, there's guys rated higher than him, uh, but there's not a lot of guys with superstar potential. And he is, but he's got a 
he, I honestly would redshirt him um, the first year. Um, don't know what their depth chart at defensive tackle looks like right now. Florida State off the top of my head, but I would redshirt him and see where it goes from there. I don't know how he's been playing in practice and everything, but he's just – gosh, man, he's just a mystery. He, he's the mystery prospect of the whole class to me. When I talk to guys – I talked to the strength and conditioning coach at IMG a lot last year uh, when I was down there in Florida, or, <clears throat> excuse me, and he just said – he said good stuff about Shavar. I mean, like, Shavar's great, man, but it's like we got to get Shavar in the weight room. Like, we have to get him in the weight room. Like, we shouldn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I worry about a little bit. Terrifying. So I'm hoping, Terrifying. I'm hoping that he gets, yeah, no, I'm hoping that he gets it together um, and puts it all together. It might not be this year, though, but I did want to mention him because I just don't know. I mean, this kid could be a freshman All-American this year. He might not play. I have no mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> Got it. Now, here's a name I didn't hear thrown out, and I don't know if it's because, once again, you don't think you'll manage to get high enough to the depth chart or if there's something else. I didn't hear you mention Austin Matt. Yeah, depth chart, I think. I think it's going to be depth chart with him. Same with, like, a Kyle Davis. Um, well, excuse me. No, not Kyle Davis. Sorry about that. Um, same with um, I mean, Drake I, Davis, I think you mean. Yeah, Drake Davis, sorry. No, Kyle Davis will definitely be playing early for Auburn because they don't have any wide receivers. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, yeah, him and I about to say, they're starting two freshmen at wide receiver this year. So, they yeah, how often does that happen in the SEC? And then yeah, and then their quarterback is, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of wide receivers this year that are kind of like that. Dylan Crawford from Rancho Santa Margarita. Like at Michigan, I don't think he's gonna play right away, but he's good. It's just depth chart. Some of it's depth chart. Um, but it's like Trent Davion Dixon, you know, who, who's benefited from all these transfers in Baylor's situation. He's a, uh, a typical Baylor wide receiver, six foot, one eighty, runs a four four. Like track, he runs track. You know, yep. I mean, he's a typical Baylor receiver. Um, not Corey Coleman, but he's a pretty solid wide receiver. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have an impact kick return probably for them, help out in slot, I mean, four wide, and, and five they, wide. Doesn't, doesn't Baylor have an offensive lineman that a lot of people think will start right away as a freshman? Um, what's his name? Uh, Patrick something. Yeah, Patrick. Uh, gosh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Big Patrick Hudson, Big Pat Hudson. Yes, yes. biggest, yes. biggest, biggest lineman. Um, did you know he was hurt at the end of last year? Didn't he? He didn't play in the Under Armour American Bowl, even though he was named to it. Um, he didn't play in practice either, and I never really got a chance to see him play too much um, on tape or anything. But I've heard a lot of good things about him. But only thing I, for some reason, Baylor gets these guys that have a lot of injuries. He's got a, he had back surgery already. Um, Yikes! You know, which is kind of worrisome. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be ready to play yet. I think he's, they said he was. Uh, I don't know how his back's doing now. He had that back surgery a while ago. So and it said six to eight months. And it's, it's been about six months at this point. But you just never – he's a young guy, too, recovered fast. But it's back. It's, it doesn't really matter how old you are sometimes when it's a back surgery or neck or something like that. So it's uh, the only thing I worry about with so He's already not the most athletic guy in the world. So to have a back surgery – kind of not the greatest thing, but he's good. He's a nice power run guy. I mean, kind of doesn't 
fit. Baylor runs the ball a, a pretty good amount, but they the way they run, they're probably going to run it ball. They're probably going to run it more now than they have in the past. From what I'm hearing with um, Jim Grobe, and, yeah. Well, yeah, that would make sense. It's still more not. It's not like they run out of shotgun. You know what I mean? Right. I mean not they're, like, no, they're, they're not Alabama. I didn't say that. I mean, yeah. especially well, no, more. I'm just saying that that too. Patrick Hudson, if he went to Alabama, that actually would be better for him because he fits the offense more. Um, not, you know, but he's not a good pass protector. He, he fit in Alabama offense or Stanford or something like that. Um, but this is still a good fit for him, um, just because you know he's a Texas kid and they they do a lot of different things. I don't, you know. Patrick Hudson, I don't know if he's going to stay with everything going on. Might not be there next year, but right now he's there. So he can start. Uh, <laughs> he can start. Uh, I can see that. Uh, Deontay Mullis is another wide receiver, like I named uh, Sam Bergini, Sam Bruce, which play. They got a lot of wide receivers this year. It's kind of stuck their neck out to get a lot of us. Deontay Mullis was a hard one to get. Um, he's from Miami, so it wasn't super-duper hard, but he just, you know, Miami's kind of lower on his list. Um, until Mark Rick got there. Um, and he liked Mark Rick. Georgia was higher on his list, and that kind of helped him out um, to get him with him coming over from Georgia with that high. Um, going, uh, I like Sean McGrew um, from Belflower, St. John Bosco. He's Josh Rosen's best friend as well off the field. But uh, <laughs> little, little guy, 5'7", um, 186 pounds. Oh, wow. He actually, yeah, Danny Woodhead, you know what I mean? He actually was number one uh, Powerball toss last year. At oh, wow. So he's he a winning one guy, too. Yeah, he is. He actually has one of the strongest bench presses in St. John Bosco history, and he only weighed 166 pounds. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's super small. He was 5'6 for 166 last, two years ago. Um, cool. Wow, he kind of broke out during that game where they played uh, the the you know the game of the century game, the one where they played Gorman. Um, he kind of broke oh, out. Right. That, about, that game yeah. of the century, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that one, that high school one. Um, that they he broke out that day. Um, he had a really good day. He he was really good at camp. Like I said he's strong. His lower body is, is, is insane. Um, excuse me, the upper body is upper body. The lower body. He, sounds, he, sounds, he sounds like one of those guys who can like bench press. Two and a half times his body weight, kind of guy. Yeah, he's definitely that type of guy, man. He's he's an interesting type of guy. I think he might have some impact on that team. Um, just you know, he'll be a backup running back, of course. They got Miles Gaskins, who's amazing. But I think Sean McGrew will find his way. Um, if I'm, if, can he, is he is he a return guy? Is he a guy who might help them in the return game? Yeah, he can play. He can do returns. He can do returns, and they, they you know, probably use him on punt returns um, this year. From what I've seen, they've you know used him a lot of special teams in practice so far. Um, he's a guy that's definitely going to be focused and not drop the ball when he gets the punt returns. And he did a good job punt returning last year. Um, he was uh, an All-American um, State Player of the Year last year. So, um, Gatorade State Player of the Year in California. So, he's a really good player. Um, let's see, man. I like... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, hmm. Brady Breeze might play for Oregon. It's funny, you know, I'm like, you don't see too many white defensive backs, but. <laughs> you do not. And you, you do their safety. He is a safety, though. He's a safety. But uh, he's from Portland, Central Catholic, you know, the dominant Central Catholic in Portland. He stayed home 
Brady Breeze. I like the name. Fits perfectly for some reason. I don't know. Breeze is a good. Well, it sounds name. very football like. You got Brady, which has done all right in the football world recently. Yeah, he's got yeah. Breeze on the back end. Yeah, man, and it's spelled better than Drew Breeze's. It's the, like Breeze, Breeze, too easy. Like E E Z. I like that better. Sorry, Drew Breeze, but no, Brady Breeze is good. I like him. I think he might have an impact on the team. They're pretty. They're pretty st- stacked at secondary. Right now for Oregon, but you can never have enough safeties and DBs in the Pac-12, right? Because um, you gotta go five wide sometimes, and and he might do it for you. Um, he he could be that extra guy in there, that um the dime package guy or whatever. And and we're I don't know Oregon kind of messes around with their secondary a lot. They, they got they have a lot of interchangeable guys. They can move to safety and cornerback on that team. So, but Bravery is definitely a true free safety that can come in the box and hit you. And that's what they don't have, and I think that's why he'll be an impact player. They don't. They have a lot of speedsters in that back uh, back seven. Um, even their linebackers are you know always just undersized guys. A lot of guys that played safety um, in high school and just moved up. So I think Brady Breeze would be a different type of cat for this. Uh, play in the box a little bit. They might so, need that. So you see him. You see him being on the field either as a nickel or a dime back right away. Yeah, I do. I do. I like Brady Breeze. He's a guy that knows their defense. They changed their defense this year, their new season coordinator. But, I mean, he's been around the Oregon program for a while. Um, he's another guy that's kind of like uh, Carter Coughlin. He's just – he's been committed to Oregon for a long time. <laughs> once, he got that, once he got that offer from his school, with, uh, you know, hometown school, he kind of just never let it go. Um, never had a list or anything like that. He did enroll early there. Um, but, he, you know, that's even better, you know what I mean, um, that he knows the plays as well. Um, I think that, gosh, uh, Duvall, um, Whaley from Texas, who's going to Arkansas, is going to have big shoes to fill. Obviously, those two really good running backs, Alex Collins being one of them. Uh, I think he's going to have some big shoes to fill at Arkansas. He's going to play right away for them. Um, and they also have to replace their quarterback, Brandon Allen, so even more shoes to fill. Um, they're replacing Brandon Allen yeah. with his brother. Well, it, Al, it, yeah, uh, I was going to say, they basically have the same guy again from what I'm hearing. Yeah. It's essentially he's a slightly more athletic version of Brandon Allen, is what I've heard. Pretty much, yeah. They're, I, mean, they, I, looked at, I even looked at their high school numbers on Max Preps, and they were, like, identical. Um, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, and their size, they're, I mean, he's smaller, but he's also taller, and he's more athletic. He's, like, an inch taller, about 10 pounds lighter, but probably runs a whole second faster than him. So I like maybe even more, but I like so I mean maybe the new Allen's is a better Allen, but we'll see. They're gonna still be Arkansas and run, 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 run though. So we know that. <laughs> of course. Um, here's a guy that I didn't mention that had the biggest drop I've almost ever seen in high school football history, at least since I've been doing it. Uh, Kareem Walker, um, the Mister Forgotten. Oh. Um, huh. He came in the season as the number three overall player in the country, he dropped. Not only did he lose all his five stars, <laughs> he dropped on rivals to 181 and three, wow. which actually is the biggest drop ever um, on their website. So, <laughs> so how does, drop. Um, short of injury or something, how does that happen? Kareem had a bad, for one, let me start back. Let me let me retry back to Paul Catholic, you know, high school he goes to in Jersey. Um 
didn't have anybody, man. Um, I almost it's kind of, I kind of like wish he left early. I know he doesn't leave early from high school at that, but I mean his <laughs> junior year and sophomore year they were so loaded and they lost. They had one returning starter. It was him, um, and they just no they had no quarterback. They didn't try to throw. They ran the ball. He ran to brick walls. I mean everybody just loaded the box and they still ran the ball. The coaches didn't have any. Um, there was no you know, plan B, is what you're saying. No plan B. They just ran I form and ran up the middle. They ran him outside, bounced it. Play calling wasn't great, honestly. Um, he talked about that a little bit. Some people say through the country coaches under the bus. Some people say it's just being honest. That's up for everybody else to decide. Uh, a little bit of both, I guess you could say. Um, he's like, you know, I just didn't get put in the right situations on my coaching staff. Um, is what he said, um, which you know, it's kind of true. I uh, don't know necessarily if he should have said that, but he's not in high school anymore. He plays for Coach Harbaugh. So um, he dropped a little bit because of, dropped a little bit because of that. Um, had an ankle, sprained ankle injury. Um, didn't, just had a horrible week of practice at the Under Armour American game, too. Um, gosh, man, I mean, he just was unmotivated. Even I interviewed him after the game. He just, it just looked like he didn't really want to be there. Bad week of practice. He he has really bad hands. Um, hmm. he can't catch the ball at all, which is I that that's something I thought. You know, I don't know if he was just having a bad week or whatever, or just a bad year in general. Because I mean, I'll put on some tape of him, Sheldon, sixteen, fifteen season, dropped a lot of passes. Um, didn't get the ball out of the backfield a lot. Dropped a lot of passes. I mean, he literally dropped. I mean, he did a catching drill where he dropped maybe eight, nine passes out of twenty. That's a lot. Ouch. Almost half it. So, yeah, I mean, he just dropped. So, and then he, 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 he I, I feel like he quit on route. I, 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 really, I truly do. Uh, I truly do feel like he did not want to be in Orlando for a normal American game wow. um, the whole week of practice. I never felt like he wanted to be there at any point. Uh, and I was there the whole week except Monday. I missed Monday, um, the luncheon and everything. But that's probably the day he wanted to be there. He got the swag bag and the luncheon, you know what I mean? But <laughs> the Tuesday – through Friday, he didn't want to be there. There's no way I could see it. Uh, I still wow. like him. I think he's. Okay. If, we put on the, if we put on his junior tape, he's the best running back in that class. Not close, to be honest. Um, he's a top-notch running back. Um, he got he's got big-time comparisons too. I mean, he can run inside and out. Um, he can block really well. He's always kind of had trouble catching the ball. Um, but I guess they used to just get him the ball sometimes. So he had pretty good catching numbers. But this year is just horrible from start to finish. Um, didn't run for a thousand yards this year, uh, for one, and then, um, like I said, just ankle, didn't not focused, kind of threw his coaches under the bus a little bit. Some people said so. You so, know, I still think there's room for him. So with all be, that being said, all that being what said, happens this year? You know, I mean, they they got. I'm trying to think of their running back that they have this year. Drake, oh, Drake Johnson and Devon uh, Smith. They got two running backs there. Um, but we know they like to run the ball a lot. I think Kareem will be the third running back. But, however, however, they still have Ty Isaac, too. So he might not play. He might redshirt. Um, but I know Jim Harbaugh likes to keep about five running backs on his roster. Um, he probably has eight, <laughs> eight or five active. Eight, he's probably got eight or nine running backs on the roster, um, including fullbacks. But, you know, Joe Carriage and those guys, and it's the only Homa, um, two fullbacks. I mean, he's got three. Who has three fullbacks now? You know, nowadays, he's got two guys I know. He's got a, a guy I don't know, too, that's a walk-on fullback. But um, so, 
you know, injuries happen, is all I'm saying, especially at the running back position. Kareem, Kareem, Kareem yeah. Walker, um, if not redshirted, Harbaugh doesn't really burn red shirts either. He's not one of those type of coaches. Once he redshirts, somebody red. And isn't Derek? Wait, isn't Derek Green still? Or yeah, he's a senior, right? Yeah, that's what. Oh yeah, man, this Derek Green, Devon Smith, Drake Johnson, Ty. Yeah, Green Walker might get redshirted. There really is no yeah. need to have him on the roster actively if they have four guys <laughs> and three. Cool. Yeah, I, I forgot about Derek Green, man. And that's the one I actually... Yikes. <laughs> I forgot. Well, you know, I forgot Ty Isaac. I thought Ty Isaac was a senior last year because technically he was. Oh. Right. He's a redshirt so, yeah, red senior yeah. now, right? I forgot about that. So they, you know, they have two seniors and a redshirt senior uh, on the depth chart at running back. They have a lot of dudes with a lot of football yeah. experience. They yeah. do. So Kareem Walker is a guy you, you redshirt and then We'll make him watch the game, make him kind of maybe find a, a repassion for the game um, or whatever you want to call it. Him sitting out. I mean, this is a guy that's played, every, I mean, sixth grade, uh, you know, Kareem Walker was on the scene. He got his first offer in seventh grade. He's been, some guys get burned out, man, when they start early like that. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Kareem's burned out. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying his first offer is in seventh grade. He's one of those, he wasn't a, a prodigy type of guy, but he was close to it. He's one of those guys you recruiting guys have known since middle school. Um, so he's been close to a prodigy, and he just might been a little burnout last year, and he just couldn't get the ball, you know, in the right spots, and, you know, had nobody really to help him out. So I think bad year, redshirt him. We'll be talking about him again, too, in high regards. Not, you know, a guy that kind of – I'm not going to say Kareem Walker quit on this team. I don't think it was that bad. I just think that, like I said, he, he returned one guy. It was him. Right. We didn't see the best of him, is what you're saying, in, in essence. We did not see him at the best. No, did not. Definitely did not. Um, but moving on from him, Lamar Winston is another guy from Central Catholic in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> That's going to play. I don't know what position Lamar Winston's going to play. Uh, could be huh. my receiver. Could be safety. Could be linebacker. He's one of those, eight, one of those ATH guys. Huh? Yeah, he's definitely an ATH guy. Um, and a lot of it depends. And receiver, they don't really need him to play receiver. Even if they lose Devin Allen, they still don't. I mean, he can play running back, too. He might be a little bit too tall to play running back. But, I mean, Royce Freeman's pretty tall, too. So, who knows? But, I mean, uh, I don't know. He's 6'3", 210 pounds. Uh, I do know that. Uh, he's really quick. Um, can play safety, like I said. Linebacker, I don't know what his weight is now. Um, wide receiver, like I said. He's, definitely, he's probably going to get redshirted. But he's a guy that you just never know. Um, Oregon. Yep. So he's another one of the Oregon guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's from Central Cat. Same high school as Brady Breeze. They play safety right next to each other. Only difference is Lamar played uh, wide receiver on the other side too. Um, I, I just mm, Lamar Wentz is a guy that I don't know how he's doing in camp. I would have had to check how he's doing in camp. But I, I heard a lot about him when I was in Oregon about him playing right away. So I figure that'd be a guy that might find a way on the field towards maybe the middle of the season. Um, that's usually what happens with, with the depth charts and younger guys like that. Kinda, um, Connor Murphy, brother of Trent Murphy, is going to USC from <laughs> Brophy Prep High School, another dominant high school in Phoenix, Arizona. I think he will – USC is loaded at defense, but they love Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy's been killing it in practice. I do know that. I think I'm really? keeping up with SC close to the program. I talked to somebody that's close to their program, too. 
and and they said Connor Murphy's legit, man. He's a stud. So I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing that Lamar Winston is on the depth chart at Sam Backer. Does that does that sound like it could be possible? Mm-hmm. For Lamar Winston? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that does sound right. Definitely. Yeah, I mean that he he could play anywhere. I mean, honestly, I mean he's one of the guys that is kind of underrated in this class, just because. He's underrated because of him not having position. Sometimes that hurts you, but I feel like in his case, it, it might help him in the long run in college because Oregon doesn't mind moving. They, Oregon gets the most athletes every year. If you notice, look at Oregon's recruiting track. Um, they have a lot of ATHs on there every year. <laughs> There's a reason for that. That's kind of their system, how it works. They like to move guys around. It's just what they do. Um, so, yeah, he could be playing linebacker. Um, he might have been big enough at this point um, to play linebacker. I know when I watched him play, he was – the size of a safety, but Oregon has smaller linebackers, like I mentioned before, so it could work. Um, but yeah, Connor Murphy has uh, definitely been killing it in practice, for, for what I know. Um, he will have an impact on that team some way or another. Um, they, they're pretty good up front. I mean, they got a lot of young guys, too. Um, he won't be playing over really anybody. I don't think Malik Jordan probably hold that spot down. But I think him and Malik Dory will share time um, with Rasheen Green on the uh, defensive inside of the ball. Uh, Kevin Scott will end up playing too. But, yeah, Connor Murphy's a, a – he's kind of a freak athlete, man, and nobody knows it. I mean, his testing numbers at Sparks are great. Um, he finished – he was the number two overall defensive end. You know, and that's high. That's really, really high numbers. So, you know, the only guy ahead of him, I believe, was uh, Jeffrey Simmons? No, yeah, Jeffrey Simmons. You know, Jeffrey Simmons is number one. And Jeffrey Simmons is a freak, you know, athlete. So, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons going to Mississippi State. He, that's another guy I didn't mention. He's starting now, like, easy. He was, you know, but but Jeffrey Simmons also, I don't know about him off the field because he got in a lot of trouble, you know, with that whole, I think he has, like, a, okay. a rape charge or something like that. So, <laughs> I don't really know how that went. I haven't kept up with it, to be honest, with Jeffrey Simmons. But if Jeffrey Simmons is clear of all his charges, he should be able to play early. But, yeah, I like uh, I like Connor Murphy, though, man. Uh, keep an eye on him. He's, he's – what can I say? But he's, huh. he's better – I think he's going to be better than Trent Murphy just because of his athleticism. Almost. Got it. You know well, that mean? would be impressive. <laughs> no, yeah, not, I love – you know I like Trent Murphy a lot. I mean, sure. we talked during the draft process. Yeah, I mean, I like Trent Murphy a lot, but Connor Murphy is, is like they're similar, they're the same, except he's just way more athletic than him. Um, so I like him a lot, and he's in a good situation because he's not really going to be asked to do a lot early. Um, he's going to be probably a guy that plays late in the season, but USC's going to rotate a lot. They're so deep at defense. Um, I mean, they got they they're really too deep. They're young, but they're too deep everywhere. So that's a good thing. Except linebacker, they're kind of a little weaker at linebacker, but we got some guys. I could play um, other class and guys. Well, I know they're expecting bigger things from that Ruffin kid this year, right? I mean, he's supposed to be, I guess, maybe their top pass rusher this year or amongst them. Uh, Ruffin's kind of in a weird spot, man. He is a good pass rusher, but they just it just depends what they want to do. Um, I don't I don't know how they want to play this season and everything. With, with the, uh, they got a lot of young guys that are more talented than Ruffin. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're gonna. I think they're gonna play a lot of. They're gonna play a lot of bodies versus Alabama. That's the best part. Everybody's healthy. Nobody's hurt right now. I mean, that's what you need versus Alabama. You gotta. That's that's why they beat so many people because they're, they're so deep. They have their third strings are four stars. While you're just sitting around, you barely even have uh, third string. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got walk-ons. That's why they beat you. Uh, they're so deep, especially up front. You need that rotation. Porter Gustin is kind of a star to me on that. Pass rush. Cameron Smith obviously is the best player of what he did last year. He's kind of banged up right now, though. Uh, Porter Gustin's been killing it. I've been in love with this kid for a while. I think he's one of the best uh, they've had there in a little while. I think he's going to kind of bring them back to linebacker you a little bit, Porter Gustin. That's how much I like him. But, but yeah, Jamari Ruffin's great. He'll play. I don't know if he'll start, but he'll definitely get snaps. He'll get probably like 40% of the snaps, but he won't start. I think that they're going to go – with uh, Porter Gustin, Osa Mensa, uh, Cameron Smith at linebacker, and then probably Oshin Nuoso, and then Gerard Ruffin will probably split that right there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the only thing I worry about, you know, that team with is Noah Jefferson, decent tackle, Green, those type of guys. They're not good pass rushers. They're good run stuffers, which is great because they play Alabama the first game, but then they get played Pac-12 teams. So <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Um, okay. Connor McGovern's good. Name to watch, too. He, obviously, his brother just got drafted from Missouri. He's going to Penn State, though. Penn State got a splash class, is what I like to call it. Um, not deep. Not a lot of. They got three, four, five good players are going to play right away. Um, and Connor McGovern's definitely one of them. I don't know if he's a guard or a tackle, kind of like his brother. Um, just depends what their depth chart's looking like. He could play both, though. So that's the name to keep out for. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Go ahead. Okay. And in terms of Penn State's depth chart, you think he could potentially be like a rotational backup type at more than one position, or do you think he actually fights his way into the starting lineup? Um, I think he starts for Penn State. Um, don't know if the schedule matters too. It just depends who you're playing early on. But I think he could start. Um, they lost a lot. You know, they didn't have much anyway, so I don't see why he wouldn't be able to play. Only guy I really like on the line is Andrew Nelson, the left tackle. Um, I think Colin McGovern could play um, right tackle or left guard, which I know are two holes that they have. So, yeah, I think he could play. Um, a guy I definitely have to mention that I forgot about, if we're talking about pure impact guys, is mm-hmm. Dedrick Nelson from Pembroke's Pines, Flanagan High School in Florida. Um, because, hey, you're talking about, you know, Ed Oliver, at UCF just got a four-star wide receiver. You know, that's their <laughs> big recruit, biggest recruit they've got. Biggest recruit they've ever gotten is uh, Dedrick Snelson, and he is really good. Um, Storm Johnson was a pretty big recruit, too, but Dedrick Snelson is the truth, man. He's going to UCF. Uh, they win a game last year. People kind of crack it on him. You know, at the under American, but he loves Coach Frost. Um, he wants to stay home in Florida, and I think uh, Coach Frost will find a way to get him the ball. He'll definitely be starting on that football team um, at the number two receiver spot, and they'll, they'll figure it out, man. I think UCF is going to win at least four or five games this year, if not six with Coach Frost and what he has. A lot of guys – they were so young last year. They got a lot of guys coming back. New system, obviously, going to be running that Oregon type of up-tempo system, but I think he'll figure it out. Um, with that team. I, I hate that they lost uh, the transfer from Oregon, the quarterback. I can't 
can't think of his name right now. Gosh, they had a guy transferring in a four-star. He actually just transferred again from UCF. Um, Good Lord. To uh-huh. a FCS school. I'm not sure which one. It just said AFCS school. Well, uh, well, don't know Justin, which one yet. Is Justin, Holman, is Justin Holman still there? Yeah, Justin Holman's still the quarterback. He's still the starting quarterback. It was just the guy that was going to come in after that was a four-star that replaced – actually replaced Jared Goff in high school, and it was a four-star at Oregon. He was following Coach Frost, so they got kind of – bad relationship, I'll say that. (laughs) Bad relationship off the field, so they didn't really get along too well. He's in the doghouse, Um, which was bad. If you're in the doghouse with a red shirt, you know what I mean? That's not very good, but (laughs) – yeah, I like Dedrick Nelson. He did a really good job on the overall American game. Um, he kind of moved up. He's kind of a no-name guy. Um, he's not a camp guy. I've always kind of known about him. He's always been good. Um, he just kind of showed me he can run routes. Uh, he was kind of just one of those guys that is really quick, fast, six one, one ninety guy. You know, runs flat, uh, four probably four four five. Um, he's even been timed at a four four. Four, which I don't really buy. He's a little bit slower than that, but he's really, really fast though, definitely. And uh, he's gonna have an impact on the football team early um, if they can get him the ball. Justin Holman's not a horrible quarterback by any means, so don't get me wrong. I mean, he can throw it, take a block for him. He's not too bad as a quarterback. Um, Kyle Porter would be a big impact guy too. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. No, no Kyle, back I was to Dedrick. Go ahead. Going back to Nelson. Why do you think? I'll be honest, I've heard very, his name mentioned very, very little. Why do you think he isn't – like I've heard Drake Davis, you said, won't even break you know, the depth chart, mentioned way more than, than him. Why do you think that is? Just school, you know. Um, oh, okay. UCF's not deep. Yeah, UCF's not deep. Uh, that's why, you know, some kids will choose to go to a school like that because uh, of depth chart, you know. They look at the depth chart and they're like, okay, well, I can – start on this team now and it's better to honestly I mean if you're a guy that people have been talking about for a while the three four you start even at a UCS you'll get it looked at you know people have seen you play a lot of football you have that experience um so I think that and then AC, AAC excuse me is kind of it's on the way up I mean I don't think Navy and Memphis are going to be as good as they were last year but Houston will be um SMU will be better as well. Um, UCF will be better. They will win a football game. Cincinnati will be better. That's a conference on the rise. You know what I mean? Uh, USF, Temple, those schools I think will stick around. Uh, UConn even. Uh, Bob Diaco. I love Bob Diaco. So it's a good conference. It's kind of like the you know throwaway conference, whatever you want to call it. But I think um, they'll be back. This year's going to be, you know, like I said, four wins. I mean, they they play Michigan, Maryland, South Carolina State out of conference, and they obviously play the AAC schools. But so they'll win some football games. Uh, I just think you know with what they're doing, um, that you you know what type of offense Scott Frost likes to run, um, <laughs> and what he did at Oregon. It's spread. They're gonna have three, four wide receivers, two running backs, probably something like that. Snelson will be like I said, he's already number two on the depth chart. Him and Tristan Payton. Um, Traquan Smith, I, all those guys, I mean, they're kind of all the same. Traquan Smith was a guy that um, a couple of years ago was a four-star four, guy, four star receiver, and they dropped him to a three because of injuries and not going to camps. And Tristan Payton is a good possession line receiver. Um, he's actually – him and Jordan Payton, or cousin, you remember that guy from UCLA? Pretty good solid wide receiver. They're kind of similar, actually. Um, I like that kind of trio – and then Justin Holman, like I said, he 
he gets a bad rap, man. I know he replaced Blake Bortles. That's why. Like, you can't beat Blake Bortles. Like, no one's ever going to beat Blake Bortles for UCF. But <laughs> he's not bad quarterback. Um, he had some moments, especially towards the end of the year. They just had no one on offense last year. But he's got some weapons this year. And they returned, if I'm not mistaken, they returned four stars on offensive line. So they got some continuity bad. They got some man. Did, I mean, we had we had uh, somebody on my show on two, uh, few well, a couple months ago on a Tuesday. Um, gosh, he was uh, cousins with the Pounties, um, Jordan Pounty. Yeah, we had him on the show, and he was talking about how you know he's committed to UCF. Just that whole train they're doing right now is so Scott Frost has energized that fan base. His wife went to UCF. Not that long ago, obviously Scott Frost is pretty young, so is his wife. Um, it's it's a big school. It's in a hotbed of talent. Why why can't UCF be a good school year in and year out? There's no they reason can. for it. They, they have can. a new stadium um, coming in, new money that came in a lot when they you know won the Fiesta Bowl and they were you know the Blake Bortles and Storm Johnson those guys. Uh, the past coach, what was it, their past coach Bill? What was his name? I can't think of his name. Right George now. O'Leary. Uh, built O'Leary, the program, basically. Built yeah. the program. Built the foundation. Uh, lost it fast, man. That 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 went. That <laughs> it, it happens like that for smaller schools. Fast. Um, but this is a a weird school. Like I said, they're not small, but they are. They're in a small conference. They have a lot of money. Right. Um, it's a big school have, in terms of enrollment. I mean, it's a couple it's a of thousands. Right. It's but it's, yeah. I mean, in terms of sheer size, it's a youth school. It's only a couple of thousand. Oh yeah. Smaller than it's one of the biggest in the country. It's like a it's like a eighteen hundred students smaller than Ohio State, which is the biggest. So it's a huge right, yeah. school in terms of actual size. Yeah, I've been there before. It's beautiful campus, man. Beautiful campus. Um, love it. Uh, fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a balance between good education and party school. Um, they do like to do a lot of UCF. <laughs> Um, they've had some people. They've had O'Leary had to deal with a lot of off the field stuff early on. He cleaned it up definitely though. Um, and I think Frost will do that too. Frost is gonna get players from Florida. I think he's gonna get some players from the West Coast. Maybe some transfers in. I think that's gonna be a good fit. And Snelson's a big part of that. Snelson, Smith, and Peyton. Those three guys. They got three legit wide receivers. That's what they do have. So uh, I, I like UCF going for it. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. You know, Snelson kind of reminds me of Greg Jennings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good comparison. That's perfect. Perfect. He does remind me of Greg Jennings. A little bit of a tough guy, a little bit of uh, medium-sized, but plays a little bigger because he's physically strong, good after the catch, will break tackles in a way that you might not expect from a guy who's his size. Yeah, I mean – Probably the best uh, comparison I've heard in a long time, actually, Bill. Um, I was watching his tape actually not that long ago um, just to kind of see, you know, what UCF had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he breaks tackles a lot for somebody. You know, you would think he's a 220-pound guy. He's he's, be- he's stronger than some of those big guys that I mentioned earlier. He is. So, uh, he really he is. is. He's a strong guy. He's well put together. He's gritty. Oh. He's gritty. And, honestly, man, to be honest, I, if he hadn't transferred schools, um, he was at St. Thomas Aquinas, but there's there's so many wide receivers there. He transferred. I thought maybe if he had a state, well, you know, if he had a state, he might not even be in the situation he's in right now. So maybe it was good for him to leave. But um, he might be playing defense. He might not have played. Who knows? But I think him, if he was on St. Thomas Aquinas, though, I feel like he would have been 
more known. Therefore, higher rated, basically, what I'm trying to say. Um, so I wouldn't look at his rating too much. I mean, he really is a, a top, you know, 150 guy, you know, um, top 100 guy. He's for real. He's the truth. Same with Kyle Porter. Um, well, he went to Katie, who is definitely a big school. Um, they won, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're number two in the country at the end of the season. They won all their football games and, you know, even won a split of the national championship. But he is probably the most underrated quarterback, excuse me, running back in the country. I don't know why Kyle Porter was so low. Um, Oregon and Texas and West Virginia were the only, you know, he's, he's that. Um, gosh, what's the running back West Virginia had a few years ago? Um, they had Wendell really? Smallwood. They had mm, no, a little bit further back than that. Russell Shell, uh, no. who came over from he was a pit transfer. Um, yeah, yeah, he's still there. Right. Oh gosh, he's like a six-year senior or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I guess six-year senior. Yeah. Uh, no. Gosh, uh, he. I think he played a little. There's bit Steve, Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton. Steve if you Slayton. want to go back, yeah, that, Steve Slayton yeah, was yeah. Uh, Slayton. one of the first. What do you call it? Um, he was one of the original part of the, what do you call it, draft class. He was like, what, a second. He was in the second draft class that they ever had at Houston with um, Andre, um, what's his name? Johnson. You know, the wide receiver. Yes, right, Andre Johnson and that bunch. He was in that, that draft class. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Steve Slayton, actually. Kyle Porter does. Um, actually, like, when I first saw him, that's the first thing I thought of. It's like West Virginia-type running back or just that perfect spread running back. Um, and he's not, you know, Texas spreads it a little bit. They're not super-duper spread, but they spread it. Um, I think, you know, they have been searching to find that running back at Texas. They haven't, they've had a bunch of guys that are highly rated. Um, this might be the guy that does it. He's not as high, highly rated, but that, that doesn't mean anything, apparently. Um, Texas kind of missed on those guys and hit on the guys that are lower, lower rated. But uh, he's from Katy. Like I said, he's played in huge games, won a national title last year. Um, 5'10", 192. Really quick, athletic, can play in the return game, can catch the ball really well. Like I said, one of those guys that could line up at wide receiver, you wouldn't notice he's a running back, uh, has, has that good of hands. So I like him a lot. I don't know. Texas just they, – they've got so many guys that are talented, but they just don't have it together right now. So I'm not really sure exactly where he's going to come in. Uh, he'll probably – he'll definitely be in the return game um, and be maybe third – or second on the depth chart for running back. But I like how how poor he might be a guy that plays later on in the season. Has a big impact. Um Jaquil Green, because he's going to UTSA and they this is their biggest recruit ever. You know? So I know I'm going down a list a little bit now, but I mean hey, the UTSA's never had a guy this good before Jaquil Green. He went to Mississippi State or Ole Miss or you know he's from Mississippi, got recruited by those schools. Mississippi State was where he was committed at first, but he he liked that coaching staff, um, and he wanted to play right away. So <laughs> that's what he got. And he definitely he will. Right away. <laughs> yes, he, will. he definitely will play right away. I mean, he's a guy that plays both sides of the ball, but he's going to play corner back for them, probably number one corner, lockdown guy to me. He's a guy that Bill Carroll's going to be talking about in three or four years as, you know, UTSA, small, small, not small school, but, you know, non-power five guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's going to be one of the top. Uh, cornerbacks. He reminds me a lot of William Jackson, actually, from Houston. Oh, wow. Last year. Has some similarities to him. Um, there's some really good guys down the list, man. Like I said, I, I kept telling you last year, this is a deep 
recruiting class. Cameron Martin from Point Arthur, Texas, for Auburn. They just lost Javon Robinson, um, so he might have a chance to play. Uh, Bo Bishrat from Carmichael, California. Um, he's going to Colorado. Another guy. Colorado hasn't had a recruit like this in a while. Um, Probably not I don't since remember the Bill McCartney days when they used to raid California on a regular basis for top guys. And when they're getting yeah, guys they, like Chad Brown and they were getting Eric Bieniemy and they were getting, uh, uh, what's his name, Michael Westbrook, the wide receiver who uh, caught the Cordell Stewart uh, Hail Mary pass and all yeah. that stuff. They, yeah, they haven't had a guy like that in a while. Um, I mean, technically, I know you're not going to agree with this, Bill. Some people had Cody Hawkins as a four-star recruit. So, really? You know, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty had... this, this reputation stuff matters way more than ability to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never thought Cody was a four-star. I thought he was a three at best. I mean, a four. We are talking no, about football, was... right? Yeah. <laughs> Just make it sure. Make it sure. Because who knows? You might have been in like a terrific second baseman or something. Um, yeah, yeah that's... he did play baseball too, but <laughs> no, he was a uh, two four seven sports. According to the four seven sports, they had him as a four star uh, quarterback. Wow. Out. So, which I mean, if you know anything about Cody Hawkins? You know, he thought he was a six star. Yeah. And <laughs> he did really well in camp settings. All these reasons. His dad, Dan yes. Hawkins, you know, grew yes. up in that setting. So, I mean, yes. and his dad is solid. He just played on a really good team um, in high school. You know, I mean, they never lost a football game. And he played in Idaho um, for 5A. But, I mean, that team was just loaded. Like, I can't think of the high school he went to, but it's in Boise, one of the bigger schools there. Um, they he, he won three years in a row, state title. Um, never lost a game. Good numbers. Can't. He's small though. He's like five ten, yeah, two hundred pounds. But uh, yeah. and his arm was—I just don't know how they made him a five star. Well, well below average. I'll put it that way. <laughs> well below average arm. Um, he could throw hard, you know, um, like a second baseman, like you just mentioned too. But just <laughs> not a big arm. Um, nope. But yeah, Bo Bisharat is listed as an athlete. Um, I think what they're gonna do with him. This year is kind of ah, – it's hard to say, really. To be honest. I mean, I, I think they go linebacker with him, to be honest. I could see them going running back with him, too. Um, maybe they play him both early on. I don't know if they want to do that at risk of injury or anything. But, I, I mean, their offense is not bad. I mean, if Sifo's healthy, oh, that's a big if. But if he's healthy, <laughs> um, they're off. Well, I heard, big I, heard he, I heard he's, like, up to 232 or something. I heard he's really worked on his bot. Yeah, he has. He has. And they got Steven Montez as his backup. Uh, they lost Davis Webb. Obviously, he was only there for a hot second before transferring yeah. again to Cal. <laughs> Davis but, Webb, uh, um, yeah. you know, whirlwind well, tour of U.S. campuses where he was just – I don't know how many different schools I heard he was going to be quarterbacking at one point or another, but it was a bust. Yeah, it was just a bad situation. I mean, he when he – he kind of did Colorado dirty a little bit just because when he was in there, he was still he was going on visits. You know what I mean? When he was, he never actually enrolled in class. I mean, he could have just said, you know, like I don't want to, don't know if I'm going to. Yeah, he could have said, look, I'm just 
you know, dipping my feet in the water. I'm, I'm going to go to four or five other schools later this week, just so you know. I should have done that. Um, I mean, Auburn was a school possibility. Cal was always in there. Texas A&M was in there as well. Um, right. And a couple others. A couple others. Even actually, <laughs> there was also rumors of him going to the supplemental draft at one point. That was um, hilarious. I heard something about yeah. that. I was like, really? Really? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. Um, but yeah, CFO, 6'4", 232, and then like I said, he got the backup, Steve Montez, but uh, Colorado's still going to be in the dumps. You know, I don't think there'll be a bowl <laughs> game team. But Bo Bichat, no. though, is going to be the truth for them. Uh, whatever position they want to play, that linebacker or running back, like I said, he's the 6'3", 215-pound guy, a little bit undersized for running back, but uh, we'll see what happens. There, because um, Colorado has a big team this year. All those guys have been putting on weight. I looked at their roster, what they had. Um, even I mean, Alex Kenny is one of the best punters in the country. You know, he's a pretty big guy. You know, he's two hundred twenty pound punter. So they got some big guys there. Um, Bill, you're gonna like this guy, and I'll let you go ahead and I guess ask me stuff instead of me just talking the whole time. But um, Roger, Roger Roger Campbell, uh, who's one of Northwestern. Um, he's from St. Louis. I like him a lot too. Uh, you know, he's not—he's a smaller cornerback, um, but I like him. He's—he's he's only five nine, um, one eighty-five, but I like him. I—I I, I feel like he's just—he's uh, a solid guy. He's not gonna—he—he's a cover corner, um, pure cover corner. Doesn't have athleticism or anything like that. Didn't get invited to this game and that game or whatever. Um, from a smaller school in St. Louis, even though he's from a big city. Um, I just I think he's going to be a solid player for Northwestern. He fits in the offense well. He was committed to Missouri early on, but they lost uh, their head coach. So right. Northwestern, he goes. Hey, that's Northwestern's that's always done a good job of recruiting uh, North Eastern Missouri. They've always gotten good players from that part of the country, and they've needed to. Obviously, uh, you know you. Uh, I'm not. I want to say they're a national recruiter. Well, I guess they're they semi. They're really a regional recruiter that occasionally gets a kid from, you know, the East Coast or the West Coast, or, you know, Western Pennsylvania, New Jersey occasionally. And yes, they've always worked the St. Louis area hard. Uh, for as far back as I can remember, they've always gotten good players from that part of the country. They have. They have really good players. And, you know, there's a funny story about Roger Campbell, too, I want to say, because I heard about it from one of his seven-on-seven uh, seven teammates. He played a big seven-on-seven seven school, actually, or a team. But he, you know, go, oh, I guess I got to go back to my small high school. You know what I mean? People forgot about me. But, no, he he was talking about how he loves um, analytics. And this was funny because I wish Jay was on the show because this guy studies hmm. um, metrics. Um, that's yeah. what he wants to do. If he doesn't make it to the NFL, he wants to work. He said by the time he finishes college, he thinks that uh, – and by the way, he said he's going for all four years. He's going to graduate. No coming out early for him, mom and dad. But um, he said he awesome. wants to um, – yeah, he said – and he's you know, in Northwestern. Most of those guys stay in school the whole time. He um, wants to do analytics, though. And he said by the time, you know, he's done with school, it'll probably be – you know, everybody will have an analytic guy on their, on their team anyway. Um, so that's something he wants to get into. And he studies that. He said that's what makes him so good. Is that, you know, I mean, he's a high school football kid. You know, it's hard enough to get the kid up and go to practice every day. But in analytics at home, he said he would break down um, 
film and study and get their numbers and stuff like that and talk to guys. And high school kids are very open. Sometimes they're too open about stuff. So if he had some numbers, he would write them down. You know, he'd ask guys from local high school, hey, what did you run in the camp? Oh, okay, all right. And he said, you know, all of a some of the numbers were skewed, of course, but he still wrote them down. And he yeah, well, guys are always that. taller and faster, you know, yeah, when you talk to them than they are when you measure them or, you know, time them. Oh, yeah, even Roger Campbell's one of those guys. He's listed at 5'11 on some sites, so he's about on his 5'9 and a half. Uh, he's right. 180, though. He is one eighty. He, he's got a good weight. He's just a, a shorter cat. But yeah, it's, it was an interesting story about him. He was like, "Yeah, man, analytics is where it's at. That's all I want to go um, to school." Northwestern actually does a pretty good job at analytics, though. So I want to. He's like, "I want to go to school that you know really values that because it's important." And I think that's one of the most important parts of the game. And I thought that was cool just because he he's young, man. I mean, I talked to so many high school kids, and it's just high school kids. They're doing fine. I mean, I'm not dissing or anything. It's just fun with somebody that's outside the norm, basically. Uh, so I always thought that was cool that he told that story um, about the analytics and how he wants to do that for a job if he doesn't make it to the NFL. So we're basically talking about somebody that's going to be running somebody's player personnel department 15, 20 years from now is what it sounds like. Basically, yeah. And he'll be a guy that, yeah, I play a little bit, you know, at Northwestern maybe, and, you know, um, Maybe a yeah. cup of tea in the NFL six, type six, of guy. seven, eight years in the pros, you know, special teams and, a, you know, nickel corner, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, he – I love that he uh, – That's I love guys like that. That's awesome. So, don't – yeah, don't be surprised if Roderick, Roderick is a GM or player personnel guy one day. You're like, oh, man, I heard that, you know, on Bill's show, you know, mm-hmm. on 2016 on 14th. Excuse me, 14th. <laughs> yeah. Um, Quarterback, Bill, I'll throw quarterbacks for you because I know everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. What quarterbacks? People won't talk about them too much, quite frankly, but yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's not – It's not. I could go through – Shea Patterson's always the backup for Chad Kelly. Eason's starting. Malik Henry is kind of lost in the sauce right now. Sean McGuire is going to be the starter. DeAndre Francois from IMG Academy from two years ago is going to be his backup. Malik's probably going to get redshirted. They really only need two quarterbacks. Jimbo does not mind redshirting, obviously. Like, you know, he redshirted James Winston. So, I mean, like, he doesn't mind redshirting um, Malik Henry at all. And Malik, you know, we've talked about Malik Henry a lot. Um, it seems he, like – I know the kid, he, kid yeah. is just 18, but it seems like we've been hearing about him for about five years. Yeah, man, Malik has had a uh, – he's been in a lot of schools. That's why. <laughs> and he's one of those quarterbacks that, you've, you know, he's been working out with um, Steve Carson since he was uh, – Gosh, eighth grade, you know what I mean? So he's finally out of school maybe forever this time, at least four years, right? Five? Um, we hope. G- he played at Westlake Village, played at Oaks Christian, played at – he never played at IMG. He enrolled there. Now he got kicked out. Oh, God, yeah. And then he – You know how I feel about these play- vagabond high school players. I am just not a fan of this whole wandering there thing that they do nowadays. He's been wandering. Now, with the Westlake Village thing, he played at Westlake Village in Ocean Christian. That's in the same city. Um, he All he did was go to a private school based in the same city. And Westlake Village is better than Westlake. Or, excuse me, Ocean Christian is better than Westlake Village. So, I understand that one. Um, but then he tried to make that jump um, to IMG. <laughs> and that didn't work out too well with Coach Kevin Wright and him. Just really didn't get along. He thought he was going for Chris Winkie. 
Um, so basically when he got there, he just did not want to be there, and he did not buy into Kevin Wright. Uh, that's why you did not transfer high school or college for a coach. Um, and now high school, usually coaches don't leave like that. They usually stick around for a long time. But when you're going to IMG Academy, a team like that, uh, your coach might leave because it's a different type of school. Um, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't mold. some NFL team might come calling and eventually how yeah. to get your, one of your coaches. Right. And, and Chris Winkie, you know, obviously the Florida State connection was there with him. Um, he left, obviously, the Rams quarterback coach now. But he left, Kevin Wright. I mean, they got into a little bit of uh, some arguments <laughs> while he was there. So he transferred to Long Beach Poly with Antonio Pierce, who's a really good coach. Um, I know Great. Long Beach Poly yeah. Long Beach Poly. And the guy that right was now. probably headed for the NFL as a coach soon. So get enjoy him while you can, Jack Rabbit. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Some NFL team is going to bring him as a linebacker coach in the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. I hate to see him, but that's just a fact. He's going to leave. He's just trying to – He's trying to build them back up. They went through a – they're going through a kind of a dry spell right now at Long Beach Poly. I mean, they're still they, – and then they got sanctioned last year so they couldn't play in the playoffs, which also hurt Malik Henry. You know, not only did he miss the beginning of the season because he had to transfer from IMG to Long Beach Poly, he also missed the whole playoffs because of – part because of him, actually, and a couple other players. Um, <laughs> just – Yet they, another reason why I'm not a fan yeah. of this list. <laughs> yeah, it's just that, you know, they had a couple guys transfer, not just Malik, a couple other guys. And they the couple other guys was transcript reasons. Malik Henry's is because of – he technically wasn't ever – they basically said they gave him a waiver to play, and they said it's at your own risk. He might not clear, so if you play him, you know what I mean, you might still get suspended. And that's what happened, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> that risk. Um, they, Malik Henry wasn't supposed to go to Long Beach Poly because he technically had changed his address over to Florida and it was too late for him to transfer back to a California school. But they still allowed him to play because of the IG Academy. It was very confusing, um, <laughs> all of this. Um, if they were to go back to the way it was in the old days, look, unless your family has established residence by uh, – whatever it was, December the 31st or whatever the heck it was, whatever day it was, of such and such date, and, and the only exception being family emergency, like someone died or something, and you had to go live with your grandparents. I mean, there's kids transferring for reasons that are not family emergencies, not because your family's moved, not because somebody lost their job, not because somebody's died, for purely football reasons. And that's just, it shouldn't be allowed, and I want to see somebody close the darn loophole. It's ridiculous. We're actually going to be talking about that on my show on Tuesday, Bill. Um, it's funny that you said that. Um, <laughs> we're going to actually – I'm going to have a coach on um, from not not a school that does not get transferred. I'll say that, a small school. <laughs> um, and, and we're going to talk – because, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of guys from bigger schools already, so I want a smaller school guy on We're going to talk about that. So hopefully he'll be on the show for that. But because um, it sounds like you, 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 know, you know a lot about that because you – Grew up at a time where you couldn't do all that, and now it just, you're it just didn't, still. Like, you just didn't see kids just pick it up and go across country to go to school because they want to work with Chris Winky. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's honestly the reason he transferred there. I mean, to be honest, I mean you could say all that well, stuff too, but I mean, yeah, he, he, he likes Chris Winky. I mean, Chris Winky has a private. That's the that's the kind of bad part is that you know these coaches. It's not their fault. I mean, they you can have he has a private quarterback instruction. Uh, thing and Malik Henry attended the camp. He was like, "I love this guy, man. He's awesome. Um, gosh, I love him so much. I might even transfer to a school he's coaching." 
Um, but then obviously we know what happened with Winky taking that job, and then Malik, Kevin Wright, and, and Chris Winky are a lot different. Um, I, I, Kevin Wright is a high school football coach from Indiana that's been a high school football coach the whole time. He's kind of strict. Um, IMG runs a lot of loose program still, but it's not <laughs> as loose when they were with Chris Winky. Chris Winky was right. super loose. Chris Winky really <laughs> only worried about getting players to the next level. He right. really like. Right. Right. I mean, that's his job. Show up to practice, show up to games, you know, stay actively eligible. That was apparently one of the only three rules he had. Pretty much. Other than that, I mean, it's just like, I mean, you guys, you know, do whatever. Just don't come back with any craziness too much, you know. <laughs> but Malik Henry's situation, like I said, it, it was confusing. It was the most confusing situation I've heard in a while. But just because he left um, California to go to Florida, he did not leave with his family. He moved by himself because he was in by then he lived in a dorm by himself. And the eligibility was basically saying that he had two addresses, not one. That's why they allowed him to play, and then they took it back. It was a, it was a weird situation, like I said. Um, one that should that. not be allowed to ever happen. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> like I said, never played for IMG, played Long Beach Poly, only played seven games, though. Um, played well. Really, the game versus Bishop Gorman was the game. You know, his first game with Bishop Gorman wasn't that great, but it was a tough team to play your first game. Um, no practice. He only had two weeks <laughs> to pick up a playbook and practice, so he didn't really have much time. Uh, a lot of people, honestly, I thought I never thought Malik Henry would play his senior year in high school football. I thought he would um, reclassify himself and enroll, enroll at Florida State a whole year early. That's what I thought he was going to do. That was a talk. Malik Henry didn't really want to play his senior year high school football, to be honest. Um, this is gonna be completely honest with you. Um, I talked to him, um, and if Malik was on the show right now, I don't know if he would say that, but I would mention it. Basically, is what I would say. Um, I mean, I talked to him, and he was just like he was talking about trying to find a ways where he didn't even have to play his senior high school football. He was just trying to go to Florida State because he knew he was going to Florida State either way. Like, it doesn't matter about Chris Winky or not. I mean, he knew he was going to Florida State. He committed. He enrolled early anyway. So he was just going to enroll a whole year early. Um, but, you know, Antonio Pierce really kind of took him under his wing and was like, you know, play for me. We got a good program. We could definitely have you here. And uh, it worked out okay, but they didn't make the playoffs. So that's not that good. But, yeah, Malik Henry will be redshirting. Sorry to go on Malik Henry kind of tangent. Just kind of had to tell the situation, I guess. Um, Jared Guantano is not playing at all. Not um, redshirt. Easily. Um, KJ Costello, I don't know, man. What would you do with that? <laughs> with I mean, they got, yeah, well, yeah, Keller Chris is starting quarterback. Right. Brian Burns is the backup. Would you burn a red shirt on KJ or would you let him be third stream and battle for the second? Yeah, I would, I would red shirt him, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I, I would too, just because you're Stanford. You, Stanford is really – they red shirt everybody. At Stanford, to be honest, <laughs> just because they don't they they don't really have deep classes. They have top heavy classes. This year's their first right. deep class they've really ever had. Um, they only have so many scholarships at Stanford for football. Um, they don't have as many as other teams. They they have like fifteen, twenty left. Um, I don't know if people know that, but um, they just don't they just don't throw scholarships to people at Stanford. A lot of people can't even get in there. Um, yep. So they don't they don't. There's no walk ons at Stanford either. So. I mean, you can walk on. There's just there's not many walk on. They don't aggressively. They don't aggressively pursue opportunities to create 
chances for guys to walk on. But yes, guys do yeah. walk on. But you've got to really not a lot of, not a lot of transfers, not a lot of walk ons. Um, not they don't have those bonus scholarships, um, basically. So I would register KJ, um, but he KJ is a pretty close to ready guy. I mean, I'm not saying that he'd be all American or anything, but he's a he knows that offense well. That's kind of the same offense he kind of ran in high school a little bit, kind of similar, uh, except they're under shotgun a lot more. Yeah, but he, he's known the offense for a while. He's been committed to Stanford for a long time, so he knows it well. Um, really good friends with Keller Chris already, too, so that helps out a lot. Uh, sometimes the camp circuit thing is cool just because, you know, KJ and Keller have been friends for about three years, and that wouldn't have happened back in the day. You know, that's the new stuff. But that helps out in, that, in this type of situation. Um, Felipe Franks won't be playing this year, people. Sorry. Um, Austin Kendall, all red shirt guys. Dwayne Haskins, Jr., I like him a lot, but he'll be red shirting. Uh, he'll be battling with Tate Martell next year for that starting spot. Cool. Tate will be the backup quarterback for Arizona, or at least third string. Uh, Shane Buscelli, that's the guy. And obviously, we know about his dad a little bit, too. Shane Buscelli is the number one quarterback on the depth chart right now. Um, all I can see all three of those guys playing. Tyrone Swoops has had his ups and downs. That kid keeps getting bigger and bigger. I think he's up to 255 right well, now. Well, I keep hearing he's going to play – you know, sort of a wildcat H-back, you know, yeah. special package position where, you know, sort of like a less developed version of Tim Tebow kind of thing where, you know, short yardage, he comes and, you know, slams in for a touchdown or a two-yard third and two kind of situation. And then every once in a while he'll, you know, pop up and throw a pass and everyone's all bunched up near the line of scrimmage, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what they, they're going to belldozer him. That's a good comparison for him. Yes, like, belldozer. Yes, that's a good put it, belldozer. And he's honestly, I mean, I've pretty much heard he's put on weight for that role at this point. And they're even talking about moving him to tight end at some point next year. Andrew Beck's there right now, but they're pretty thin at tight end. So I could see him playing that next year. Um, well, he's a senior, actually, so I guess he won't be playing tight end. He might play tight end this year, I guess, then, um, a little bit. Yeah. Like, Blake Bell. Tight end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like Blake Bell. I mean he they kinda messed around with Blake Bell late in the season at tight end and Bell does their packages. So yeah, that's what they'll be doing. But Shane Bouchel and Ger- Gerard Hurd will be the guys. I think they go with uh Gerard Hurd actually over Shane Bouchelli to start off with. But we'll see. I just think that do you want to start Shane do you trust Shane Bouchelli to play Notre Dame in the first game of the season? I don't know. I saw Shane live. It looked good. He is uh, really, he was really good at camp. He almost won on the 11, really came back and won and did really good the past the last two days last year. Um, baseball player, top-notch baseball player, too. Um, he's got good Obviously, the son of Steve Bouchelle a long time. Uh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Major League ball player. Mm-hmm. Similar with Jerry Goff and, and Jerry. His dad plays Astros for a while and everything, but uh, – like I said, Shane Bouchelle is good. I'm trying to find a comp- – it's hard to compare Shane Bouchelle to somebody. You know what? Um, he kind of reminds me – do you remember Zach Robinson from Oklahoma State? I remember Zach Robinson extremely well. He was the guy that took the job from Bobby uh, Reed, uh, Reed yeah. back at Oklahoma State and played a handful of games for the Patriots. And then some other team tried to move him to wide receiver, and then he ended up going up to Canada for a minute. Yeah. Well, Shane Bouchelle is a harder-throwing version of him. Um, is he that athletic? Because 
because uh, Robinson uh, ran not. like four, five, six, or four, five, seven, or something. Yeah, he's not that athletic. He's he's a he's a, he's a little underrated as an athlete. He's not about that fast, though. He can be playing. No one will try to move him to wide receiver. <laughs> um, he's a field general. He's a little bit smarter. He's got a brain for it too. Remembers that, but he kind of reminds me of that Robinson. He's good under center. He wants to be play out a shotgun, pistol, whatever. Uh, multiple offense they're doing there anyway. Um, but I would pro- they'll probably go two quarterbacks versus Notre Dame, draw her and um, Shane Buscelli, and then UTEP is the, the week after. And then they when you go in that Cal game, you know you might go two quarterbacks again. That's three games, and you get a bye week, and then you get into the Big Twelve. You want to know who your quarterback is by the time you hit Oklahoma State October first. Look at the schedule right now. Which will I think it's a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying if they Texas wants to. All, they have to be UTEP, obviously. They, I'm giving them UTEP, but I think they lose to Kyle and Notre Dame, but they would love to be 2-1 and one going into October 1st. 3-0 um, and o would be amazing um, if they beat Notre Dame and Cal and UTEP going into the Big 12. And I think they would be able to find a quarterback by then. Um, I think you can get away with playing two early on as long as you win your Big 12 games and know who your guy is by then. Um, like I said, Notre Dame – that's tough. Um, really, their defense is as good as last year, but it's still a tough, um, tough game. Um, neutral site game, but just don't see them winning with either guy. I would start draw her and let Shane Bouchard play. Um, UTEP, like I said, play both. Cal play both. Shootout. Cal's going to be a shootout. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, all those games. They'll figure it out. It's going to have to be a little earlier than expected um, for them. Max Gilly, yeah. redshirt for Cal, obviously. Um, and kids. I was going to ask you about that because it, it's hard. I mean, obviously you, you obviously have some insight on the Cal program. How will that program be the same? I mean, what things will stay the same, and how will that program be different at, you know, PG post-golf? It, it's going to be post-golf is good. Um, and I know that it sounds weird, but um, he set the standard for the program and really gave them a lot of hype. Uh, being the number one overall pick, uh, obviously saw him play a little bit last night, and just having that hype around him. Um, didn't have highs and hype or anything, just number one overall draft pick, three-year starter, played every game, never missed one. Um, Davis Webb enters. That's a guy, that's a nice, I, I like that they got the Davis Webb transfer. It's like almost perfect, because I like Ross Bowers and Max Gilliam and uh, Chase Forrest. Oh, Chase Forrest probably would have started and did solid. But I, I don't think their team is good enough for that yet. Davis Webb has a lot of experience, and I think they need that right now for that one year that he does have and then have that quarterback battle. So it's kind of a perfect storm. Um, I think they're, they're, they're okay this year. It's really going to be next year um, to see what they're all about. Um, don't know. Jared, Gar- I mean, excuse me, um, Coach Dykes has been flirting with other programs. He just got a contract extension, though. We'll see how that goes. Him and the athletic director kind of butting heads lately. Um, I know Missouri is close to leaving, too, and taking that job, but he didn't. I think that that Baylor job is going to be a hot name for him to probably you know, yeah. Yeah, be there for. And we'll know, we don't know what – who knows what jobs are going to be open. Um, he's going to be a name on that list because they're just not giving him kind of the pool that he needs, he feels like, right now for the Cal program. But we'll see what happens. Um, but I think they'll be fine. I think they'll do a good job this year. Um, seven, eight wins would be good. They were eight and five last year. Uh, they lost a lot on offense. They got a lot on defense. They got a big time recruit. They got Coach Spaff, who's always going to get recruits in. If they can keep him for 
three years maybe that that's maybe that might be asking too much two years <laughs> that'd be good for them um i don't know how long they expect him to be there this might just be a stopgap for him for getting a head coaching job next year but uh yeah i mean i think they're a solid team i, I like what they can do um on defense more so this year than offense but uh we'll see what happens they're gonna score points either way you know coach dice gonna put up points especially with davis webb quarterback he i mean you can say what you want about davis webb but i mean he's gonna he knows how to swing it He's been in this type of offense before. He's shown good. He's shown bad, too, though. So, he's, as long as he stays healthy, um, has a good head on his shoulders, should have a good year. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Max Gilliam definitely won't be playing um, this year. Patrick O'Brien is going to be a really good quarterback. Um, and he's kind of the same boat as uh, KJ Costello. Uh, can play right away right now, but they got Tommy Robinson there. Armstrong, excuse me, Tommy Robinson, Tommy Armstrong there, <laughs> and uh, he's the starting quarterback now. But Patrick O'Brien is definitely the future. Um, he's you know from Dana Point, California, the Beach Boy, um, the guy I kind of liked <laughs> last year in the Elite Eleven. Um, yeah, he's big man. He's a big time quarterback, six four, two hundred twenty five pounds. Um, he's strong arm kid, really good under center, good at calling plays. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's not many quarterbacks that are going to play early on this year don't look for a lot so, of guys. So that's the, I mean, the biggest difference. Is there? I mean, obviously, there's not a Jared Goff most of the time, but there's there's no one even likely to be the starter going away definitely. Like, there's no, not too many guys you can say, this guy's definitely going to start day one when he shows up on, on campus this year. Just Jacob Eason, really. Um, that's That's it. That's the guy I know that's going to start, <laughs> for sure. Other than that, no. I mean, there's no guy like that. And, there, you know, and it's not – we got spoiled, man, to buy that class with, with Stidham and Rosen and all. That, that class, some of them just had to play a lot because of circumstances, but that that, that is, that's not a norm that a bunch of guys play like that. Um, now, Blake Barnett is a redshirt freshman. He's going to probably play a little bit. Um, we'll get into redshirt questions, I guess, but he's going to play. Um, he's in a battle that we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for that game until the week of, probably the two days before. <laughs> They're not going to announce it. I don't know why people keep talking about it because it's hush-hush right now. Um, I- I've seen Blake take a lot of snaps. Um, seen Cooper Bateman take a lot of snaps. We don't know. It's just up to- it was definitely between those two guys. We do know that. But that's about all we know for right now, though, on that. So, yeah, I just would say don't expect a lot of quarterbacks to play from this class early on. And you shouldn't, though. I mean, that's not how it was before. So I mean, No. no <laughs> that, was a, yeah. that was a once-in-a-decade de- once de- class, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> that wasn't normal. So, and this class is great. I mean, this is a really good class of quarterbacks, but it's not that good. Some people kind of like, oh, this is a deeper, deeper class. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not deeper. <laughs> it's not better. Um, if you want to look at, let me the top two guys, then yeah, you know, I mean, that's about it. Other than that, um, no. I mean, Shea Patterson, like I said, he could play right now, and I'd be fine with that. I won't miss. But he's just the circumstance where Chad Kelly is still the quarterback there. He's gonna start. I mean, James is calling for Shea Patterson to start over Chad Kelly. He was uh, yes. first team, first he team all SEC, 
first team All RCC <laughs> quarterback. I would say this: um, a lot of first year guys will be playing quarterback. Scott Morningwood, excuse me, not Scott Morningwood. Um, Jack uh, Lou Del Rio, Blake Barnett. I think he'll end up winning the starting job. That'll be a first year guy, retro freshman. So maybe a lot of guys that play for their first time. Just not fresh, true freshman this year. Got it. And is there anybody who might be like a, you know, surprise, dark horse, maybe people aren't expecting that much out of them? I mean, you made a couple of guys, including, of course, um, um, uh, young Mr. Coughlin, who I think a lot of people probably weren't talking about him that much, but I can easily see him becoming not as a really good player, but a team leader as a true freshman, which doesn't happen all that often. But I've heard extraordinary things about the young man's character and maturity, so which shouldn't surprise me based on the tree from which he has grown. But right, right. Um, what else do you think might surprise people with how much they do how early, and how early on they do it? As far as true freshmen, right? So, or, so or I'll, I'll, get red, I'll, I'll allow red, red shirts for, as well. If you, there's a red shirt that you think is going to do big things. Um, I'll start with the true guys. Um, like I said, I, I think Cameron Martin. Um, for, I know Baylor's loaded at running back already. Shot one of those guys, but I think Cameron Martin will find a way in there too. I think like, mm-hmm. like we talked about, they're going to run the ball a little bit more this year too. Um, so I would say him. People don't talk about Cameron Martin too much, and they know there's a lot of running backs, but don't be surprised about him. Parker Brodu, Notre Dame, uh, had a chance to interview him. The big guy looks like Brock Lesnar. Really, really, really <laughs> like actually. I think he'll do. <laughs> I think he'll have a, a um a rotation spot on Notre Dame. Um, linemen tend to get banged up during the season. You know what I mean? It's tough. Got Tommy Kramer in there too. Uh, who people know about Tom Kramer. Parker Bordeaux will be, he's a Bishop Moore, um, Orlando native, going to Notre Dame. I think he'll find a way to do good. Uh, Chandler Tewitt, uh, Stephon Tewitt's little brother. Little brother, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll do a good job. He's kind of a lower name recruit. Nobody was talking about too much outside outside of his name. Um, J.J. McCargo from UNC. Uh, Is that John McCargo's little brother? It is another little brother, um, <laughs> but, but, but bigger than him already. But I think Yikes. he'll do a good job on the offensive line. <laughs> so yeah, I think he'll do a good job on the O line for uh, UNC. Uh, Carlo Kemp, I think he'll do a final way in for Michigan. Like I said, I like that Michigan recruiting class. A lot of just so solid. Uh, Quinn Norton is the starting kicker, so impact right there. Michigan's going to be kicking a lot of field goals. Um, he's a star. He's a true freshman starting. Uh, as long as Br- uh, Braden Mann is, uh, as well for Texas A&M will be starting um, at kicker. Um, Got to give the kicker some love, right? Uh, I, you know, I don't I'll, – I'll say, gosh, Obi Iboe, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, mm-hmm. From Nigeria, he's going to Stanford. He is one of the – I think he had one of the highest GPAs in this class. Um, he's an honor student. He's going to be a road scholar. He's trying to be anyway. Um, he's trying. It's hard. <laughs> so many. Uh, he's trying to be. 
He's on the way. He's on the right path, though. He's actually a uh, uh, chess champion and football player. With a lot, right? Not too many guys. Um, Nigerian parents, you know, both Nigerian, both. Uh, oh well, they America. take yeah. They take, for them, it's always school first. If oh, you know, yeah. if you aren't taking so, care of your business in the in the classroom, there is no football, basketball, whatever it is you think you're doing otherwise, dating, breathing air, none of that. <laughs> no, <laughs> so oh, man, I, grew, I grew up in middle school and ninth grade with uh, one of my friends, Chinadu, in high school, man, and, and or excuse me, middle school, like I said, ninth grade, and he. I kind of, I, he turned out good, but I almost felt bad for him back then because we were so young. I just didn't know why his parents were so strict on him. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. I understand now. He just like you know he never was allowed to hang out with us outside of sports and in school. Basically, he couldn't go to the movies or Red Robin or all that stuff. He was studying at home on Friday nights when we were out partying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So playing Madden or whatever. He's like, I don't play Xbox. I don't have an Xbox. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ob uh, Bowie, yeah, the chess guy. Like I said, chess champion, and like he is a really smart guy. I don't know if they're gonna. It might be Gary Redshirt, like Katie Costello. I like him though. He's a uh, he's a big corner. Um, he probably could play safety too. He's a little strong safety. He's a uh, five eleven, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, I like him. And I like the size 18? on him. Yeah, yeah, eighteen. Yikes. He's a he's he's just straight jacked. To be honest, um, so he's funny. This, this is a guy who's a little bit bigger than um, than Rivas already. So three years from now, he could be two hundred and twenty pounds. Could be, man. Could be. <laughs> Definitely could be. I like him. He's um, like I said, he's. Uh, it was it was a split between him and Oklahoma. Really, they came down to like the last. He's one of the kids that actually we did. We had nobody knew where he was going to go. He had hats. He wasn't really leaning towards anyone. I think the Stanford thing was the college. You know what I mean? I think it came down to his parents. Or, um, you know, I, I mean? can't feel like that going to Duke or Vanderbilt. You know, for school, and then football is like a bonus if you know. Once again, if you know Nigerian parents at all, <laughs> yeah, yeah football is nice and everything, but we need to get this engineering degree, son. Yeah, South Lake Carroll was the high school he went to. Um, he had Oklahoma. Vanderbilt and Stanford on the list, or excuse me, Texas too. He had four. Um, then I know his parents really like Charlie Strong a lot, and obviously Vanderbilt and Stanford they liked his school. Oklahoma was kind of a. I think he liked Oklahoma the most, but I think he ended up choosing Stanford. Um, <laughs> you know, because it was kind of a balance between good school and good football, and trust David right. Shaw. Um, you know what I mean, things like that. So and it's funny, his parents are actually moving away. Right. Stanford did graduate. Um, I mean, yeah. Period. <laughs> like there's no need to go beyond. Never get graduate. Period. His parents are moving to to Palo Alto, too. That's cool. I don't know if he thinks that's cool, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just shows you the Nigerian parents, man. They're like, we're we're taking the show on the road too. We're gonna move. They do not to, uh, play around, man. No, but you know they want what's best. So that's all. That. But I like him, man. Watch out for him if he doesn't register. He's not a big time recruit. He's kind of lower guy, three star guy, but he's. The guy you're going to hear about in a few years be, you know, all Pac-12 and maybe NFL one day. Um, Obi Abo, Yeah, that's, that's how you say his name. Got it. Um, Zaire Jones, speaking of uh, Vanderbilt, I like Zaire Jones a lot. He is uh, their prize recruit of the year. Vanderbilt gets one guy. They always get one big guy for some reason. Um, whether it's Carter Samuels or Jay Cutler or whoever, they get like one guy. Uh, Zaire Jones is from Mississippi. They kind of stole him from Ole Miss. Um, he was supposed to go there. 
but he ended up going to Panago. He's solid. Um, nice little free safety. Don't know if he's going to play right away um, now, but he's an underrated, undervalued guy. He'll definitely be playing. Don't know if he'll start, but he'll be playing for sure. You'll hear about him watching. Um, excuse me, uh, Vanderbilt. And I want to kind of keep this uh, educated train going and talk about Dylan Nicholson. Uh, Duke, um, educated train going. Going with the smart guys. Um, I like Dylan Singleton, and this is another guy that kind of was stolen. Uh, wasn't going to go to Duke. He's from Lawrenceville Archer High School, you know, with uh, all the big-time guys. Went to, you know, from Georgia, went to Archer in Lawrenceville, North Georgia. Um, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Arkansas were all the top three. Um, ended up going to Duke. Just good, good fit for him. Uh, another defensive back. Uh, I think he plays early, too. Uh, I think he plays early. And I think he plays early and often for Duke. Um, and you're going to be hearing about him, like I said, in three, two or three years. The guy that's an all-ACC start, three-year starter at this point um, guy. Uh, last guy I want to mention that's underrated, that's really off the radar. Gosh, I'm trying to – you know, I'm a, can I go with the Juco guy? Does that count? I mean, yeah, like, sure. I'll take Juco. I'm not super picky. As long as well, there's – Okay. Obviously, Jonathan Kubongo is a five-star. Um, he was a five-star. He is raw, but we know he's raw. He hasn't played much football. He's only played football for about four years. Um, gets compared to JPP all the time. Five-six, or excuse me, six-five, not five-six. That would not be good. Five-six-five, <laughs> two hundred sixty pounds. Um, freak athlete, man. Uh, had one of the fastest forty times um, as far as defensive players in general goes, I and mean, he's really got. You know, really? Two hundred. Yeah, yeah. He he ran. Uh, I think he ran a four four nine four five. Yikes. At that size, <laughs> he's just. I, I don't know what Tennessee's gonna really do with him. Um, they're already really good at defensive end and defensive tackle. I think he's gonna definitely find a way to be on the field. They'll throw him on the field. He's twenty two already. I know he, he his first year really playing big time college ball. His parents are uh, from. Uh, Africa as well. I'm not really sure which country in Africa, but I know he came over here really late. Um, really, with him, it, it's it was grades and academics and, and just not having the uh, SAT scores to get in school. That's what it was when he was out of high school. And now, you know, he retook, he retook the test. The tests aren't really set up for people outside of the country to pass, I feel like, almost. You know, I've had a lot of friends that are from different countries or different background languages, and it's it's bad, like, for them, you know what I mean, SATs. That's not his first language, English. Um, so it was, it was a tough deal from the past SAT. But he's got it now at Tennessee. I said five-star guy. He'll find a way on there. Garrett Bowles as well. Um, Utah, too. Both, they're both five-star guys. And Mark Thompson. All three of those guys, actually, are five-star. TCU got, like, seven of the top 100 um, <laughs> JUCO players. So those guys all play right away, too. But the guy I want to mention. Excuse me, as um, gosh, I've been messing up on his name. I swear I was gonna get it right. Walvinsky, Amy is his name. <laughs> Walvinsky, Amy, and it's Florida. He's going to Florida State, and I think that he's gonna play um earlier than most people think. Uh, I got, I'm hoping I got his name right. Walvinsky, yeah, Walvinsky. Um, Amy, yeah, he's defensive tackle. Um, from Boca Raton, Florida. Um, he's coming in from Haiti. He 
has not played much football either, like Kabongo. But Kabongo at least played some football. This guy literally just started playing football, like, right now. So he went to Fort Scott, or excuse me, went to, you know, community college in Fort Scott, the junior college there. Uh, really, like I said, hasn't played much um, at all. It was really between Michigan and Florida State. He ended up chosen Florida State just because, you know, he's from Florida, from Haiti. It's close to Florida, not Michigan. Too cold probably for him. Um, he's good, though. I like him. He... I looked at his tape, and it's it's some raw tape. I mean, even the tape is bad, shaky tape. But I like him <laughs> a lot. Um, he's just a if you, if you want to mold. You he, he might not play. You know, I don't know if you want to burn a Richard or a Juco guy. That kind of sucks to happen to him. I think he'll end up playing a little bit. I, he, from what I've heard, he's dominated. Um, in Canada, and people are like, "Who is this guy?" He wasn't even really <laughs> one of the top Juco. He wasn't. He wasn't even a top Juco player. He was like the. He was top fifty. He wasn't even top twenty. Top twenty five. Um, I think it was around 45, 50, 55 range. But he's just monster. He's strong. Um, that's one thing he, he really is really good at. He's strong. He's quick. Like I said, he doesn't know the game of football much yet. Um, but, hey, I mean, there's guys getting drafted that have only played, you know, a little bit of football. But he's legit. He legitly wants to play in the Olympics, too. As a, uh, uh, oh. Gosh. Um, the um, power what, – what's the cost? The ball, I can't think of it right now. I just watched it the other night. The, uh, you know, the ball, like you throw it, it's heavy. It's a heavy ball. What's it called? <laughs> Wait, hold I on. Are we talking shot put? Are we talking shot put? Shot put, shot put, shot put. <laughs> so you are, you were not a guy that did a lot of track and field, it sounds like. <laughs> I did no track and field. I hated track and field. I never even tried to do track and field um, at all. <laughs> never. Ever, ever, ever. I didn't not even it. go to the track. I really didn't even go to the track meet. To be honest. Yeah, well, I, I just realized that just this very moment. <laughs> yeah, I love watching the Olympics, though. Like, I was a uh, – our school wasn't uh, – it's funny because I went to – our school is uh, – Michael – or we have a player that's in the Olympics, you know, and I, our school is really good at track and field, actually. But I just didn't uh, – you know, water guy. I went to the, the water polo games and swim meets. More so right. basketball stuff, so. but yeah, um, and the, all the of course the, the, the women's volleyball, of course, because friends on that team and good-looking girls and everything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but no. Uh, well, this game, like I said, he's a raw guy. He's a guy that a few years going to be like, oh, he's going to have a story to tell. Definitely coming from you know Fort Scott uh, Community College in Kansas, and um, just not playing much football, man. Like I said, he just moved to America in 2012 from Haiti. And never played football in his life. And now he's at Florida State. It's already a good story, even if he never makes it. And like I said, he's on the junior Olympics teams, too. Um, he didn't make the Olympics this year. He tried, but that's his goal. Um, shot put. You know, he's on uh, the Haitian team there. So that's cool. Maybe he can play for America. Maybe he'll transfer over. <laughs> you know, one day. Yeah. Maybe he'll stick with his country. I'm not sure. But yeah, he's a good story to tell. But yeah, that's kind of the underrated names, I guess you could say, that are going to come in and do some good. Greg, everyone wants to watch Greg Bryant, too, from Juco, but that, everybody knows who Greg Bryant is. He got, you know, kicked out of school at Alabama and UAB, and now he's, you know, <laughs> now he's... Tell him this, last, this is the last chance. This is the last chance, Definitely. You know, one name I do got to mention is Hanson Tunawella, just because his first name is Hanson. Um, That's name. an awesome name. 
Now, you were, you were born to a bunch of Stanford guys, and this is a guy I would assume is, you would know because he's from your sort of your neck of the woods, Quentin Meeks. Now, he, he's a red shirt, right? Quentin Meeks is a red shirt, yep. He'll play. He'll play. Oh, yeah. He's good. I think he'll do more than just play. I think he'll, I think he'll be – I think he might start. And I think he might be one of the better starters in that secondary. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he starts. Um, this this secondary for Stanford is really good this year. They always lose. I mean, they always lose a lot of guys in the secondary. I feel like, but they always have. They always replace them really well too. Uh, Quinn Me, yeah, Quinn Me should definitely start. I think Elijah Holder would probably be the number one corner, but then I think he'll play right next to him. Um, only thing he's got to watch out for is uh, I know Trajan Butler is really good too. Uh, I know they're battling for that two spot, but I think Meeks end up winning that two spot over Trey John Butler. Trey John's also faster than Quentin Meeks, so I'd rather have him a nickel anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know, but Meeks is way back. bigger, isn't Meeks like a six oh, and a yeah. half, almost two hundred pound kid? I mean, I, I keep six hearing one, two, you two. know, yeah, six, I keep hearing one, two, basically two. like a Seattle, like a Seattle corner, basically. So I keep hearing people describe him as. Both of them are. Elijah Holden is uh, not as. He's not 202. He's only 189, but he's also 6'2 and a half. So <laughs> they got some big guys. And then Trajan. Don't mess around, is, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, Trajan is, yeah, he's he's only 180 and he's 6'1. So he kind of fits the nickel. He, he, Trajan Butler actually a little reminds me a lot of Zach Sanchez, who I like a lot. He's kind of like a, he's not, he's not that fast, um, mm-hmm. but he's just a ball hawk and kind of like a skinny guy. But I like him a lot. Like he could easily play the two or the one. He could be a one on a lot of people's teams. They're just they're good. Elijah Holder is good. Like I said, Clint Meeks is good. They're both soft, true sophomores. And then Trajan Butler is a sophomore as well. So three so, so hey, those guys stick around for a while. They're gonna have a really good secondary. <laughs> Not to mention yeah, Malik Antone. Yeah, and Dallas Lloyd, Zach Profar, those are two sa- uh those are safeties, they're all seniors though. Brandon huh. Simmons, they got a really good secondary. You know what? I was a guy that wasn't a hundred percent sold on Stanford coming into the season. I'm getting more and more sold on Stanford. I'll be, I'll be honest, because I heard all this Stanford hype. Some people have them in the in the top ten. Some people have them just outside of the top four. Even it's like, hmm. Uh, so, I don't. I don't. I, I still don't buy it. Honestly, I I still think that they're just a safe pick. Well, they don't really. They're always that what it is. Never see Stanford. Yeah, I, I mean, because I picked Oregon to win the conference, and I know that's kind of a people think Oregon's down this year. But now I people, I've about. seen people saying, or I, I see people saying Oregon's going for, you know, Coach Helfrich is going to be fighting for his job. So you think this is a bounce back year, not a struggle year? I don't think it's a struggle year. I think they're fine. I think Taj Griffin, uh, Royce Freeman, all the Tony Brooks or Tony James, whichever one he wants to be called, the receiver. One of the best receiving cores in the country, especially when when you get uh, Farrell Brown back with Evan Bayless at tight end. Line's good this year with Cameron Hunt and Tyrell Crosby. Um, even, like I said, special teams is uh, one of the best in the country, if not the best, Aiden Snyder. Dakota Pukov is going to come down to him, though, man. Can he play better than Keller Chris when they play each other? I mean, that's my, that might be what it comes down to. Do you trust Keller Chris? Uh, some people like Keller Chris was. Remember, people forget. I mean, this is a five-star quarterback from three years ago. Um, some people had him as a four. I had him as a four, not five. But that was a weak quarterback class that year. Um, not as weak as the uh, Jay Keeps year, but pretty weak. Um, he was number one, number two in every year. I like Keller Chris. I 
He's somewhere in between Jer or excuse me, Andrew Luck and Kevin Kevin Hogan. Um more closer to Kevin Hogan though. Um I know that a lot of people are already saying that, you know, we got better quarterback than Hogan. It's really similar to Andrew Luck. I he's not that good and I also think Kevin Hogan was bad, but he also did some things really good. Um I think people also you know, forget what a freak athlete Andrew Luck was. Andrew Luck was almost Cam Newton in terms of his athletic ability. I think people have forgotten about that part of it. Yeah, Keller is, is, is not – he can't run, you know, so I don't really know. <laughs> He's four – I think he ran a 502 or a 498. Yeah, right. I mean, he's so, athletically speaking, he's closer to being Peyton Manning or Tom Brady than he is Andrew Luck. Yeah. Now, the kid's smart as hell. Obviously, the last name, his dad's Jeep, Uncle Paul. Been right. on football since ever. <laughs> um, he's been in this program forever as well, and he ran the exact same system as this in high school. He has no reason not to know all the plays. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're just going to be good, you know. And I don't think he'll be bad, but that doesn't mean you're just going to be a world beater. Um, I think, like I said, he'll be somewhere between. He's well, somewhere I mean. Hogan. Skylar Warnerweg, I could name a bunch of coaches' sons that people just sort of, you know, penciled in because, oh, well, you know, football. Well, yeah, of course, coaches' sons know football, but they don't all pan out. You know, the, we don't turn on the television and see, you know, uh, Skylar Warnerweg, and we might see Luke Del Rio, but think of all the other quarterbacks' sons we could be seeing if they all panned out. Uh, exactly. Uh, Keller has the talent to go with it, at least. Right, right. Hey, Jerry Neuheisel, is he starting for somebody now? I mean, you you have to temper your expectations. Coaches' sons are usually very savvy, but they usually tend to, no offense, they usually tend not to be freak athletes for the most part. Yeah, they don't have the strongest arm. Like, in most of them case, for some reason, I feel like coaches' sons, quarterbacks, don't have strong arms. I don't know why. Because, I mean, Neuheisel, Luke, even Luke Dorio, he's starting for Florida, but he's not. he doesn't have a strong arm. Um, and uh, Scott Morningway, Keller Chris doesn't have a strong arm either. He's really accurate. He's big. Mm-hmm. He's about – he is the exact same size as Andrew Luck and Kevin Hogan. They're all the same size. About 6'4", right, right. 230 pounds. Hogan is more athletic. Hogan, yeah, Hogan's more athletic. Um, Hogan can run. Um, right. You won't see, like, or any read option stuff. Like, uh, Hogan kept you honest with the read option a little bit. If somebody missed an assignment, he was going to go for somewhere between 8 and 12 yards. Not 40, yeah, right? I mean, and luck, right? But he could get a first down. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, Kevin Hogan ran for 132 in a game. I mean, that that's a <laughs> yeah. rare, but I mean, he's... There is no way... There's no Kellen, way... Kellen Chris couldn't do yeah. that. Kellen Chris couldn't do that against the Coast Guard Academy. <laughs> Exactly. So that's what I mean. I mean, Kelly Chris, I think will I think they're gonna run the ball even more this year, which is hard to believe. Just because Kelly Chris well Kevin Hogan walked in to a really good situation. Their team was loaded when he walked in. This team is not as loaded. Um I think Keller's got a good arm, like I said, better on than Hogan of course, but I, I just think that they're gonna win McCaffrey and those guys and run the ball a little bit more um, this year. But I like him. But I like Dakota Pook up more. I feel like I can trust him more. He's played already in college football. He's played some big games. Um, it's a lower level, but still some big games. And uh, I think I trust him running the offense, his offense that he's really familiar with. Um, so I like Oregon a little bit better than seven. But um, 
Stanford's safe, man, and they're good, and they got uh, they're good up front. Um, we know that that's what we know they're good at up front. So that's probably why people are picking them. That's fine. I mean, either one, <laughs> either one's fine. See, um, Washington State, why everybody's picking Washington too? You know what I mean? And Wazoo, a lot of picks being picked. Everybody's year, everybody's picking Washington to win Pac-12 for the most part. What I've seen, so. <laughs> Um, Stanford and Oregon kind of fell off, I guess, a little bit. But um, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, going back to redshirt guys, I want to see Blake Barnett. I think that he is one of those special quarterbacks. Um, he was almost in the same class as Rosen. I had him right behind him. I, I think that uh, I still really wish he went to Oregon instead of Alabama. But it's okay. I just think the offense to Oregon fits better. But each other, Alabama, that's fine. He's gonna win a lot of football games, maybe a national championship. Um, if he starts this year, they got a good team. I mean, Blake Barnett. I think he ends up winning the starting job, or if not, he ends up playing. You know, they played two quarterbacks last year. Um, not really much at the same time. But I mean, Coker and Bateman kind of shared spotlight a little bit. But Coker it was always his job. I felt like he was gonna end it. Um, that's kind of I feel like with Blake Barnett. I feel like. Cooper Bateman might start versus USC, but at the end of the game or at the end of the season, it's going to be Blake Barnett's team. And you'll probably see Cooper Bateman transferring back to the West Coast, <laughs> you know, to Utah or to Utah State or whatever. He's from Salt Lake. So I just, that's what I think is going to happen. So I think Blake will have a good year for a redshirt freshman, too. Got it. So, refreshingly, you managed to mention a Vanderbilt player, a Duke player, and of course, I think two Stanford guys. Is that correct? Yeah, two Stanford guys. So I, I wanted to lean on the academics a little more. You know what I mean? Um, can't talk about Clemson and Michigan and Alabama guys forever. UCLA, <laughs> you know, Texas, all those schools. I mean, that's fun, but I mean, they they get the top players. So I mean, that's usually what we start off with, but. I like to end with some other guys. I mean, I even threw a UTSA player in there. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's true. The top recruit kind of, in the history of, of course, the, the program's not that old, but it is clearly, like, this is not debatable, the top recruit in the history of the program, a uh, program that I guess is, what, eight years old, something like that? Yeah, eight years old. Eight-year-old program, not too old, man. Uh, I, I, like I said, I... Talking Pac-12 recruit guys, I and mean, there's there's a bunch. I mean, there's a lot of young teams in the Pac-12 this year. That's why I, I you know, sometimes I struggle and don't know if the Pac-12 team is going to make the college football playoff because they're all kind of young a little bit. I think they're like a year away at the conference from being yeah, back I, to where they're like. I'm going to agree with you. I, I don't think a single Pac-12 team makes it. I think it's going to be one ACC team. I think two teams might make it from either the Big Ten or the ACC. I think if the Big 12 is represented, it's probably a – I don't know. I've been going back and forth. But I, I, I really believe Clemson and Florida State might each have one loss and only, you know, one might be to one in the regular season and then they might have one with a loss in the ACC championship game. But I think they might look so right. good in all their other games that they might still fight their way through. And I think the SEC, of course, I know I say this every year, but I think the SEC might be a little, a little bit down. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still the SEC, but I don't know if it's as loaded as we're used to it being. 
I don't think so. I don't think it's as loaded, but I think it's um, just because Alabama's not as good as they, they, they usually are, I think they might lose like a, I think they might lose two games this year, actually. Uh, when I know, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Two games this year, you can't be that, man. I mean, if you look at their roster, it's a lot of guys that you just like, okay, I know who they are because they're all five and four seven peaks, but it's, it's going to be hard. They're not I – mean, they're really deep, especially on defense. That might get them by just because they're so good on defense. And then they have – this is the first time they've kind of had, like, explosive guys on the outside. It was really in those guys, so that helps. But you're really going to be leaning on a Barnett or Bateman and then a Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris. These guys just haven't – they don't have reps. But, hey, if they're really good at advertising, then they might just get by on it. And then Cam Robinson, you've got to keep him out of trouble. He's the best player on the football team to me. And he just got, you know, obviously a little bit of trouble. He's not suspended, though. But you got to keep him out of trouble. Um, left tackle there. But, yeah, I mean, Alabama's good. That kind of makes them – Auburn, I don't think highly of Auburn. Their defense is good this year, but I just don't see them scoring points. Yeah, I feel like they're going to have a hard time scoring points. Um, Texas A&M, you like them a lot. Um, I do, too. I think they have a lot of star guys on the team, but I don't think their team is that really – I mean, they, they really have probably the most stars outside of Alabama on, in that conference. But I just don't think they're deep enough to get by. Um, so they might come out of the box really quickly and then wear down weeks eight through twelve is what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, that UCLA game is gonna that, and I circled that game on my calendar um, mm-hmm. just because that game they're just so different. The teams uh, <laughs> that's going to be a shootout and it's going to be fun. I just, it just has a lot of intrigue to me. I know there's other there's probably bigger games that week, um, like LSU Wisconsin and USC Alabama or whatever, but this game to me is just as big and if not bigger just because it both teams are kind of the same. Uh, they both need to get out to a good start. They both need this game so bad. Um and then it's more talent than UCLA. Um definitely. Keith Ford, Trevor Knight, Speedy Noel. Speedy Noel won't be playing in this game though. Um, he's suspended right now. Christian Kurt, Josh Reynolds, Ricky Sills, Right, but that's the one position where I'm not going to get the person at all, but they'll be all right. Yeah, they'll be all right. The line, though, not – they don't have that guy that that this time. Um, Avery Guinnessy is solid, but he's not going to be a first-round pick. I mean, they've had Cedric Ogabui, and they've had Joko, they've had Matthews all be drafted in the first round. I don't think Avery Guinnessy – is is that good? I think he's like a fourth, fifth round pick. Um, he's a left tackle this year. I, the line is young and not that talented. I think it's going to come down to that for them. Obviously, you flip the other side. <sighs> Deshaun Hall, Dalen Mack, and Miles Garrett. Nasty. Just not fair. Sorry. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see Connor McDermott take on Miles Garrett. <laughs> um, I, that that's, like I said, is, I, yeah, that's yeah. NFL, baby. Like, that's, you know, those two guys are projected to go in the top, you know, 15 of the draft. Um, and, yes, they have an excellent chance to do that. Yeah. and the, But the oh. other thing I do like about – I like your Aggie secondary this year. Nick Harvey, Priest Willis, who is from UCLA, transferred over to A&M, so this would be a little bit of a battle for him. Um, Amani Watts, who's been there forever, it seems like. <laughs> Justin Evans, who's also been there forever. Both right. of those guys. So, and then UCLA, we know about their roster and what they can do. Josh Rosen, 
Sosa Jimbo with all those guys. But it's going to be a fun game. Um, I texted A&M. I'm leaning towards them winning that game versus UCLA because it's at home. Um, and then next year they play at UCLA. But then Prairie View at A&M, I mean, they're going to win that. Auburn at Auburn, Arkansas, South Carolina. I mean, it gets it's, it, the schedule actually works out for them just because they play LSU last at home on a Thursday night. It's a, like it's a, what is that, like a Thanksgiving game or whatever. And then the Alabama game's on the road. That's going to be tough. But it's not until late in the season. Um, you want them kind of in the middle, I feel like. I know everyone's supposed to get Alabama early, but I don't think Texas A&M is good enough early to beat them yet. Um, they need to – but, hey, you got Trevor Knight, who beat Alabama before now. Um, you yep. get Tennessee at home. You get Mississippi at home. So – this schedule works out for them. Those home games help. Those home games help. I'll say that. It's a tough place to play at College Station. Um, I'm just worried, man, if Trevor Knight goes down. Jake Hubenak and Nick Starkle, I don't, I don't trust him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they had Colin Murray maybe or Kyle Allen still, but they don't. Um, but, yeah, I like a and And then you look I, – I, I picked LSU to make it when the SEC East. Or excuse me, SEC in general, SEC West. Um, that's that's my guy. I'm going with. I just know that we all know the one elephant in the room <laughs> is the quarterback. So I mean, I trust Brandon Harris enough to get them through um, the season, though. I really do. I know some people don't. They play Wisconsin um, first game of the season at Lambeau Field, and I know a lot of people are worried about to get that game, but I'm not that worried about it. Um. Wisconsin's good. Wisconsin really almost they stuck out they stuck it to Alabama and LSU. They played good right there with them. They're really similar. That's why. But they just don't have those athletes on the outside and I think that's the difference. But this is gonna be a tough environment to play at Lambeau Field versus Wisconsin, man. Um at least it's in September and not November though. <laughs> I'll say that. I think they'll pull that one off. Uh LSU's got a good schedule too. I mean they play Alabama at home on November 5th, but always on November 5th, that game. They play at home, though. Um, ah, they're going to have to beat Arkansas on the road. That's always a tough one. But at Florida is the game I've circled for them. Because that Florida team is, you know, we don't, what what are they really, you know? Like, are they a national championship team or are they going to go like 8-5? I'm not sure. Hmm. That's a mystery team to me in the whole conference is huh. Florida. They are because I mean, <laughs> they're loaded, man. I mean, they really they lost a lot, but I mean, I know they lost VH three, but Jalen Taborn is right there with them, and then Quincy Wilson's really good too. Um, Nick Washington, their secondary is nasty. Marcus May, hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Brian, you got Brian Cox. I'm really yes. looking for him to break out this year, finally. Obviously, his, his dad. His dad actually is one of my favorite players. My dad's favorite players. One of my dad's <laughs> favorite players. Brian Cox was a fool. He was, I mean, he, he, uh, he's still very, very funny. I don't know if you, ever, if you saw him on Hard Knocks, but uh, I, I saw him play in college, and a lot like Rodney Harrison in linebacker form, like a bigger, slower version of Rodney Harrison. Played super hard, trash talker, a little bit of a mean streak, 
But yes, got the most out of his ability. He was not a terrific natural athlete by any stretch of imagination. He was only the second best prospect at linebacker in terms of like in the conference at the time. John Offerdahl was considered a better linebacker in the MAC at the same time that they were both there. But you know, he just man, he just first of all, he was very football smart, and second of all just a guy who gave, I mean, he really gave it at all. He gave every bit of it. He He's like a five-flat guy on the 40, but you wouldn't have known it to watch him. He really, really, really did work hard to speed, to be able to play fast, even though he wasn't a fast person. Yeah, and Brian Cox has been a little bit of a fool. You know, he's a little silly guy, but off the field, you know, academic probation. He missed the whole season last year. This is his shot, right. man. He's been a spot guy, you know, with the third, you know, third uh, down guy. It's the first time he's ever started. So, Brian Cox is going to be interesting to see. I mean, they're Caleb Brantley. They got a lot. Alex Ozoni, um, Christian Garcia, Jared Davis. I mean, they're loaded on defense, Florida. They're always loaded on defense. You thought their defense was good last year. I mean, that defense got them to the SC Championship. It wasn't their offense. Um, I mean, their running back was good. Um, running back that just got drafted, uh, Kelvin Taylor. Uh, and they had Demarcus Robinson for it. He missed some games though, but they were they had some good offense, um, some players. But their defense, I mean, they had Trayon Harris as a starting quarterback in the um, SEC championship, and they competed in that game. I mean, they they just could not score and stop Derrick Henry. Really, I mean, that was what it came down to. Couldn't stop Derrick Henry. Couldn't couldn't throw. Um, but I like the team, Callaway. Powell and Fullwood are the receivers. Treyon Harris is now transferred out. He's left the program, so he won't be a receiver. He was going to be the fourth wide receiver. Gone. Um, only thing I worry about a little bit, young line, very talented line, but young. David Sharp, Martez Ivy, stud guys, young, though. Um, Frederick Johnson, Roger Johnson's brother. Florida State. Just young. I mean, there's young up front. And then, obviously, every team in the SEC, I feel like, has this quarterback thing going on. Blue Del Rio is a mystery man. He has been at a lot it's of like schools. the program itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, I mean, he's never played um, before. He's at Oregon State. He's at Alabama. Now he's at Florida. Three power five schools. Maybe the third time's a charm. Um, this is his shot. Well, he, looks, you know. he looks good in the spring game. I mean, for whatever oh, that's yeah. worth. No, he's looked good in practice the whole time, um, really. I mean, because a lot of people were saying Austin Appleby or Kyle Trask. Um, we're going to, you know, give him a shot, run for his money. They haven't – they've been good. You know what I mean? Austin Appleby's obviously played a lot of snaps before. He's at Purdue. Kyle Trask is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks on the roster. And then Felipe Franks, I never really bought into him having a chance. Um, he's definitely a redshirt guy. But, um, yeah, Luke Dario's good. In practice, and look pretty solid. I mean, we'll see. He's got the best thing for them is their schedule too. Um, it's just not hard starting off. They play they play UMass at home, play Kentucky at home, play North Texas at home. First three games, so he should be able to get his feet wet in September, and then they play at Tennessee, which is the game pretty much this year for them. Um, outside of Georgia, of course, um, and Florida State, but I mean for early on. At Tennessee, um, hype. I can already see that being college game day. You know, Tennessee hosting that early. 
So it's going to be tough, but I think they can win some games. I mean, I, how many games do you see Florida winning this year? I think I have them at like nine. I was going to say, I can see them, I can see them getting to nine. Ten is an impossible, but I could definitely see them getting to nine. And Duke, Luke Del Rio is, I mean, obviously quarterback is important for anybody all the time. But if Luke Del Rio is, you know, another beast, like he isn't just good. He ends up being, say he bypasses Chad Kelly and becomes the best quarterback in the conference, you know, which admittedly is still setting the bar somewhat low. But if that happens, if he's a 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions kind of guy, and he throws in another 360 yards rushing, two more touchdowns. They could be right there. They could be playing for the championship game against whoever comes out of the West. Yeah, they can be. They definitely can be. I, you know, I just – I like Luka Del Rio, um, another Valor, High, Valor Christian High School guy in high school is uh, McCaffrey. If you go to Valor Christian, man, your dad's got to be able to play, cause, uh, <laughs> apparently, because they got Stenstrom, you know, and then the other McCaffrey, Luke, little little brother. Right. So they got more McCaffrey, right? More McCaffrey, and there's another Del Rio, uh, Max Del Rio, who is not even in high school yet, but I'm sure he'll be the quarterback at Valley Christian someday. Yeah, I mean, if your dad didn't play in the NFL, no need to apply at Valor uh, Christian, apparently. No, nah, no need. No need. He's for the quarterback um, job, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think Luke is solid. I don't think he – if you're right, if he does reach Tad Kelly's status and the best quarterback in the conference, yeah, they can win the conference and get to the college football playoff. I just don't think he's that good. I've never thought he was that good. I know he's got a lot of hype. Some people have him as a four-star. Some people have a three. He's kind of all over the place. I always thought he was a three, maybe even a high two. Um, smart kid. and can like, He can fit on this team because they're so loaded. But you never want to ask him to do too much. Um, he's really good on rollout, good under center, smart, can make adjustment uh, adjustments during games, um, like halftime and stuff with the coaches, and just kind of extension of Jim McElwain on the field, which they need. Um, won't make a lot of mistakes for you. Won't blow the game. So I like that. Um, that's what he was, and that's probably what he will be um, coming into the season. Um I mean, yeah, it's, it's up to him, definitely. Like I said, the young guys got a lot of young talent on that uh, football team, so we'll see. Yeah, I think they'll win some, some, some big games, though. Um, probably lose to LSU, Florida State, and I think Georgia is a little bit better than them, too. But that, you never know about that Georgia-Florida game. It doesn't matter what the records are. Um, and they're usually both always good, but it just doesn't matter. And at Arkansas, at Arkansas's got a lot of home games this year. Even though I don't think their team's that good, they just play all their tough teams at home. Um, and it's always a tough place to go play. Um, as we saw last year, you know, Ole Miss kind of blew their shot at Arkansas um, last year with that crazy Hail Mary type of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that team. And then Ole Miss is another team in the SEC that uh, – <laughs> I don't know, man. Ole Miss is – we know they can beat – they have the schedule to honestly lose like two games and still get in the college football playoff, really. Um, <laughs> they play Florida State. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Memphis, <laughs> and Auburn, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Georgia Southern, who usually wins like nine or ten games a year. So, I mean, every team they play might be in a bowl game except Walford, and that is not FBS school. 
So, <laughs> you know what I mean? They I, I, they did their schedules. I think they have the hardest schedule in the country. Um, I know there's other teams that they say have a hardest schedule, but I don't see. I mean, they have one give me. That's it. I mean, well, Vanderbilt, they play Vanderbilt two, two games. That's it. I, I, other than that, I mean, who knows what Ole Miss can do? They might, they might be six and six again this year. <laughs> I mean, honestly, which would be the end of you freeze. <laughs> that was the case. It would be, but I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, their defense is not that great to me. Um, up front, they lost too much. Um, you can't, you know, and, and Kandichi and those guys up front. I, I mean, I like Marquise Haynes. They got him um, at defensive end, but that's about it. Um, now back, they got Tony Connor uh, and Tony Bridges, and then they got Deontay Anderson, who is from Houston. He's a true freshman. Uh, I, I didn't name him earlier, but he's actually starting on their team right now. And then C.J. Hampton, too. Um, I like those guys. But then on offense, it's just too much of a mystery. Uh, we all love Evan Ingram, I think. Everybody likes him. He's an undersized tight end. Um, but then Stringfellow hasn't played in a long time. Um, sure. We've got D.K. Metcalf, hasn't played yet. Two true freshmen that haven't played yet. Um, Quincy Oba, I can't pronounce that guy's last name, but you know who I'm talking about, number eight um, on their team. Um, he's a guy that's solid. I think he's a nice possession receiver. He's okay. Uh, I think he's going to be more strength though and Ingram taking the load off. And then they're off of the line. They have all freshmen and sophomore on their line. They have no seniors, no juniors. I mean, Greg Little is playing, like I said, uh, right tackle, I think, this year. And Alex Gibbons is playing left. Or they might, who knows? I mean, they can interchangeable, basically. I, I just, I, can, I understand why Chad Kelly was going to leave, leave last year. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do. I, I understand because he was so hot at the end of the season. And then their yeah, offense is—it's gonna be. It, they're not. He's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna put the same numbers as last year. Yeah. I just don't. No, see no. That happen. I agree. His numbers are gonna drop a little bit. He, I mean, he might be better as a quarterback. Right. But I don't think he probably will be. Good. Yeah, but I don't think his numbers will be as good. Um, yeah, he'll be. He's definitely gonna benefit from. It. I mean, the guy played one year of football. It was last year. Um, it was good year. I mean, he had some bad games too. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he had some good moments, especially like I said at the end of the year. But um, I just don't—they don't have a running back, man. Like that's what they've been missing this whole time. Ole Miss hasn't had a running back. Um, they get Cam Akers next year, but that's next year. Um, we'll talk about next year. Next year they're gonna be good <laughs> if you freeze is still around, because um, all the recruiting recruiting he's done. But this year I just see them dropping off. I think they're like an eight-one team this year. And I don't think he'll get fired, though, because the recruiting class is so good, unless, you know, some suspensions happen or, like, off-the-field stuff. Or if they really do right. go 6-6, six and six, they'll probably get fired. <laughs> yeah, if they really go 6-6, six six, he's done. But eight eight wins this year, I mean, because I, I don't think they'd be Florida State. I don't think they'd be right. Alabama. Right, right. right. Georgia's a toss-up. I think they can take Memphis this year. I know they lost that game last year, but – it, that Memphis team's not the same without Paxton Lynch and those guys that graduated. Um, not even the same coach, even though I like Mike Norvell. Um, I mean, they lost to Arkansas last year. They played them again at LSU, Auburn, home, at a and I mean, it's tough, you know. I see, I see four losses. I just don't see how they can go, like, 12-1. I mean, 11-1. <laughs> 
Yeah, with that right, schedule. exactly. I just, I mean, that'd be a hell of a coaching job. But he's ready to go eleven and one, or run the table with that schedule. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, they could, they could beat Florida State. It's the first game of the season. I just think Florida State's better. I think like. I trust that they're going to run the ball enough for Dalvin Cook and Ole Miss won't be able to stop it. And I just don't know who – I mean, we know what Ole Miss is going to do. You know, they're going to try to throw all over Florida State. I don't, I don't think that's the team you throw all over, though, that secondary. Uh, expect Darren James to get an interception, <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> off of Chad I think they're just asking Chad Kelly to do too much. He's going to end up probably throwing like four touchdowns with three interceptions, though. In that, uh, yeah, it's a, a tough way to make a living. It's <laughs> a tough way to make a living. Yeah. Hey, it's a Monday night game. It's a spotlight game of the night. It's going to be the only game on, like, Ohio State game last year. It's in Orlando. Florida State's going to have – it's a pretty much a road game. Uh, Ole Miss fans do travel well, but it's, it's in Orlando. Florida State will have their backing. And uh, this is, that's what Chad Kelly likes, spotlight, on the road, tough environment, not expected to win. Those are the games that he plays best in. So who knows? They have a puncher's chance. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, he also said he's the best quarterback in the country, so he has a target on his back now. Yes, that is true. <laughs> he did say that. Um, if he meant seniors, he might have, you know, a fight to be had. Or I, I would just assume he hasn't seen that much of Josh Rosen, but still. Or, or Patrick Mahomes, or Sean Watson, or well, it's a bunch funny. Of other... There's some people. There's some people that think that there might not be a Deshaun Watson right now. If Chad Kelly was there at Clemson still. That Sean Watson never. <laughs> Sean Watson would still be Chad Kelly's backup. I don't know <laughs> about that. I think the person but... you're describing is Sean um, Kelly. <laughs> I mean, it is um, Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly. Yeah, I mean, it, they, ooh, they, it was supposed to be the quarterback battle between them two. I mean, no one had and it was. It was Kelly, the I saw, I saw Chad, the battle, yeah. and I, Chad, I saw him get Chad hurt. Kelly was actually, yeah, Chad Kelly was actually in the lead because yeah. he's a you know an upperclassman. He already had yep. a couple of years on him. So, what, two years, I think? Yeah, two years. So, I mean, hey, it could be right. I think Deshaun Watson still would have won the battle. But Chad Kelly was it's not immediately. If not immediately, he would have. He certainly would have won it eventually. I mean, that's. I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I saw them both play. I saw some practices. I saw spring, and there were things even early in Deshaun Watson, very early in Deshaun Watson's career, that you saw him doing that. I don't see Chad Kelly doing yet. <laughs> you know, but who knows? Maybe this is the year he does. Yeah, he's got to get better at just man- game managing a little bit more, obviously. Um, yeah. Now, I like the throws he makes. There's some throws that he makes that only a few guys in college football can make. Rosen, Watson, some of them. Um, Chad Kelly's in that discussion. There's throws, I'm saying, like off-balance 20-yard throws on one leg. His arm's just really strong. He's got one of the strongest yeah. arms in the country. He's um, he, Yeah, he, he can really sling it. Um, but he also, you know, needs to check down more or run. He has good feet, too. He can run a little bit more. Um, sometimes he likes to not slide or get out of bounds, too. He likes to be – he's a tough guy, you know. He likes like, he likes to get hit. That's cool for him. But you don't need to do that, um, you know. <laughs> you don't need to get hit. You're the quarterback, you know, not 
a tight end or whatever. You, know? you don't gotta prove middle linebacker no anymore. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? You're the starter. It's your job. You're the best quarterback in the conference. You know, they people are talking about you for the highs, and they got a whole campaign for you now. You know what I mean? And I, I know he likes to play the under underdog role still and find a way to get that underdog role. But I mean, now it's just time to kind of put up a shut up. You know what I mean? Um, on that aspect of it, and just play. But like I said, he ended the season well, man. He had the highest completion percentage the last five weeks of college football. You know what I mean? So I mean, he was on. He was on his game. But we'll see what happens. Well, you certainly saw. I have at times been critical, but critical as I've been, there was undeniable growth between early season and the late season versions of him. He was a very different player later in the season. Yeah, even though that game, which was early and they won that game, that's kind of his coming out game. That he played good in that game, but it was like a lot. It was it was there's some luck, you know. And I don't usually use that word too much, but um. I mean, there's uh, something he was just throwing the ball in the air and like it just got caught because right. well, the trail have been you know? picked, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> ended up in the hands of guys for big games, and yeah, I mean, yeah, he got yeah, there was some luck in there. Yes, most of the teams that beat Alabama usually have a certain amount of luck. Yeah, there was like what he threw a seventy-two yard touchdown pass where it was just like um, a screen. You know what I mean? Like it's just a wide receiver right. screen, and it just took it to the house. So I mean that happened, but you know he and there's getting ball like I said he just he throws a lot of jump balls. Um, but this year actually that's okay I feel like just because DK Metcalf like I said and those guys and Stringfellow they're jump ball type of receivers anyway. But as long as he throws them at the right time, that that's all that matters. Timing is the word I use for Jack Kelly <laughs> um, when it's you know. Two, second and five, I don't really want you to throw a 30-yard pass. <laughs> you know, you don't got to throw in double coverage. So that's all we asked for. I'm sure that's all he frees us for too. So. Yeah, I'm convinced yeah. that his maturation, and we talked about it, I mean, that's really sort of like we just talked about Florida. I think the story of whether they get to contend for a conference title or they end up, you know, being satisfied with going to a second-tier bowl game comes down to maturation and consistency in their quarterback play. If they get, you know, it doesn't have to be great, but if they get very good, solid, consistent quarterback play, they have enough of everything else on that roster to be a team that is a tough out and can play with anybody. But if their quarterback play is inconsistent and, Gets them into trouble and out of trouble, then yes, I don't think they'll go. Yeah, just that you know, eight and four is probably within reach, but seven and five is equally likely, and it's, you know, six 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 is possible, but that would be seem essentially disastrous. Yeah, it would be a disaster. What's the off the field? Stuff? If you didn't have the off the field stuff, you could afford to have a bum season like that. Um, but not with the academics. Their GPA is high. You know, he keeps saying that the GPA is high, I and mean, that's fine, but when all your players get suspended for different types of reasons. And then you got these recruiting issues, you know what I mean, with whatever you're doing, off, you know, side money, side things, whatever, that you can't do it. It doesn't matter 
it is the highest GPA they've had on the football team in like 10 years, which is fine. Houston Nutt didn't really do that. You know what I mean? But this team is definitely on the cusp of a national championship and on the cusp of reloading again. They're in the middle. They can go either way. Tennessee, same, I mean, they're the same way. I mean, they've got everything you need to win a championship this year. But can they do it? <laughs> uh, I guess that's another another team that everybody's looking out for. Oh, uh, and Dobbs, you know, he's one of the most experienced coming back quarterbacks coming back in that conference. So that's, uh, he looked good this offseason. I will say that, but uh, we'll see what happens on the field. First game, App State. Got to watch out for the Appalachian State guys. You know, they like to do upsets early on. Um, <laughs> then Virginia Tech, that's that's a big one, uh, of course. Virginia Tech's always tough to be. I think they'll win that. That's the game in Motor Speedway, uh, Bristol. That's going to be kind of cool to watch on TV. Ohio after that, and then Florida, Georgia, Texas, and then Alabama. That stretch of four games <laughs> is going to be hard for them. I mean, I don't know what their record's going to be. Well, they have to beat Virginia Tech because they lose that game. I mean, two and one and going to that. I mean, who knows what they're going to be when they come out of that. That I mean, I don't know almost if you'd rather have that four-game stretch and then they have it easy at the end. They play Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. In South Carolina, I almost would rather have those games like that back to back to back to back weeks. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I, I mean, I like it for them because if they get past it, you you just like now you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? It, I don't see any SEC team going on this field. It's just it's too much yep. parity. People, you know, a lot of people are saying Tennessee can go undefeated. Because they don't play certain teams in the SEC, but I still don't think they can do it. Um, I mean, that Alabama game's at home. That's the one that everybody's circling. I just don't know if they're going to be undefeated going into the Alabama game. Like, you know, you just go, I mean, A&M, at A&M and at Georgia's back-to-back weeks is tough. You know? And then the Florida game at home. So, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I think they can 3-1. and one. I think they can go 3-1 and one in that stretch. They'll be all right. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm sure that's not their actual goal. No. Their goal, yeah, their goal is to go 14-0, and 0, of course. But, you know, um, I just don't see that happening um, here. But, yeah, I mean, I, that's a 10-2 and 2 ball club to me, Tennessee. I think they'll lose. You know, they're going to lose a dumb game, like Kentucky at home or something. But, like, we're at South Carolina, like one of those type of games. They're going to lose one. A little silly game. But honestly, I think they get through that stretch pretty well. Like, I think they'll beat Florida and a and And Georgia, too. I think they'll lose Alabama. At home. Or at, no, you know what, at Georgia. I think they'll lose at Georgia. But I did pick Georgia to win the SEC East, so I think they'll lose at Georgia. It'll be Alabama. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know, Bill. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> It's a roulette, man, because I have to think LSU, you know. I think LSU would win. They would have to beat Alabama, I guess, too. So, I don't know. I don't see Alabama losing three games, though, <laughs> in the regular season. Yeah, my only issue with LSU, and I, I know I've said this a million times, but, you know, call me when you figure out the quarterback position at LSU, and I will I, I, be I'm, fully I'm, on board. I trust, I trust Brandon Harris, man. I told you. I trust him. I, I like him. 
I think I like him enough for them to get by. Or Danny Etling, one of those two guys. I mean, <laughs> Danny Etling's had some. Danny Etling's had some moments at, at Purdue. And oh. wasn't he? No, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. I keep getting he and Austin Athlete mixed up. I was trying to remember how many different schools they transferred to, but like each one just has one grad transfer in their in their background. Um, yeah, Etling and Appleby, who at one time were teammates at Purdue, now both gone to the SEC, which is interesting. You couldn't quite yeah. get it done at Purdue, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Florida and LSU, two of the you know premier teams in the country, and you know not only that, I mean you got. You know, Del Rio, who lost the job at Oregon State. I mean, it's not. Yep. And people forget. It. Collins, I, mean, he, yes. I mean, the Alabama job. Oh, I don't really ever think he should have even went there, to be honest. But <laughs> um, and he lost that job. <laughs> but, um, you know, he lost the job to, uh, yeah, Phil Collins. Phil Collins not that good. I mean, he's okay. He's not <laughs> that good. You know what I mean? Huh. So, I mean, you worry about it a little bit. But we'll see what happens. Um, he's kind of vagabond quarterback. But I like Harris. Um, like I said, man, if we can just get Harris to look how he was in the game of the season, we'll be all right. <laughs> if I'm on LSU's camp. I mean, obviously, he's not going to play that the whole season. He was 16 touchdowns, four receptions, about 15 – or 59 and a half percent completion percentage, about 60. Uh, he runs the ball really well, too. Um, kind of like Jordan Jefferson started off a little bit a couple of years ago. Then he kind of tailed in. And that's kind of what happened with Brandon Harris. And then the Fournette hit a wall a little bit too versus Alabama and then uh, Arkansas. So, I mean, they got Derek Geis and Fournette in the backfield. Um, I like that, obviously. Two of the best running backs. The receiving core, Tyron Johnson, Trevon Duraw, Malachi Dupree. That's a good three-man weave right there. And then you got Drake Davis, the guy we mentioned earlier. Colin Jeter um, at tight end who's finally getting a chance to play. We've heard about Colin Jeter forever. Now he's finally getting a chance to play. Um, their line's good this year, um, especially on the right side of it. So I like what they have, and their defense is fine, obviously. They don't No worries on defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, LSU, I mean, they're balanced, man. They got everything you need to win a uh, bunch of games. Nine and three last year, I know, kind of tail in off of the end of the season, but I think they'll be all right. Uh like I said, game, games I'm worried about then is Alabama because that team they usually can't beat. Um, at Florida, and then Ole Miss at home. Ole Miss plays them well too. So, um, but home games for LSU, pretty. I mean, ninety-five percent of the time, <laughs> they're they're gonna win their home game. So, I guess I shouldn't be too worried. But I understand what you're worried about the quarterback position because. If it's as bad as it was last year when it ended, it's going to be, you know, 10-2, 9-3 again. Yeah, which normally would be a good problem to have. If you're any place except some place like LSU or Alabama, you know, places like that where somehow 10-2, 9-3 don't, don't, don't excite people in a good way, the way they would mostly. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, my, my, my thing I worry about the most, man, and I hate worrying about it, uh, and I, I pray, honestly, I know that people say they pray, and I really do. I mean, I, I really, when there's a guy like Leonard Fournette at running back, uh, we've seen all the injuries happen to the top guys, it seems like every year. Um, I, I hope he doesn't get hurt, man. Like, I really hope he doesn't, like, tear ACR, get a crazy injury like that. 
And I, I'm not, you know, if he sprains an ankle, I mean, you know, that happens. But I hope he doesn't get hurt like that. I know he's got an insurance policy out on him already uh, for like a million dollars if something happens. But for one, LSU's not going to win many games without number seven, <laughs> you know, just for his sake, you know. Because he really is one of the, you know, he put on the show last year at times. So it's fun to watch. So, I mean, he's my Heisman um, guy, you know, the guy I picked to win the Heisman this year. So and I like LSU. I think um, – it's tough. Like I said, SCT is just roulette every week. But I really think that they can come out um, 12-1 and 1 at the end of the year, which is going to be hard, I know, but I think they can do it. I think they might, 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 might lose one game. It would probably be – there might be that Alabama game or Ole Miss, the two I'm worried about. Ole Miss always does that, though. Like, you know, they'll beat the national championship from that team from that year. They just did it last year. <laughs> One team to beat Alabama. <laughs> so, I mean, it happened. They beat Alabama twice in a row, working on three. So, that's how it works. It's roulette. But I think LSU will be the team on top when it comes out in Atlanta um, for the SEC title game. Yeah, I mean, there's – to me, there's clearly a lot of, of capabilities and that's why it is that I feel that Texas A&M has an opportunity because their defense, is it a top defense in the conference? No. Can it be at least an average defense in the conference? I think so. Maybe even slightly above average. Their offense has a chance to be the best offense in the conference and possibly by far the best. If Trevor Knight becomes Trevor Knight, you know, becomes the guy that he was going to be originally when he was lighting up Alabama, amongst others, uh, as a, what, was he 19 at the time? Something like that, 19, 19 and a half, 20. He was. 20, 20, 20. 20, okay, as a 20 year old, lighting up Alabama in, in, in the, the bowl game. If he can go back to being that guy, because he's surrounded by, you mentioned the, the Noel suspension, and I'm, I'm not trying to do, diminish it, but so, um, this means one <laughs> other of their ridiculous wide receivers will have to you know, get the, get the balls that would have normally gone to speedy. Yeah. If no, their offensive line. Good. And I was going to say, I like that. You know, it's like a team, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go 8-5, again, something like that. But I I wouldn't also be surprised if they did what you did and win the SEC. I wouldn't. And nobody's picking them to win the SEC. And everyone's down on someone right now because everything that's going on with recruiting. You can't worry about that. It's a lot of what-if stuff. Um, I know that he's kind of burned some bridges with certain guys, Coach Bath, a couple other recruits. I think people are so obsessed with them losing Kyle Allen and and, and um, Kyler Murray and Tate Martell. I mean, they lost three five-star quarterbacks in a week. <laughs> it's never happened before. That's kind of, that um, is kind of a, a record probably, I'm guessing. Yeah, but you can't they, – they rebounded. They got Trevor Knight. He's still solid, serviceable quarterback. Even when he was bad, he wasn't horrible. He just wasn't good enough um, to, to, you know, win a lot of football games in that, in that conference, the Big 12, because it was a throwing conference. But this time, he's got more talent than he does on Oklahoma. Also. Well, at least at receiver. Um, maybe not on the whole, whole spectrum. But I like Trevor Knight to bounce back and, you know, redeem himself and play good. And Keith Ford is coming from Oklahoma, too. Um, his ex-teammate, and he's a really good running back. He just kind of got lost in the sauce with P. Ryan and Alex Ross and, and all those guys there. 
but he's still a four-star running back, a power back, something they haven't really had. I think he's a little bit better than Trey Carson from last year. So that's another upgrade. And honestly, man, again, you know, I love Kyle Allen and Kyle Murray. They didn't play that good last year. There's a reason for them having to both play. Um, now, Kyle Allen actually did play good for about four games. He had a stretch where he was a Heisman candidate. I mean, it's always that with Texas A&M. The quarterback started off really hot. Kyle Allen was 16 touchdowns to one interception for his first four games. Yep. Um, 1,500 yards. Or he had three picks, sorry, three picks. Six, still 16 touchdowns, three picks. You know, um, almost a 65% completion percentage. Was hot. Um, then he started getting worse and worse, a little bit messing up, throwing too many picks. Um, he's just slow on reading stuff. That's what Kyle Allen's bugaboo. Um, and then Kyle Murray just wasn't ready. He's just a running quarterback right now. Um, a damn good one, but he's just small. Um, then he had beef, I guess, with Kevin Soma, too. Uh, so there's just a lot of stuff going on with that. But, I, yeah, I like that pick. They have stars, uh, like legit bona fide superstars. And, and, and their special teams is good. And like you said, their staff. Think about their staff. Um, Noel Mazzoni is our offensive coordinator. John Chavis is their defensive coordinator. And Kevin Selman is their head coach. That's yeah, a good superstars. staff. They have superstar yeah. coaches. Not just good coaches, superstar coaches. Yeah, Chavis, Mazzoni, and uh, someone is a superstar staff. That's one of the best, you know, just three-man staffs in the country. And then Aaron Moorhead, I know he got into it with Tate Martell online, and he's actually suspended, too, for the first two games. Um, but <laughs> um, he's still a good coach. I like him as a wide receiver coach. I mean, he's done, done a good job of developing these receivers that they have that were already really good, but um, he's done a good job of, you know, developing. You know, Ricky Solis Jones, as good as he is now, it didn't start off like that, you know what I mean? No, he, well, he was a high school quarterback, obviously, so he had, you know, a lot to learn. Yeah, he was. He was a high school five-star athlete, though. He was still a five-star. He struggled early on, and now he's good. Josh Reynolds was a guy that was kind of lost in the sauce, too, in Oregon. Um, went to a JUCO and came back. He developed him really well. Kirk and Noel were already kind of developed products. <laughs> Right away, guys. Kind um, <laughs> of right no- out of the box, yeah. Yeah, if they can get in- Speedy Noel to just stay out of trouble and get in class, um, yeah. he'll be fine. Class. That is the program for him. Yeah, they got to get him, I mean, for one, go-to class and then get yeah. solid grades. Um, go-to go- 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 class. While he's, while he's Step one. Yeah, miss the class, but. He's suspended for, I think, the UCLA and Prairie View game, probably those two, and then he'll come back versus Auburn. So, yeah. um, But they're, like, I, like you said, though, they're, if there's one position that they can lose, if anyone else lost their number one receiver and kicked her, <laughs> you know what I mean, they'd be devastated. But they're okay. They got Christian Kirk is a better return man than Noel, and he's, they have the best two return men actually in the country. On one it's team. kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like I said, Kirk will just move up to number one. Reynolds will move up to two. Ricky Still Jones will be at three. That'll be fine. Um, that's a good problem. Now. Now, they got four guys that are probably going to draft in the first round. The receiver. Yep. So, nice got all time. He's the guy with the Ferrari on offense. No. Not Jacob Easton. <laughs> yeah. That's a Ferrari. That's why it is that I kind of went out on a limb and said I thought he might find his way to New York as a high school yeah. finalist. Could have. Because in that, he fits that offense really, really well. 
gets the ball out quick. That's what they need. They need a lot of quick stuff because um, those receivers can do it on their own. You know what I mean? Once you get into all the ball, you know, the five-yard route, a slant, he's done. Like, he's going to the house. Christian Kurtz going to the house on deep route. And Trevor Knight can throw the ball deep on, you know, just the, the streak routes and everything on a go um, to Ricky Seals or whoever, Josh Riddle. So, yeah, he fit. I mean, you saw what they can be last year in the bowl games and at spots when, when uh, Kyle Allen was quarterback. You kind of saw – or, or you know, Kyler Murray, either one. And especially Kyler Murray, you really saw it. You really saw what they can be. So I think Trevor Knight would be a little bit of an upgrade. Excuse me. Connor McQueen, you know what's funny? Connor McQueen's still there, six-year senior. He came in with Johnny Manziel. Um, <laughs> and he's still there. So – that's funny. <laughs> I just want to throw that out. He's like the third-string quarterback. He probably won't ever play. But, or he's actually the fourth-string quarterback. Wow. I mean, yeah. he's never wow. he's never moved up the he's never moved up the depth chart ever. <laughs> he's always been the fourth or fifth-string quarterback. But he's wow. he's never transferred there. He's always been there the whole time. <laughs> he's the holder too. So hey, he might. Uh, you know, he is a big guy. Got to hold the football. <laughs> right. And you know. Tony Romo showed us how important that can be in a big game. So good, good. They have a guy of yeah. experience. Connor Queen, Connor McQueen. Literally, literally holding it down for them. He literally is holding it down. Yeah, but I, it's a good conference. It's a good conference. What do you like about Texas A&M? You think they'll beat UCLA? You're not worried about that one? Start off with. I'm worried. Of course, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it for both teams. Um, I'm worried that UCLA might get lit up. Um, not that their defense is bad, but their defense isn't the best at taking away the things that Texas A&M does well. And then the the reverse is that if UCLA is able to establish a good run game and now you have to play eight in the box, he, you know, so-so Jamamo from, you know, going for 200 yards on you, now Rosen just picks you apart and you give up 50 points. So it comes down to, and of course, his offensive line needs to show up because the one thing that Texas A&M can do is get pressure. And the that, that one was, yeah, I can't wait to see those matchups, man. I mean, really, Colton. I mean, even you, everyone, everyone's talking about McDermott versus Hall, or excuse me, versus um, Miles Garrett, of course. Versus Miles Garrett, Hall, Miles, yes. Hall versus Colton Miller. It's going to yep. be a fun matchup. Colt Miller, four-star guy from Westlake Village, California area. And then uh, Deshaun Hall, you know, uh, you know, potential. Some people think he's a you know, top 50 pick, too. So Colton Hall, Colton, Colton's only a sophomore. He can't come out. But he's going to be eventually, you know, one of the top guys one day. And, they, you know, Deshaun Hall is really good right now. And even if you want Dalen Mack, you know, who is a monster. Yep. Um, he'll be going up against uh, – Scott Quisenberry. Younger brother Quisenberry. of uh, Yeah. Yeah, David. David. Yeah. And Scott's really athletic, good. I mean Kenny Lacey's up front, Jake Rollerson, transferred from Texas to UCLA. He's really he started at Texas. You know, it's not like he wasn't playing. He just, you know, when Charlie Strong got there, you know, he left and uh, he started as a true freshman, you know. Um so he's really good. He was a five star guard and he got lost in the sauce. Like I said, before the couple other guys, he transferred with Charlie Strong out there, and he got hurt last year. He's back. He's going to be starting at left guard. So they got a solid line. I just – the reason why I'm picking a just because I – like you said, uh, they've got a lot of um, – their secondary is going to be tested, man. 
Uh, we all know that. The secondary is good, actually. They bring everybody back from last year. Um, but, however, I don't know <laughs> if that's enough to stop saying that offense. <laughs> I just think A&M's offense might be the best in the country this year. I think they might have the best offense in the country, certainly in the discussion. If they aren't number one, they I can't see them being much outside of it. And and like I yeah, said, yeah, I wonder. Go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say if Treasure Knight is trash, of course I look like an absolute idiot, but I don't think he will be. I think he will have a really solid bounce back here, and you know, remind people, like I said, of the guy that people were once really excited about a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to put them up there with one of the best offenses. I think Oklahoma's offense is better than theirs, but outside of that, well, maybe there's not. Right. I mean, those 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 two, and actually, they're very similar. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, a lot of not players, like schematically, a lot of but even stylistically, yeah. right? It's not just schematics, stylistics, personnel. I mean, they're really similar. Baker Mayfield and Trevor yeah. and I are not really that different if you look at their actual physical characteristics, what they do well. They're kind of the same guy, classically. And then Keith Ward and Piran are, I mean, you know, it's kind of like Oklahoma has a little bit better version of both guys. They like, <laughs> a little bit better than Knight, and then Piran's a little bit better than uh, Keith Ford. <laughs> and then, but receivers, right. though. So what do you uh, do receivers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not That was a story switching. That was the other one. Yeah, I like Geno Lewis and D.D. Westbrook a lot, but <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> they aren't they yeah. aren't a bunch of guys. They don't have four guys who might go in the first 115 picks. No, and Oklahoma only only thing about Oklahoma, you know, I picked Oklahoma win the championship. Or excuse me, I didn't pick them to win the championship, but I did pick them. I said they were favorite to win the national championship, and I have them as the number one team. Um, but. Their offensive line is not that great. It's just as good as A&M's, which is not – it's solid, but it's not great. Uh, only yep. difference Oklahoma has Orlando Brown, who is a monster, who we've heard from. Now, you've had a couple guys. You always have a guy from Oklahoma on the show. I can't think of his name right now. We both follow each other oh. on Twitter. Um, Nolan? Nolan Lake? Probably. Nolan, Nolan, Nolan. Yeah, Nolan Lake. Yeah, he, he loved Orlando Brown a lot. 6'8", um, 345-pound left tackle. Um, monster. Monster. Basically, Jonathan Ogden. Um, baby you know, younger. Yeah. But yeah, that's crazy. Potential. Yeah. yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. Oh, that's all. But, yeah, their lines, eh. Mayfield's going to have to do a lot of uh, – Wonder Kid stuff again. Yeah, a lot of Mayfielding, going out there and Mayfield yeah. it up. Yeah, which he doesn't mind doing. Obviously, he's more than no, willing to go out there and start Mayfielding it up. Oklahoma's defense is really good, though. They're just too deep, which they haven't had a really deep defense in a while, and that's why I like it. Uh, I know they lost some guys on defense. For one, I mean, they lost Sterling Shepard, which was is actually people don't realize how they're not going to realize how big that is until you know. Until they get into the a crunch game and they need somebody to give them that exactly. eight yards. We need eight exactly. yards. Who's going to get Gino us Lewis, eight yards we have to have? Exactly. That's going to be tough. Geno Lewis, you know, people are saying, you know, okay, well, we're replacing Geno Lewis with Sterling Shepard. It's not – I like Geno Lewis. I don't think he's <laughs> as good as Sterling Shepard. Uh, I know he's coming over from Penn State. Um, he's a transfer from Penn State. He was a starting wide receiver at Penn State. He was a leading wide receiver. So he's good. Don't get me wrong. But he's not Shepard. Um, nope. He's not that good to me, anyway. So I like their defense. So too deep, 
lost Alex Sanchez, but they still got Stephen Parker, Amon Thomas, Jordan Thomas, Caleb Kelly, true freshman that'll be starting. Um, Jordan Evans moved from safety to uh, linebacker. Now, hey, is Caleb you know, Kelly a guy we should a guy we should throw into your list of impact youngsters? Yeah, I thought I thought I mentioned him, but I guess I did, and I forgot. Um, yeah, it's another Fresno kid. Um, Oklahoma does a really good job of getting Fresno kids. They get all the top Fresno kids. Um, at yeah, they really school. do recruit the living daylights out of Fresno. <laughs> yeah. Edison, Clovis, East, West, they do a really good job. Um, really, really good job. They probably have more the top guys from Fresno than, like, Fresno State and Cal. And, or Cal, or, and, right. I mean, any of the California yeah. schools, it seems like. Yeah, Caleb Kelly is going to be playing that uh, strong side linebacker. Um, him and Chance Sylvie, but I think Caleb Kelly will start. He's just too talented not to. Um, he was he's probably one of the most ready guys coming from that class last year on to play. 6'3", 225 pounds, he's a good-sized guy. Um, Oklahoma a little bit bigger on defense, which I like this year. They were kind of light on defense last year, Eric Stryker and those guys, like I said, Sanchez. But, and it, the, the, they, they do lose the locker room heart and the soul because Zach Sanchez – and and Eric Stryker were some loud talking, you know, hyped up. They play with heart and soul, man. You know, those guys, you can't really replace them in the locker room. On the field you can, but not in the locker room. Somebody's going to have to step up. Charles Walker, he stayed in school, which was really good. I think that was a smart move because he was going he was testing the waters as a registered sophomore last year. But he came back, um, had a really good end to the season. I mean, he had – he was the only one that really showed up during that Clemson game, to be honest. Um, he had a good game. Everyone else played bad. They got they got the, the new double O, you know, that's playing Jack Linebacker. I am not going to try to pronounce that guy's name. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's two O's, you know, and I'm guessing that he is Nigerian as well. But, um, you know, they <laughs> yeah, got him. You are correct. You are. Yeah, <laughs> they got him. Um who he, I saw him in the spring game. He looked really good. And if you remember a guy named Ricky DeBerry from two years ago, a redshirt freshman, he'll be playing that jack linebacker too. He's kind of a, you know, he's a big guy, but he's only six foot. But he's 250 pounds, so he's kind of short, but he's big. So I like him. Jeff too. Luke, he might be. yeah, who now is a yeah. fullback in the NFL. But, yeah, similar style, body type, and uh, player. Exactly. So I like this Oklahoma team. The schedule, you know, they start off with Houston. So, I mean, <laughs> not easy. Houston, Ohio State, TCU, Texas, you know, obviously all the big 12 schools. You'll know what the team you have games. very, very quickly. <laughs> you have, I, you know, I, the Houston game is scary. Like, I've always kind of, like, settled that game when I saw that being scheduled, like, two years ago. But I – and it's in Houston, but I'm not – Oklahoma's going to have more fans in Houston just because there's just more fans from Oklahoma. But I just think that uh, – I think they'll win that game because of P. Ryan and the running backs. P. Ryan and um, – gosh, uh, what's the other running back? Joe Mason. Keith Ford? Oh, right. right oh, right, no. Mixon, sorry. Yeah, Joe – and then Alex Ross, too. Um, both of, All three of those guys. They're really just even mixing and P. Ryan. I think that they'll wear Houston down towards the end of the game. That death will show up, and then the running backs will show up, and they'll win. Um, a close one, I mean, 34-31 type of game. Um, UNL Monroe, or UNL Monroe win at home, of course. Um, right. Ohio right. State. 
<laughs> it's home, man. I think it's home. I think again they can run. I think the ball I think that's a play-in game for the Final Four. Basically, I think the winner of that game has essentially punched their ticket to the Final Four. Yeah, basically, I, I think they'll win that though. I think they'll end up. I, I just really like Joe Mixon and Piran. Those are that's the best one-two punch maybe in the country. And then Alex Ross is no no slouch. You know he's actually <laughs> right. the fastest guy. He's the fastest out of all of them. Um, yep. so if they ever need like a you know just a pure speedster, you know they would go Alex Ross. So I'll, and then Mayfield can run. You know what I mean? So they got. I like you know they, they obviously you know we want to talk about MVP type guys. I would say Fournette and McCaffrey um, are one and two, and then Watson and Mayfield would be four, three and four to me. Um, I just think that they lost Cody Thomas to the MLB draft. Um, he's now playing for the Yankees farm system. He's not the backup quarterback anymore. Um, he's gone. So they have Austin Kendall and Connor McGinnis. Uh, McGinnis is, you know, a redshirt freshman, kind of like a two-star guy. He's really tall and lanky, but you don't want him to play. You know, People have never even heard who he is. Um, Austin Kendall's a nice recruit, um, three-and-a-half star coming in from this year's class. He's a true freshman. So it's all, it's all Mayfield, you know, um, to to be that guy. And he's got to live up to the hype, you know, he has around him. Like I said, it's like Chad Kelly. And these guys have always been the underdogs and had a chip on the shoulder. Now they're the favorites. So let's see how they play when they have that on their, on their, on their front now, not their back anymore. It's a target, an F on their chest, basically. Um, but I like Oklahoma. I mean, that's going to be the Ohio State games to play in, the Houston games to play in. Because if Houston beats Oklahoma, I don't think they'll lose a game. Um. I don't know Houston's schedule by heart, but I just don't. I know they, their schedule's pretty good to be a non-Power 5 school. I do know that. Um, yeah, they have two. They play. has two big non-conference games. Who do they play? The other one is against um, is it Texas, is it? Let me think. Um, they play Texas Tech. Texas Tech, that's right. I knew it was a Texas school. It's like Texas Tech. Thanks. See, I, you know, I think they're favorites to beat Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech is the power five school. I think that they'll probably be like a three or four point favorite in that game. Um, it's a neutral site game. Another neutral site game. That's a, that's a true neutral site game. I think Houston probably bring out some fans with that one. But Oklahoma have more fans. Um I, yeah, I just still think they I think they lose one game this year at Oklahoma. It's close. And they'll get into another um, Day 6 Bowl, or excuse me, New Year's 6 Bowl, um, probably Fiesta or something like that. I don't think they're ready for the Final Four quite yet, though. Um, but, yeah, their schedule, I mean, they they do play Louisville on Thursday night, late, late in the season. That's the other team they play out of conference. I forgot about that one. So, they, so they've got some games. I mean, they really could run the table. If they run the table, you got. I mean, I, I would assume Louisville would be good this year. I don't know about Texas Tech. Um, they they got a question mark kind of team, but then Oklahoma, of course. So, it really depends how good the conference is. If they're still good last year, they'll be all right. Cincinnati's on the road, Thursday night one. Connecticut's a Thursday night game. They've got a lot of Thursday night games. Memphis, Friday night on the road, last game of the season. So yeah, I mean, they, we'll see. Houston's got – they have it in front of them to do some damage. I'll say that. Them schedule Oklahoma is the best thing they could have done because without Oklahoma on that schedule, 
I think they probably would go undefeated and not made the um, championship. What was the point of doing that, though? You know what I mean? Go undefeated right, right. They could have run the table, but nobody would have cared. Yeah, just go go ahead. And if, if they get blown out by Oklahoma, which I don't think they will, I mean, they just lost a, a really good football team, you know. Um, that's one of the favorites to win. But, I mean, they showed me something versus Florida State last year, though. They really did. And, you know, people want to say Florida State wasn't motivated. or I, You know, whatever. I'm not buying that. They they put up good numbers the whole season. Todd Herman outcoached Jimbo Fisher in that game. They played. They fought to the end. Greg Ward showed up. Um, receiver they had that just got drafted, I guess, showed up too. Um, team's good. I wish that receiver came back. I can't think of his name right now. Smaller receiver they had last year. Uh, which team? Houston, they lost. Uh, DeMarcus Ayers. DeMarcus Ayers, yeah. DeMarcus Ayers, yeah, who's now returning. Yeah, I wish NFL, he stayed. Yeah. I wish he stayed. I wish he stayed. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a big X factor to have him. But I like what Todd Herman's doing, man. Obviously, they schedule Ohio State in 2019 and 20. If he's still there, I don't know. But, I mean, for right now, <laughs> the schedule looks good for the future. It's got, you know, good fan base. They got, they're a hot band. You know, UCF and Houston should be good. There's no reason for them not to be good at football, um, especially Houston, Texas. I mean, come on. Yes. Well, Houston, Texas. I mean, you essentially could do what they did back at Miami in the, you know, late '80s, where you just draw a 50-mile circle, you know, right around the perimeter of your campus and say, "This is all the recruiting we're going to do." It's 50 miles. I think that's what – I mean, Todd Herman's kind of doing it. He's not going that full range of Miami, but, yeah, I mean, he's, that's what he's doing. If you look at their recruiting class from last year, led by Ed Oliver, a guy from Westville and Houston, that's what they're doing. And he's going to get transfers in as well. And, and that pipeline they already had, you know, um, at Ohio State that he, he brought in. A lot of guys from Texas. JT Barrett is a guy Todd Herman got from Houston. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, he's going to get – Kyle Allen will be quarterback next year. Um, Greg Wardley, so they'll be at, you know, they probably will be better passing team next year with Kyle Allen. Um, obviously, Greg Ward has that running dimension as well. Uh, I really do like Chance Allen, too, and Isaiah Johnson, two wide receivers. So, yeah, I mean, Houston is really on the rise. I like their team a lot. Their def- Can their defense hold up the whole way? I'm not sure, but uh, well, that is the biggest team. question. If they can, because they're going to score points. <laughs> The question is, can they stop other teams with 20 points? And if the answer to that is yes, more often than the answer is no, I mean, it isn't beyond the realm of possibility they can run the table, but it's going to be tough. And obviously the biggest challenge is the game we just broke down, the Oklahoma game. The advantage is that, once again, they're playing a team that is fairly similar to them, at least in terms of the offense. Only, you know, Greg Ward is an even better athlete, but not quite the passer that they, they feel this. But they both like to operate outside of the pocket on the run. They both are certainly unafraid to tuck it. It'll be a fascinating game. It'll be a program-defining game if Houston can win it. It will change the trajectory of their program for the next several years. People will talk about Houston, but they're already talking about them, but they'll talk about them even differently from the way they're talking about them now. And, yes, the Big 12, if it hasn't already, will will step up its phone calls. You know, hey, guys, uh, we'd like to – add a couple of other teams that we couldn't help but notice you're one of the hottest teams in the country. So uh, why don't we yeah. help each other out? Why not? <laughs> and By it's a perfect way. natural fit. 
Oh, yeah, it is a great fit. I mean, I would really, you know, I don't know. BYU, they're definitely trying to add them, but, I don't, you know, they got some stuff going on. With yeah, them, well, know. culturally speaking, that's a, that's a weirder fit. You know, they, they're not a perfect natural fit, culturally speaking. They no, are and, different and, from the other teams in the conference in a bunch of might, different ways. Culture might take them out of the conference with the whole, uh, you know, I think it's the, you know, gay and lesbian thing or whatever. There's a whole you bunch know, of things, yes. There's a whole bunch of things, yes. I've been hearing about that, you know, I mean, they don't really want to be a part of a conference supporting that type of stuff and blah, 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 whatever. I don't know about that. All I do know is that <laughs> BYU and Houston are probably the you know, two likely teams they add, I feel like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- that would be both good to me. But, yeah, BYU – they're going to have to do some traveling. That whole conference is going to have to travel a lot. Um, basically, they're all in uh, Central Florida, Houston. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, understand like, BYU, but go back to the Mountain West where you belong. Um, I know you don't like it there, but it really is where you belong. It makes sense on a bunch of different levels. <laughs> but, you know, well, hey, yeah, do what you is maxed out, I guess, on Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, where would they put them, right? I mean, <laughs> that would be the only problem is they'd have to – the Pac-12 to me is already – yeah, at it's – they don't need to exp- – I mean, no. there are a lot of conferences that I think have expanded more than makes sense anyway. They would be on that list of conferences that have expanded more than it makes any real sense anyway. The you know, Pac-12 so who, for what? Yeah, they well, I think they're they I think they are going to expand, but I don't think it's going to be right now. Um, they're going to expand to 16, I think. Personally. I think they're going to go 16 cuz I know SEC's 14. And I think they 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 uh, you know, SEC's always they set the bar and for everything coming So I think that that uh, BYU if they don't go to the Big 12 and they're still independent um, I like BYU being independent though, just because of the, the school that they are. You know, they the whole point of uh, doing a Mormon mission is to travel around the world, and you know, with the football, they're literally traveling around the United States. Right? They are they literally traveling all over. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's good for them with uh, the background. But I mean, if they join a conference, I would like to see them in the Pac-12 more than Big 12. Um, Boise State flirted around a little bit. Colorado State. Probably be another team that'll float around a little bit. Um, I don't know who else. They would probably throw like some just chump chump teams in there that they can beat up on every year. <laughs> Other than that, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I like the conference the way it is. I mean, I wish BYU was in there instead of Colorado, but you can't just take Colorado out of the conference. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. have to start taking out teams. No, that would be that. Would, that's what they should do. Is they should put Colorado in the Mountain West, and yes. I guess you could put BYU in the in the Pac-12. That would make more sense. It would make more sense uh, on a bunch of different levels. Obviously, competitively, it would make more sense. Colorado would be a contender if they were in the Mountain West, and they'd be in the same conference with their hated rivals, Colorado State. So, you know, Colorado, word to the wise. If, you know, if they call, listen, I know it's considered a quote-unquote step down, but would you rather be a team that's going to be a 7-5 and five team consistently in a slight step down, or would you rather be cannon fodder in the Pac-12? Exactly. One thing that helps out Colorado is they're good at basketball, and they 
Pac-12 is is not as good as it used to be. I feel like like it's still a solid conference, but it's not as good as it used to be because UCLA mainly because they're down. But um, right. But yeah, Colorado, I mean Colorado usually makes the tournament at basketball, um, baseball not so much. But I mean yeah, they right. usually make the tournament. Right. Yeah, it's helped them out. Utah too has actually helped out Utah um, for basketball because they they always make the tournament. Um, they've gotten even better, you know. Now, I mean, they've always been good though. I mean, since really Andrew Bogut got there, you know, what I mean, a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, like ten years ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, conference realignment. I mean, I look at it from all sports. I mean, really, the main. You know, sports, of course, not like gymnastics and stuff. But I mean, it if you're good at gymnastics, you're good at gymnastics. It doesn't really matter what conference you're in, probably. But I mean, football, baseball, basketball, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> some schools can't lie. I mean, Utah's the best number one team in uh, gymnastics, women, for right? Pac 12. But I mean, no one cares, though, like money wise. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Just be honest. Right. It's not, no one's going to women's gym. You know what I mean? I mean, I care because I, I like, you know, the, the Capital One Cup. You know, I keep up with that. But most people don't care about that. Um, people people don't countries. change conferences in order to facilitate yeah. the progress of their women's gymnastics team. Is the point I think you're making. So, football. Utah's actually done a smooth transition to football. You know what I mean? They've been all right. Colorado was already on the downward spiral anyway. So no, but Colorado is a big market, so so you cannot have them in the teams in there. Provo, right. Utah, not big market. Um, <laughs> Boulder, Denver, big market, money, way more money, <laughs> basically. And it's a public school, which is better for the conference always. So it helps out. But yeah, I mean, I, and, and speaking of BYU. Well, I mean, I like them this year. They're not bad. They got their schedule's always just tough. Like obviously they can afford it, the travel and everything. They're not hurt for travel expenses, but man, I mean, <laughs> their schedule is rough. Like I never know. It's just week to week. It's hard. You don't know what they're gonna do. The team's good. They bring a lot back. New coach. No more Bronco Men Hall though. First time in a long that's, time. That's well, I was saying uh, previously that when was the last time someone not named Bronco Mendenhall or um, Lavelle Edwards? Well, I guess they had – was Gary Croton there for, what was it, a year and a half or yeah, something? He was there for, yeah, he was there for a hot second. People don't really count Gary Croton for some reason when you talk to BYU fans. But, okay, so if you stick Croton in the discussion, that gets you to three coaches over 43, 40 – let me see. With well, Elwards came in like 74 or something, 40, yeah, almost 43. It's 40, so it's three coaches in 42 years, I guess, something like that. That's a good number to have compared to all yeah, the even if you keep, Right, even when you count Gary Croton. <laughs> yeah, even if you count Gary Croton. I mean, you, gotta, you can't, you know, they want to forget about him, but I still count him. <laughs> you know, he was there for a whole season. Not like he was just there for like half a season or interim coach or anything, but yeah. Um, BYU, like I said, always tough schedule. I like them this year. I don't. They're an interesting team. Um, gosh, I wish I had their schedule right in front of me, but I don't. Um, I know their roster. You know, um, I obviously they got Tanner, Tanner and Magnum at quarterback. 
and Taysom Hill for a seventh. What? <laughs> so many years. No, seriously. Isn't he like 28? He's 26. Seven. He's the same age as me, so I'm about to be 27. So that means he's probably already 27 or 27 now. Yeah, I don't know really which one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's his seventh year in college, so I mean, <laughs> he's been there a long time. Well, everybody else, um, literally. So, <laughs> and he went on a Mormon mission. So he's a pretty old guy, married, kid on the way. Everything. Most of those guys are like that, though. But, yeah, I mean, he. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, you got a guy that's just so – I mean, he literally just had a statement where he said, I'm just praying to stay healthy the whole season. That's all I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just to not be hurt for once in my whole life. Um, I think they're going to go with Taysom Hill at quarterback and Tannen Maynard. I think they'll play both. And I think in this situation, it's okay. Um, you know what Taysom Hill's about running the football. Um, you know, Tanner Magnum can run a little bit, but he's a throwing guy. Um, you can really just play both of them. It's going to just be hard. I mean, I honestly think they're going to end games with Taysom Hill and just ride him until he gets hurt again, basically, because <laughs> he's the guy. I mean, he's the, he, he's one of the most popular players in college football and probably BYU history, you know. Um, he's a kid that's just – people feel bad for him. He's, he's fought so hard to be good. He's Showing flashes of greatness. He's kind of – that Texas game is always going to stick with me in my mind where he ran them over. Um, they got Jamal Williams back from BYU. They didn't have him last year. He was suspended for off-the-field reasons. Uh, Nick oh. Kurtz. Yeah, you know, girls and BYU yep. don't really mix too yeah, well. Yeah, can't be. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. But you know what? Their team – I worry about their line. I've said that about a few teams. I worry about their line. Big boys, of course. A lot of guys from Tonga and Hawaii, you know, Hawaii. But I still worry about them. A lot of, they lost a lot of guys. Their defense is fine. They did lose uh, one of their stars up front, of course. But their secondary is solid. I just see them being – as much as I love Taysom Hill, I just – I don't know. I just think their schedule is a little too tough. A little too tough. Um, not as tough as last year's. It's still tough. They play Arizona. In Glendale, which is a neutral site, but home game for Arizona. At Utah, they play Utah again. I know you'll be happy about that, Bill. They play Utah again. Um, yes. Yeah. The Holy War is back. The Holy War right. is back. It took two years. Frankly, college football business. doesn't make sense. It's like Army not playing Navy. It's like there's certain games that, what, is the Iron Bowl going to Sunday not be played? I mean, some games have to be played. Well, we got it back. It's for good. You know, signed yes. it well for 2026, but that's a long time from now. I'm sure they'll keep extending it. Um, Utah, BYU, they play UCLA, they play West Virginia, Toledo, Michigan State on the road. Weird game, they play Ole Miss, or no, they play Mississippi State at home on a Friday night. Weird game for Mississippi State, probably going to Utah on a Friday night. Oh, that's going to be a weird one. Um, then they play it Thursday, they'll get a short break and go to Boise in a kind of new rivalry game, BYU and Boise. Uh, at Cincy, Southern Utah, UMass, and Utah State. <sighs> How many games do you think they'll get out of that? I would think at least nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, nine. Yeah, they won nine and four last year. Won their bowl game. So, yeah, lost their bowl game. 
They were nine and three last year. Yeah, they'll probably go nine and three. Yeah, they ended the season well. They lost a bowl game. Uh, yeah, they'll beat Utah State, UMass, and Southern Miss. Southern oh, Southern Utah. So in with three wins. I don't know what they're going to be before that. You think they'll be Arizona? That's going to be kind of a meh one. I don't know. That's the that's one of the games that I'm on the fence about. I you would know better than I would. I have no idea how no idea how good Arizona is, quite frankly. Um, I, no, I just, no, know, I don't. I don't be know. About eight five, eight four, eight <laughs> something. You know, but it's not based on anything. I just gotta go with what I usually expect them to do. No one knows. Arizona doesn't know how good Arizona is. Nobody does. Retrod doesn't know. Um, Arizona is probably the most complex team in the country, uh, definitely in the Pac-12, just because you just don't know, you know, um, mentally how they're going to pan out. And they're not, they're not deep. They got a couple of star guys. They lost Scooby Wright, New Solomon. Is he going to be healthy? I, I don't like Arizona this year. I think they're a 6-6 six six ball club. Um, I think BYU beats them because they're just too powerful. Arizona – just struggles with teams that run the ball like that and have big lines. <laughs> right. like, not even good right. lines. It's going to be like big. when they play Stanford is what you're telling me. Like, they just get pushed around. Or UCLA, whichever. I mean, what, you know, last year we saw also what happened with them on national TV um, in that game. And then Josh Rosen wasn't even that great that game. I mean, it was just – they just ran Didn't the ball. Have to be. Yeah, so, I mean, their defense just they – could, they couldn't run the ball. Um and they you know New Solomon it was all everything happened bad BYU I think they'll beat Utah too I think they'll beat Arizona and Utah I think they'll lose to UCLA that West Virginia game's tricky hmm that one's weird because I West Virginia's kind of a weird team too this yep. year I don't know what they are I don't know like they might yeah, lose study in con- con- that that game is a definite study in contrast because. I mean, both teams will throw the football, but the way they go about doing it is very different. <laughs> yeah, and that game's also at the Redskins Stadium. Right, so they're playing in so, Washington, so it's truly a neutral field, though I think West Virginia will obviously have the advantage in terms of travel. It's, you can yeah. drive it if you want to from West Virginia. You will not be able to drive it from Provo. No, no. And then the Michigan State game on the road, because uh, Michigan State lost. I don't. You like Michigan State more than me this year. I, I can I can tell you that. Well, I, I think Michigan, Michigan State is going to be in just outside the top ten. I think I put them number eleven in the country something like that. Yeah, man. I don't even have them in the top twenty-five. So I mean, wow. We're definitely just. I think they lost too much. Um, for me, in, in my taste, um, you know, obviously starts at quarterback. Their defense is still really good. Don't get me wrong. I think they can end up in the top. 25. I just don't think they are a top 25 team right now. Um, they all Connor Cook. You know what I mean? You know how much I like Connor Cook. I think that's going to be a big loss, bigger than people think. I know Tyler O'Connell and Damian Terry, you know, solid quarterbacks and everything. Um, they do have LJ Scott, who I like a lot, big big time running back. Um, yeah, and Benny big year. He is. It's really going to be a I good think he and, Yeah, I think he and Stephon Barkley are going to be neck and neck for the rushing lead in the conference. Oh, yeah. And then they got Gerald Holmes, who's a nice little backup running back. He ran for about 669 yards last year. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, not bad. Their defense is nasty. I will say that. Riley Bowie and Malik McDowell, Demetrius Cooper. 
Darian Hicks, Monte Nichols. Yeah, man, me, me, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, their defense is really good. The defense is going to keep him in a lot of games. Um, I, think I just think Michigan they, has bypassed them. I would agree to that. And I think that Ohio State is still better than they are. But I, I, don't, I can't think of another team in the conference is better than them once I get past those two. Wisconsin thinks a little bit better, personally. You don't think so? Not right with Wisconsin training this year? I am not yet. I, I usually take a wait-and-see attitude with Wisconsin, and maybe this is the year. I mean, not, the last time they, they showed me after I took my wait-and-see attitude was when Russell Wilson was there. Since then, I've been proven largely correct to not jump on the train. Now, this might be the year that I'm proven wrong. Maybe they do – maybe they're a 10-2 team this year, and I'm just not seeing it. But as of now, I, I'm not – yeah, I'm not ready to buy my ticket. I mean, there's people picking them to go to the national championship or in the, the college football playoffs. Really? And there's some, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of buzz, man, around the Wisconsin team this year. I don't think they're that good, but I think they're a ten and two, you know, ten and three last year. I see them around the same this year. Um, I mean, if you think Corey Clement can be a Heisman candidate, then they might, you know, sneak their way in the college football playoff. <laughs> but yeah, I, don't, I don't think Corey Clement's a Heisman Trophy candidate, and I think that. I mean, as much fun as I like to make of Joel Stave, and we did like to make fun of Joel Stave, I don't think they're going to have a huge, you know, gigantic improvement at that position. I don't think we're suddenly going to see, you know, Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck or, yeah, heck, even Mark. healthy Chucky e. Keaton. I mean, I think they're going to see kind of the same kind of myth quarterbacking unless, like I said, if I'm wrong, then that makes a big difference. Not a Bart Houston fan. Much? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, that could change, okay. but I, I I usually become a fan when someone does something that makes me become a fan. Yeah, he hasn't done anything except go to right. the South. You know, <laughs> that's the only reason, only reason people know who he is because he's, you know, California quarterback for Dallas South. You know, he won a state title. Honestly, he wasn't that good in high school, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, he wasn't. You know, I know he went to Dallas South. He's big. That's really the only thing people know about him. He's six four, two thirty, and he went to Dallas South. Uh-huh. But he really is not even a throwing quarterback. He's really a running quarterback. If you know anything about Dallas South, then you would know that. But some people are just like, "Oh, he's big. He has good arm." <laughs> and Paul Chris is the coach. You know, Paul Chris made Russell Wilson what he is today. Anyway, oh. that kills me. That is one of my. That's one thing that drives me nuts is when people talk about. Like Wisconsin claiming this dude, he showed up like ten days before the first game. You think you developed him? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> he can't yeah. develop. You didn't develop Russell Wilson. <laughs> he didn't. I mean, you think he refined him a little bit? Not refined, even just made him a little bit better. I guess he didn't say that, but I mean, maybe well, Chris is a but, good. I mean, Coach, it's like it's I mean, like he's... it's like looking at a it's like looking at a a, a Pathetic Philippe watch and thinking the wristband made it. Like, oh well, it's all about this wristband that holding. You're killing Pathetic it with the comparisons today, man. Yeah, that was a good one, Paul. I mean, Paul just he was a Pathetic Philippe when he showed up. Did you put a new wristband on? Sure, nice. It's better looking, but it's still a Pathetic Philippe. Yeah, you know, I love Paul Chris. I love when a guy is from Madison, he went to Wisconsin, he played quarterback there. This is a dream right. school. The school is always one of the coach at. Everybody yep. likes him. The, I mean, he, he's he's getting paid. 
You know what I mean? He's he's had success, and he obviously when he's at Oregon State, he was quarterback coach for Derek Anderson and those guys. I mean, you know, for three years and Steph Stephen Jackson, he was there. He's a solid recruiter, only almost yep. great. He does a good job in the West Coast. Um, I will say that. Yeah, and it does. You know, he's coming from Pitt. Um, he is almost overrated now as a coach, though. I feel like because his first year was so good at Wisconsin. Um, like they did go ten and three, they finished fifth in the conference. I mean, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they won, ten, they always win ten games. There's nothing that he did that Gary Anderson or, or Barry Paul Alvarez. or Barry Alvarez didn't do. I just think the only difference is that he developed, quote unquote, Russell Wilson, and people are thinking, okay, well, Bart Houston is a pretty well-known quarterback, and and he actually, you know, he did a pretty good job with Joel Stave last year. I'm not gonna lie, he really did. I mean, he made Joel Stave respectable, you know. Yeah. Joel Stave. Now there's you know I mean? that. If you want to hang your hat on something impressive, that's what you should hang your hat on. Don't say this he guy, developed Russ Wilson. Say he made Joel Stave less embarrassing. Now I'm ready to to jump on the the Coach Chris train. Yeah, well, you know, I have a buddy that's a Wisconsin fan that uh, that does some writing too, like like us, and he likes to say I, I'm I'm really taking a jab at him. Well, not just him; I mean, it's more than him. It's a lot of Wisconsin fans. They they're really hyped about this season. They think they can, you know, if not run the table, definitely get their foot in the door in the college football playoff and the championship. But they do. You know, I think overrate Paul Chris a little bit too much, and a part of that is, you know, the whole Russell Wilson thing. But yeah, I would say he would. I would give him more credit for Joel Stave last year. Um, like you said, Joel Stave. I mean, Joel Stave couldn't even throw. Like he didn't even want to throw. He had like a mental like hurdle. He had yes. to over even from he the throw. He had the yips like a like a golfer yeah. who can't hit three foot putts anymore. Exactly. Like Rick 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 Ankeel, yeah, like Rick Ankeel had. And a couple other guys. So I mean, it's it's the same. You know, he did a good job mentally with him and getting him ready. But yeah, you know, you you know, Wisconsin fans, you just act like Russell Wilson was just like scrub three star guy. You know, he was just at Wisconsin and just like Paul Chris was like, you know what, I'm gonna make this little guy good. I'm gonna give him a starting job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get him drafted, win a Super Bowl or two. Even got a good wife out of it. Or Girlfriends, yeah, you know what I mean? No, that's not how that happened. He was really good at NC State. Uh, he was first. great. He was the great at NC State. wasn't as good as Wisconsinville. And he, you know, did a solid job with Russell. He was offensive coordinator. He did his job that he was supposed to do. I mean, he was offensive coordinator for a while. There was times where people wanted to fire Paul Chris. You know what I mean? Somehow he was forgotten OC. about that. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't score enough points, remember? And then now, I mean, he coached Ron Dane, and he recruited yeah, Melvin Gordon. So, I mean, people got bored with the 20 points a game version of Wisconsin's offense that were calling for his head. All of that's yeah. somehow been the kind of ran, They kind of ran him out of town, almost. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't want to yeah. go to Pitt. He, I mean, he should have been the coach over Gary Anderson if you guys wanted him that much. Wisconsin fans, they wanted this outsider guy from Utah State. Now, table to turn, they want their guy back, and they got a guy. But Wisconsin's a good team. Their schedule, uh, I just, I don't, I don't see how they're gonna make LSU. I mean, if they beat LSU at Lambeau Field, well, that will change everything. Yeah, <laughs> they play at Michigan State at Michigan back to back weeks. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't, then they that get doesn't a fly. 
Then they get a bye week and play Ohio State at home. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wait, there's more. After that, they play Iowa on the road. And then Nebraska, which is not easy <laughs> at home. And then at Northwestern. I just don't – that's tough. Yeah. Like I, like I said, eight, eight and four, you should be fairly proud of if you manage to get away in four. It's, I think best case scenario, you're talking nine and three. Best case scenario. Best case, yeah. That means you probably lose to Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, and win the rest. Yes. Right. And no, like I said, no, to me, that, that's, yeah, to me, that's an ideal scenario. Like, if everything goes right, that's Mark what Houston I develops and I have yeah. I have them at uh, eight and four nine and three. I think they I don't I think they lose all three. You know what? I don't think they lose to uh, Michigan State. I have them beating them, but I have them losing to LSU, Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, those three. I don't think they beat those guys. But I know they'll be close probably in uh, maybe two of them because it's Wisconsin. They're all Wisconsin's that team, man. You always look back at their schedule and say, man, if they could have just beat those two teams, they would have been in the college. <laughs> they could have. Right, exactly. We've been saying that every year since there's been a playoffs. If they just could have play if Alabama had smashed their brains in, or if just the like BCS that happened, really or, started, yeah, right. I mean, because even the year they had Russell, they they got hot at the end of the year on with him, and they. But you look back and like, man, they started the season off. They started one and two, I think they were one and two that year. If I'm not mistaken, I know they were one and one. They lost one game the whole year. There's like, oh, if they didn't lose that game, then you know what I mean. That's how it is. Um, this year, I think it'll be the same thing. They'll probably fight LSU hard. It's a home game at Lambeau. They'll probably lose by like 10, 7 points. And they'll probably lose by. They, I don't know, man. They don't match up well with Ohio State. They're just nope. Slow. They're too slow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. You know, I know Paul Chris has definitely tried to get some faster guys. That's why he's recruited like the Oakland and like Fresno and the LA areas a lot lately, and Chicago even, but I still don't think he has enough speed on the roster yet for them to win. Their line's always going to be good. I think Corey Kermit is a good, good running back, but I don't think he's a Melvin Gordon or a Heidemann candidate. No, um, Bart I don't Houston, think he's Melvin Gordon. Bart Houston, like I said, I, I wouldn't be trusting Bart Houston to do anything. Um, so their defensive line is great. Actually, the whole front seven, TJ Watt, the Beagle, Chiki Obashi, Secondaries, man, no, like okay, average, and not deep. And Ohio State's gonna throw probably for like five hundred <laughs> yards on them. Um, and freaking whoever Michigan's quarterback is, I don't know who it is. Not even gonna matter because they're gonna go for like fourteen for seventeen or like two hundred fifty yards and no no interceptions. <laughs> you know that's just how Michigan quarterbacks roll. Usually, Harbaugh quarterback. And Nebraska's a good team, too. Watch out for that. It's a home game, but, I mean, Nebraska's kind of like my sleeper team this year. Um, I like what Mike Riley and they're doing. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's a team that can find its way to eight or nine wins. Yeah. There's just a few teams, Bill. I know you know the team. I mean, Washington, same thing, like Texas Tech, Wisconsin. They're always supposed to be Arizona State. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is their year. Probably gonna be that dark. Probably gonna team. break through. We're gonna win the conference, We're gonna, or at least be in the championship game. Yep. And the only thing that saves this conference is they play in the Big Ten West. You know what I mean? So I mean, they could definitely win the Big Ten West because Ohio State and Michigan are there. 
But I just don't. I don't see it. I mean, Iowa's a good team too. I like that Iowa team. Dude, I was one game away from making the college football playoff last year. That, isn't that crazy? Not That's even one game. Of things one. I didn't see coming. It's <laughs> a team Cook, I didn't Con- see coming. Yeah. If Connor Cook doesn't convert that fourth and uh, three, five yard pass, that game's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. That drive was over. They had no timeouts left. Iowa would have won. They would have played. They would have got destroyed by Alabama too. But they would have been in the championship game. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is true. Probably, they would have been... lost by even more points. But right. But no, I mean they. You know they. they C.J. Bethard comes back. Of course, Matt Vanderberg. Um, I loved uh, Desmond King on the other side of the ball, Miles Taylor. So yeah, Desmond King is one of my favorite players in the country. Yeah. And Iowa's schedule is actually a lot easier because they don't play um, Ohio State or Michigan again this year. I don't know how it <laughs> keeps happening. Wait, no, they play Michigan. Sorry. They don't play Ohio State. Right, they play they Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State, yeah. At yeah. home, at home. They play Michigan at home late. But they, they play – their out-of-conference schedule is just so – Miami of Ohio, Ohio, Iowa State, North Dakota State, Rutgers. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to really get any respect playing those teams out of conference. I mean, no. you have to play Iowa State, obviously, because Iowa State. Right, that's there's no rivalry. Everyone gives you everyone gives you credit for that. I mean, that's, you have to play that game, no problem. You know what? And I like when FCS schemes play FBS. Everybody's been complaining about it. I think it's cool. So North Dakota State with me is fine. My and North Dakota Iowa, State is North Dakota State's not exactly a guaranteed W against anybody. No, it's not guaranteed. <laughs> not guaranteed. Not guaranteed at all. I mean, they obviously you know have been dominating. Um, Lately, and they they still have a really good team. Just because they lost Carson Wentz doesn't mean they're not good anymore. The backup's really good. Um, Rutgers is a is a weird game because it's on the road and it's a Friday night one. But I think they'll handle that one. But then Miami, Ohio, you didn't have to play them. You know what I mean? You could play somebody else besides them. If they if they replace that game with Boise State, how different yeah. is their you know? I mean, yeah, right. I'm with you. Yeah, Iowa could go undefeated again this year. Honestly, because the schedule is just not. It's got to be Michigan. It's the only thing. I mean, the only really tough. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Wisconsin, but right? <laughs> yeah. Wisconsin, Michigan. Those two, tough ones. Playing Nebraska is always hard because the rivalry game Friday night. That game's on uh, Thanksgiving this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be tough. But I think I would. I mean, they, there's no reason they shouldn't win ten games again. Yeah, right. Their strength of schedule is probably somewhere in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably the 70th, 70 seconds of that toughest schedule in the country. It's not I actually super got difficult. it in front of me. The preseason schedule is 77. That sounds about right. <laughs> Which is probably one of the worst for a Power 5. Cool. I would hope. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just there's teams like that. I don't think that they're gonna make it. Basically, um, well, Kansas won a game this year. Speaking of Midwest teams, I think Kansas will win a game. Now you're the recruiting guru. How is Kansas recruiting shaping up? Mm. <laughs> no. Oh, all right, Dave. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave. No. The one guy oh. they're supposed to get that lives in Lawrence, Kansas, said he was going to Kansas, didn't go to Kansas. And he was a four-star. He ended up going to Alabama instead. So, you know, oh, and they lost 
you know, they thought they might get Kyle Allen to transfer there instead of Houston because of David Beatty. He was like, no way, Jose. I'm not going <laughs> to transfer to Kansas when I can go to Houston. What's the point? Uh, Ryan Willis is a quarterback. He's actually not too bad, man. I mean, he's one of the most known quarterbacks just because he went to Southwest Carroll. Um, he's not horrible. Big. Six, <laughs> so that's six, the selling four. point on him. He's not horrible. He's no. I mean, he's a he's a he's kind of like Justin Holman. Like people are just like their team's so bad. Oh my! It's not his fault. They were zero and twelve. That's basically what I'm saying. He's actually average right. quarterback. He's solid. Um, he can hold it down. He can complete some passes and everything. Um, we got a guy named Montel Cozart too, who actually might be better. He's just an oh. athlete, though. He's not really a yeah. He's right. He's a he's a guy that probably the NFL will like as a projection to defensive back or wide receiver or something. But yes, I'm familiar with him. Yeah. They did get Laquan Tavius Gonzalez Jr. from A and M because he didn't want to be the fifth wide receiver on that team, so they transferred to Tennessee, and now he is the number two receiver on their team. Now he's a starter. He went from fifth string starter like that. Um, so he's going to be reunited with David Beatty. Uh, their team, just, I, they're not. They didn't get anybody. They got a couple of JUCO guys. They got two JUCO quarterbacks, which I don't really understand. Um, enough quarterbacks on their. They got like seven quarterbacks on their roster. Um, their line, not good. Defensive line, not good. Secondary, solid. Their secondary is always kind of good though. Um, they've had a lot of success, obviously, with uh, Tlaib and those guys. But, eh. Actually, you know, the kicker, though, is um, what's the guy what, – what's, what's the guy's name that owns this uh, 49? Is Bartola? Is, is Bartola? Is that his last name? Oh, wait. The, the ownership is the York family now, but – Well, it used to be. Yeah, it used to but be. But it used to be – yeah, the the Bartolo family did at one point. Eddie Bartolo yeah. and his family did at one point. Eddie's Eddie's grandson is a kicker on Kansas. Oh. Maybe they're bringing him a little luck. Maybe you know he's a kicker. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, but they got Brandon Stewart back, who you know was one of the top JUCO players in the country a couple of years ago and started last year. And I know. They had a corner that everybody liked last year. I can't think of his name. Shepard? Denzel, Denzel, Shepard? Denzel McDaniels and Jacory Shepard. Yeah, Denzel McDaniels and Jacory Shepard, yes. Well, this Brandon Stewart was a nickel, and now he's moved up to one. And I think he's going to actually be really good. Six foot, 190, nice, solid, nice corner. I think he'll probably get drafted. Probably the only only NFL guy on the roster, really, uh, to me. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, nope. Uh, <laughs> I think they'll win – one game versus Rhode Island. That's it. So improvement. No, they're not going to beat Ohio probably. Maybe <laughs> Ohio Bobcats. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but still improvement. I mean, if you're yeah, that's a huge jump up, and you know you go from zero to one. Now you're set up to win two next year. I mean, the year after that. Yeah, they got Keegan Brewer too. Who everybody. Not everybody, but Kansas people are talking about. He's never played football before, so I don't know. In his life? <laughs> no, never. He's just started playing football right now. And oh. And he's really, really good at track. Doesn't always uh-huh. mean you're going to be good at football. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, the McCullough brothers, Saladin and Sultan McCullough, played football, but, I mean, you know how that turned out. I mean, he just – uh, 
Quincy so, Watts Keegan, played some football at least. Roger Kingdom dabbled in. Like he went to Pitt on a football scholarship. But well, Keegan, yeah. Keegan, Keegan Brewer, you know, started playing football his senior year, but he never actually played. He tore his ACL the year he started playing football. And, never <laughs> and now he's playing football. So he runs uh-huh. track, though. No. Okay. 800, 800 meters. Uh huh. That's interesting. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. Now, that's not a kind, I mean, it, I ran the eight and I hated it. Well, I hated it. I mean, it was my best event, but it was, it's a pain, it's just a pain threshold event. But I guess that's a, one thing that translates to football, but it's not even the kind of running you do in football. It's not even sprinting. I mean, it's sort of halfway between middle distance and sprinting. It's, it's a very different kind of running from football running. So that's an interesting, Guy to be excited about. Yeah, he's he's you know he's one of the top in Big Twelve, so I guess they just know who he is. But he's trying to play football now. Uh, nice story. <laughs> Don't bank on him to you know help Kansas too much. So I mean, like I said, they they're actually okay at wide receiver. That's not really what they need. <laughs> need some other stuff. Everything else probably but wide receiver actually, but and corners. They got those guys down, but yeah. yeah if you want to bring guys over from, from track and field, let's go find some shot putters and discus throwers because that's where they are not getting it done is um, up front on either side of the line. No, 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 bad. And it's, it's weird because Kansas, you know, you think of Kansas, big guy, big, you know, Kansas is producing really good linemen. Oh, they don't keep them, though, so that's the only thing. They, they can produce all you want from the state, but if they're going to, you know, Every school, every, even North Dakota State, got a three-star recruit over Kansas this year. That's bad. Horrible. <laughs> but, hey, and the strength of schedule is uh, 23rd. It shouldn't be 23rd, though. I feel like that's like kind of like – I don't buy the preseason strength of schedule stuff, you know what I mean? Like, they play Rhode Island, Ohio, Memphis. In the Big Twelve, <laughs> I don't know why the strength schedule. Is the Big Twelve that good this year? Where their strength schedule is twenty third? The Big Twelve is well, good. I don't know. The Big Twelve, yeah, the Big Twelve is really. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. If you think Ouch. Texas Tech and West Virginia are, are like legit, then I guess the schedule is hard. I don't know about Texas Tech. You know about you know I love me some Cliff Kingsbury now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, but, uh, and, and, he, and Patrick if you want Coach Handsome to keep cashing those checks, they need to be at least an eight-win team uh, because I think people will stop being excited about just being bowl eligible down in Lubbock. Coach Handsome, I think Coach Handsome get eight. I think Coach Handsome beats FS Austin. That's why I scheduled them right. Um, I think they beat Arizona State. Um, I think they beat Louisiana Tech. So I think they start three and zero. Actually. Actually, you know what? I think they start hot. Texas, they're going to have a super hot start. They're going to be that team where Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Heisman candidate. They're going to be like 5-0, and 6-0, and and they're just going to like go 2-6 and six in the season. So they play, I'm looking at their schedule, SF Austin, Arizona State, Louisiana Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia. I think it starts 6-0, 5-1. They should start no better than 4-2. They play Oklahoma, TCU, Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor at the end. So, yeah, I mean, this really is a make-or-break year for Cliff. It really is. 
But I know Texas Tech fans, and I know they're talking up a storm about this team this year, thinking they can go 11-1, win the conference. I don't think they're that good. I think they're <laughs> good enough to win. I think they can win eight games. I think eight is just enough to hold on to it. I guess have a good chance to stay employed, but it's also just enough for people to start the grumbling will start to sort of pick up in volume. So, hey, maybe we can talk Patrick Mahomes into not declaring for the draft so they could do better the year after. But that would be, be crazy. Some, well, I mean, if he can do it, I mean, some guys do come back. Some guys really enjoy being in college. They really enjoy their experience they're having as a college student and being the BMOC and all that cool stuff. And, you know, hey, I mean, Brett Favre, Hall of Fame, stayed all four. Uh, Peyton and Eli both stayed all four. I mean, a bunch of the greatest quarterbacks, all of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, with the exception, I guess, of Aaron Rodgers. We'll see, you know, if he continues to play at this level, he'll be in that discussion. But all of the greatest quarterbacks in history have played all four years to this point. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, I mean, I so Aaron, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, of course, will be the, the great exception to the rule if he – continues to be Aaron Rodgers for another three or four years, we'll have to put him on this list. You're a luck, you know, you don't want to stay three. And... Yeah, right. Like well, right, and luck had graduated. Well, okay, Cam's not, I mean, Cam's a real talent, but I don't have him on my list of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, or even the greatest quarterbacks of the last 20 years. I mean, he's he's a real talent, but he's a lot, I need to see six more years of Cam doing this at this level before I start putting him on a list with guys like Aaron Rodgers and Peyton and Brady, and that I mean, he's nowhere close. In my mind, he's nowhere close yet. He's had one yeah. good year and one great year. <laughs> I need more, much, much more. Definitely, definitely. Definitely, definitely more. Same with Andrew Luck, of course. But, um, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, we saw Luck struggle. We saw, I mean, <laughs> people laugh when I say, hey, look at look back in their history books, there's the – at this point, with ex- of guys whose careers have ended, the best early declaree in football history of guys who've had their entire career start in is Drew Bledsoe, thus far. Now, that may change, but at this moment, the most successful early declaree quarterback in the history of football is Drew Bledsoe. So that's why I urge guys, hey, you know, I know everyone wants you to come out early, but maybe one or two things. 